I don't even know if we're live yet. Okay, looks like we're live. What up, what up, world? What up, Coop? How you doing, sir? What's going on? Oh, nothing much, man. You know, we got some new music on a Friday, finally. We're, um, you know, this show was all about showing light to all the new music that comes out on Fridays, and we've been a little bit dry, no pun intended, over the past couple of weeks. But as hip-hop normally does, they hit us with an onslaught all at once. Um, a lot of albums came out today. Freddie Gibbs came out. Uh, YG came out. Rome Streets came out. Kid Cudi came out. Prodigy came out. And obviously, we're not going to be able to delve into all of those. But we prioritized here. And um, we're going to get to some of it. want to welcome everybody in the room. Did people get their notifications yet? Because it looks like we got two people in the room. I haven't gotten a notification. Haven't gotten a notification. Come on, YouTube. Stop slacking on the Mac. You know what I'm saying? I think people will get to them. And while we're doing, I mean, while we're waiting for people to get in the room, let me go ahead and put our Patreon in the in the chat so I can go ahead and get that going all the way up. I mean, I can see that we're live, but I definitely didn't receive the notification. Mm. I don't think yeah. we're on any ban or anything, but hey, you never know with these social media platforms. I'm sure people will get their notifications in a second. How's your uh, Friday been so far? Well, you know, it's the birthday weekend, so I want to yes, thank sir. all the artists for dropping fire on my birthday weekend. I got music to ride to all weekend as soon as this <laughs> is done. The birthday know. weekend is going up. Shout out to everybody coming in the room. I'm seeing people in the room now. Thumbs up in the chat so we can get more and more people in here. But so, yes, yeah, I'm, birthday I'm actually, weekend for Coop. Yeah, I'm actually, uh, I'm about to go ahead. I'm headed south side when the podcast is over. Okay. Actually, I'm going to holler at the homie Pebs. She's a legend in this city. We're going to find something to do. I was going to say, man, how we celebrating, man? What's going on? What's the word? I don't know. We working the motion out right now. I'm about to work the motion out in my head. You know, I'll be 41. I'm not really trying to club. And um, it's not really my flow anymore. But I was thinking a nice little cigar bar or a little lounge or something might do yeah, for the some chill shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you and the soon to be uh, Mrs. Mike D know what the coordinates are as I coordinate. All right, cool, cool, man. It looked like we got 18 people in the room. I don't think we're getting the the notifications. Did y'all get y'all notifications? Hmm, crazy. See. Yeah, it is what it is. Um. Before we get into this Freddie album, though, I think the numbers is going up. I think people are starting to get this. But before we get into Freddie album, you know that I guess we had a show on Wednesday and we're having a show Friday. And the Thursday in between that was that magical September 29th, 1998 date where Volume 2, Aquamini, The Love Movement, and Black Star's album all dropped. Many would say three classics. Um, and also Brand Nubian dropped an album that same day as well. <laughs> I remember that day as well, too. That was my birthday weekend, my senior year of high school. Imagine if we would have had yeah, people saying they haven't got notifications. I guess they're delayed. Imagine if we were... Very problematic. Right, very problematic. Imagine if we had to review those albums coming out on a Friday on a show format like this. I mean, obviously... Jay and Outkast would be taking press with this. Oh, definitely. Um, but 
in terms of, I mean, but also in terms of quality of album, in terms of like stature and quality of album, they would be taking. I think so too, because I mean, I know um, the Black Star thing is kind of revisionist history a little bit. Um, people really weren't flocking to that at that same magnitude as those two albums. Is that fair to say? Well, I mean, if On I'm not mistaken, day. like you know, like um, Volume Two did like five million equipment. I did like two or three. It so, did yeah, two, yeah, I think it might be a three a now, but yeah. It was what two then? Yeah, it was two. It like it was like two point five ish. The third one, and I'm sure we would have had to cover this, was and people don't really understand this, man. The love movement was built to was uh billed, excuse me, to be Tribe's last album. And everything that they were doing from a promotional standpoint, they were saying this is our final album. Final album. So really, in a lot of hip hop circles, that album was the one that, you know, a lot of people were, you know, flocking to from a collective standpoint. Um I bought them all. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Williamson in the room. Said happy um, happy shared birthday weekend. My birthday is Sunday. Y'all got so the same mine. birthday. Yeah, same birthday. Mine is Sunday. What up? Yeah. So, yeah, man. Um, with all that being said, though, I went back. And it's funny. We were actually talking about uh, Akumina organically on Wednesday. Right. And so, you know. I forgot. Un- unknowingly. Yeah. Unknowingly. Unconsciously. Right. So it was, I mean, we know the date, but it's like we didn't realize that, you know, it was the 28th, we were just going. And it speaks to, you know, how how important that record is or how important that album is and the fact that we organically were speaking about it like a day before its anniversary. Um, do you agree? And I know people say we talk about Jay-Z and Nas too much, but I know a lot of people in our posts, when we posted the source article for volume two, and they're getting four and a half mics. What do you think about that review? Since we're on some review stuff and Friday's our review day. I think four and a half is a little strong when we revisit it. Mm -hmm. But if you were to want to take it down just a half a notch and give it like a 4.2, 4.3, I wouldn't be mad at that. 4.25, however you want to degrade it. If you didn't feel, if you felt like it was better than a four, you know, but that all depends on how you feel about it, because I don't care what you say. It's like song for song. Volume one is still better than volume two, especially if you just take the singles out. You take the singles out. It's like a blowout. Well, I think the way, their way of thinking, and this is just my opinion, they were kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place, because even though volume one aged very well, we look at volume one or at the time they looked at volume one as his misstep album. Right. And volume one got four mics. And volume two was kind of being billed as his comeback album. I think they even said it in the review. So there's no way you could give it the same rating. You know what like I'm saying? Song, a song, this is what I mean. A song being bigger has never made a song better, in my opinion. <clears throat> right. Necessarily. Especially there are very talk few about songs where it's like, well, that song's too big to compete with. You know? The thing is, the big songs that are on volume two. I think that the best songs on volume one, Trumpet. Exactly. And I'll tell you what, the best songs on volume two aren't necessarily the biggest songs because that might be a week ago in Reservoir Dogs. A week ago is my favorite song on volume two, and it's not better than Imaginary Player. It's not better than A Million and One. It's not better than Where I'm From. It's not better than Streets is Watching. And I don't think it's better than Streets is Watching either. Because it's not. Yeah. Uh, 36 Chambers, what up with you, man? Super chat. He says, 
Happy birthday weekend, Coop. Uh, treat yourself, man. Ooh. Yes, sir. Uh, man, man with the super chat says, uh, happy birthday, salute, RIP to Coolio. Condolences to his family. Yes, RIP to Coolio. Yes. And condolences <laughs> to his family, to repeat what you were saying. Um, man, Coolio, he has one of the... I know a lot of people... He has kind of that Sir Mix-A-Lot thing, man, where it's like he has a great career outside of that song that everybody knows, but that song is so damn big that, you know, he's uh, synonymous with it, you know? Well, well, it's... I was having this conversation with my friend Andrew. It's like, well, it's 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 originally Stevie's song. It's a playoff of Pastime Paradise. Right, right, right. And it's you know, so you know, I thought it was actually. I wish he would have. Uh, you you know, one of the things that he did was really dope. I believe. Do you remember the Grammys when he won the Grammys that year? Didn't he bring Stevie out? I don't remember, but I would imagine he did. I mean, no, no, no. I think that happened. I think he actually brought Stevie out. So there was a good way of connecting. You know, the old with the new. Once again, I'm going to say this. There seems to be something, <clears throat> you know, we've just been living our lives a certain way as black men. And we really just need to start looking at it because it's like we're still dying too young. Like it's too many hip hop um, icons, pioneers, uh, hit makers, contributors, uh, major contributors to the culture that have passed away before the age of 60, 60 and uh, you can't tell me that doesn't have something to do with, you know, quite frankly, uh, uh, gluttony with food, uh, alcohol, and drug abuse, and nefarious women. Has um ha- has the, the cause of death been put out there? Because I don't know. I haven't checked. There. It's been a busy week. I haven't checked. Yeah. Well, somebody in the chat let us know if there's any... Um, you know, news or updates on that part of it. Ray Realm says, uh, I need both of you brothers to tell me when you're uh, ready to wrap up uh, so I can suggest a fire album that may be a compilation rap album of the year. Yeah, yeah, let us know. And I listened to um, Coast the Coast Contra. Contra. I feel I did too. Yeah, I dig why y'all are into it to that degree. But what were you about to say, my bad? I forgot when you brought up the Coast Contra thing. Oh, yeah, Fantastic Voyage was actually my favorite. Like, I, I preferred that. Remember when he did that? Yeah, 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 me too. I rem- yeah. yeah, that was actually my introduction to Coolio. Me yeah, me too. But that was the jam, too. I yeah. think that dropped, like, summertime MTV jams used to play it all the time. Yeah, remember? that was one of those, again, one of those Naughty by Nature summer jam joints. Like, yeah. that's hip-hop parade, yeah, I believe. Yeah, so yeah. I said uh, cardiac arrest. They said it was a heart attack. See, that's yeah. Uh, yeah, that's how we live it. But yeah, man, um, rest in peace to Coolio. And again, I'm with you. Uh, Fantastic Voyage was one of my favorites. I think his follow-up to that, the single-wise, was too hot. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. album was actually really good, man. And I think that because even though Coolio was from the West Coast and there was a lot of gangster rap going on at the time, he wasn't viewed in that circle because of the style of his content, but he made some really dope ass music. He did, and also too, he came from that lifestyle as well. Yeah, no, he just chose to not talk about it in that way. Yeah, and yeah. it's it, it's funny how he got looked at his different form that because he didn't want to, you know, talk about some of his, you know, more harsh reality uh, experiences. He was doing some positive stuff, but I mean, he did the uh, the theme song for all that and stuff, man. Remember that? Yeah. No, I mean, that's the thing about it. It's like, you know, we do need to start showing um, 
giving more flowers and showing more love to people that have been making it a point to, you know, be positive influences despite the dire circumstances. Heavy so. D is another one of those. You know what I mean? Like, I think that a lot of times D. when we talk about hip hop greats and this and that, if you weren't spitting on some hardcore gangster shit, I don't even say gangster shit, but you know what I mean. If you spit a lot more of the brighter, the happier stuff, you don't really get looked at or talked about like you should. And I think you know, Heavy D is the, one of the catalysts for that as well. Shout out to everybody coming in the room. I think people are starting to get their notifications. I think Heavy's ahead of his time, actually. I so and I think he's actually the author of, of, of Puff and Big's Bad Boy Sound more than he gets credit for. Of course he is, directly. I mean, he put Puff on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he put Puff on, and when Puff is making Big up, I mean, who is he making him up in the image of? He's making them like have really. Yeah. And he's making them make friendly records like have. It's just, you know, Big is rougher around the edges, so he knows how to balance both, but he's smoothing them out like have. So it's like... Oh, somebody he could have had a better him. career. He would have had a better career had he came around after Biggie. You I know agree. what I mean? But he set the foundation for that. Uh, somebody gave me a correction here. You're right. It was Keenan and Kale. My bad. I said all that. I'm thinking Keenan and Kale in my head, and I said all that. I used to watch both of those. Like, we're in our 40s. That was when we were like, what, 15, 16? <laughs> those 17? were the good old days, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? Nick at night. Quarter century ago. Yeah, man. You get to watch, uh, what was it, Snick that they had? When Are You Afraid of the Dark? And that whole rollout, man. Oh, you want to know? Nickelodeon had some dope programming, man. I would say this. Nickelodeon and MTV had some dope (laughs) programming for young people. They did. They had Hey Dude. Nickelodeon had Hey Dude in the morning. Remember Hey Dude? Forgot about Hey Dude. Yeah. Hey Dude was my shit. I used to watch (laughs) that in the mornings. I'm going to take you all the way back. I used to watch, uh, what was it, Sharon and Lois uh, Elephant. What was it? Uh, Damn. The Elephant Show. You know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, that's back. back, back. <laughs> Lois back. and Bram or something like that. Yeah, yeah. TLC did the all that one. Yep. TLC right. did it big too. RIP the left eye, man. It's uh, it's crazy, man. We're all grown and uh, hip hop is growing with us. That's why, again, when we got the OGs out here still putting out quality material, uh, we want to, you know, shed light on that, man. What AZ did last year with Doe or Die 2. Impressive, man. These are people we were listening to when we were kids. No, you're right. You know what I'm saying? Even seeing, you know, the feedback from the Wu-Tang and Nas concert and stuff like that, man, that is an extremely incredible feat. And that's why even when we talk about Jay and all that, I'm not... I want I want a new Jay album. I want a new great Jay-Z album as a fan. I just, you know, we just got to be real about it. We haven't gotten a Jay-Z, Jay-Z album since, you know, 2009. Can he do it? I think so. Hey Arnold is what they're talking about. Is that what it was? Hey Arnold? Anyway, you want to get into this Freddie Gibbs? We finally got 113 people in the room. I know I'm not supposed to say the numbers and stuff, but I'm making sure people get their notifications before we go in on this Freddie Gibbs. No, the notification still hasn't been sent out yet. So that's just people checking up us wondering if our asses are late. So that's just organically like our following kind of like being like, what the hell's going on? Like, what's wrong with these dudes? Well, there it is. I mean, people will catch up. People will catch up. Jay Short 
with the super chat says, I heard Gangsta's Paradise in the grocery store the other day. Outside <laughs> of feeling old, it made me realize that it may be the biggest hip hop song, one of the biggest hip hop songs ever. I think it is one of the biggest hip hop songs. It was ever. pretty big. You know what? Okay, so Andrew, who I do the Mirror Music podcast with, told me that it's one of the rap songs that he does know has a white man like word for word backwards and forwards. I was watching one of those shows. I think it was like it was the Shazam show, and uh, the Jamie Foxx host, and they mm-hmm. played it. And then the white people were out there rapping that shit hard, like the whole verse. No, they, uh, yeah, they, I, I remember MTV playing that song so much that I I hated the song. It was that song, and um, it was another one that MTV played in the ground that I just didn't like it anymore. I think it might have been um, Mariah Carey and Boys to Men, One Sweet Day. Like they played those records. They did so crush One Sweet like, Day. Jesus. They crushed Mariah though. You know what they else they played? Fantasy. They played the hell out of fantasy with ODB too, though, and I never got tired of that. They made me not like waterfalls from TLC as well. They played I that shit I, in I, the I, How about this? It's the fact that they played the full scale long ass video so much. I was like, not again, man. And I love TLC. It's <laughs> 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 like six minutes of my life, though. <laughs> and yes. that's the shortened version of the video. Right, because they went through the whole intro the whole scene when Shaheen the got bedroom, shot. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, and then, the you grocery know, scene with Shaheen, right. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's really like a seven-minute long video. It's like eight minutes and Is 30 it? seconds. Probably. It's like eight minutes and 30 seconds. Yeah, and then you get Left Eye's verse, which I love. But, yeah. Oh, Alanis Morissette, ironic. It. They used to play that to the ground, too. What? What is that? Alanis Morissette, ironic. Oh, they played, man, they played all of that. You ought to know by Alanis Morissette they played again. <laughs> you know what they played into the ground? Cheryl Crow's All I Want to Do. All I Want to Do. I love that song, but you're right. No, and the song is wonderful, but they just totally, like, <laughs> annihilated it. I love Cheryl Crow, actually, but, like, annihilated the song. So, let's get to the subject at hand, man. You say that Freddie Gibbs has dropped Album of the Year so far. Was sold, yeah. sold separately. Yeah, it's the most complete album this year. It it checks all the boxes. I think it's one of those things where you hear it the first time. It's kind of like entertaining and exciting and new and futuristic. And then you go back and you listen again and it's like, oh no, this guy has flows for days. He has song concepts he has album concepts he is putting things together i told you behind the scenes the single is the weakest song on the album a lot of people in the chat are saying the song with offsets the weakest song what do you think i actually kind of like the bone interpretation i did too i I, like and i'm funny about it but he's a midwest guy too and so Mm -hmm. he's not pulling for far from his roots He's from Gary, Indiana. Bone's from Cleveland, Ohio. My family's from Northeast Ohio. That's not far away. Gary, Indiana is not that far away. And so there's something kind of like personalized with what he did. And I like what he did with it. And this is what I'm saying. He's as versatile as, as, as an MC as there is right now in rap. Like I, the beat selection on here is next level to me and futuristic. Very much like No Fear of Time is, but I feel like 
the futuristic here is done better because Mike, it's embedded in the street element of hip hop. It's like he's covering the streets. He's covering that futuristic thought. The rhymes are there. The features are there. I think what this song is really missing is that, um, you know, I was telling you, I think it's as good as probably a Daytona or an Astro World, but it doesn't have a stargazing or if you know, you know. Mm -hmm. But that's about as much of a critique as I can provide about this album after listening to it backwards and forwards two times. I didn't like Offset's selection, and, and I'm going to go to the Offset thing because some people are saying that's the weakest song, and I'm hearing okay. the weakest verse on the I, album. It, I didn't like the fact that Offset chose to use autotune. Uh, I didn't. First, I didn't love that. He's either. never really been known for that, and really on a Freddie record, why would you even do that? Well, is he? He's trying new things, you know. He really is on every level, and I think that some of the new things he's trying, and he kind of even expressed that in the verse too about just being on his own and being solo. I. Listen, I, I'm going to say what? this. I know it's going to sound funny, and I know that Offset's a really, really big Michael Jackson fan, and I say this respectfully. I think he's literally trying to be Michael Jackson. I've seen him post about, you know, Michael Jackson moment. He dressed, as, he dressed as Michael Jackson to a Beyonce party. No, okay. I know that. It's not It is. It's not going to happen, no. And that's delusional. Of course. Because he's not even Michael Jackson in that group. You know what I'm saying? Like, talk to somebody if that's the case. If he thinks that he needs to talk no, to somebody. No, but I think that, that I think that's his inspiration on a solo tip. And obviously, I'm sure as a fan, he knows he's not Michael Jackson. But if you look at who was able to break away from their group and be a solo, a solo star to that level, I think he's looking at Michael Jackson in that way. And okay, first of all, he needs to stop looking at Michael. He needs to get back down to Bobby Brown. I think that's a little bit more um attainable. And I and I say this, and I say this because there was nobody near Michael's talent in the Jacksons. And I say that respectfully, because really there's nobody near Michael's talent in a lot of spaces. But when it comes to talent wise and a new addition. A lot of them were very much on that same level. And I think Bobby is a very attainable thing. No, but Bobby's like the third or fourth best singer in New Edition. He's just the most charismatic. He's the star. Exactly. What's the best singer? Like Ralph is Ralph and and, <clears throat> and Ricky were better singers from the jump. And let's not even bring Johnny we're into the conversation. After, we're not even going to bring Johnny into the conversation. So yeah. if you bring them all together, he's the fourth best singer. Right. But that drip. You know what I mean? And, and again, I think that Bobby is a perfect comparison. Uh, 36 Chambers with a Super Chat says, the production is fantastic on this one, but uh, do you it feel is. like zipper bags and some of the uh, trap vocals are out of place for this album? Maybe that's uh, my get off the lawn, but after Alfredo, this felt off. What do you say to that, crew? <clears throat> So I want to have the conversation about how it's okay for certain artists to grow because if Ken, when when Kendrick and Outkast do different stuff, and Kanye does different stuff, you get what I'm saying. A lot of those artists set the tone early to do different stuff, but I agree with you. It doesn't make well, one right and was, one wrong. Yeah, it doesn't make one right and one wrong. But what I keep trying to tell you is is that well, this album is succinctly different from Alfredo, and I also said that you know Alfredo and 
uh, pinata and bandana have elements and moments that kind of uh, align themselves with each other stylistically because mm-hmm. of who Freddie is. But that happens on this album, too, if you're paying attention, is what I would submit. And also, when an artist is on a run like this, that's not, quote unquote, against a rapper, that's considered to be more of a traditional lyricist or more as just a more traditionally or commercially revered. We talk about their their all time greatest placement, because what I really hear is another great album. You're right. From him. So like, you're saying that we kind of moved the goalposts for certain type of lyrics. Right. It's like, so it's because like he's a gangster rapper and he's not talking like super, super gangster on here like he is on Alfredo. It's not dope. And that's just not the case. And really what's going on is, is that he's actually sprinkling in the gangster shit and he's doing it under wonderful production. And so you're almost missing it. Blackest in the room with Alchemist. The mm. second track. Hold on. Zipper bags. Listen to how he's talking on Lobster Omelette with Rick Ross. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's funny. Oh, uh, and we're going to get to... Vision. PYS with DJ Paul. Gold Rings with Pusha T. Yeah. Grandma Stowe. Listen to how he's talking on Grandma Stowe. Like, <clears throat> and this is what I mean. Freddie's honest. Like, and he's not honest in a sense. It's like he's, he, he's very braggadocious as a rapper. And we love that in our rappers. We do. Like, like rappers are kind of like quarterbacks in the sense it's like, well, you have to think that you're the shit and you have to think that you're the best guy in the room on the field. And that has to be your mentality in order to succeed and survive at a, at a high level. And he has that in spades, that want, that hunger, that intensity, that like that what you're looking for in an MC. Like, like he has that. What did he say on Lobster Omelette? He said something about um, president don't give a F who I'm supposed to vote for. Right? That's Something exactly like that. what I'm talking about. He's you know honest. who? Kanye West, who you're supposed to vote for. I'm just kidding. But he's honest with how yeah. he feels about yeah. stuff. Like, there was stuff that he was saying on Grandma Stove that I personally have gone through and that I can relate to. And it's like, oh, I'm not going to get that out of a black thought or a most death. They're not going to come to the bottom with me and talk about, like, a chick vandalizing your shit. <laughs> Good point. You're not. You feel That's me? That's off-brand, right? He, he's off brand. That's what I mean is that he's so fascinating because when you hear him next to Pusha T, it's like, oh, well, lyrically, he's not Pusha T. But Pusha T is not him versatility wise. And you know how much I love Pusha. Pusha T could not make this album. Benny mm. could not make this album. Conway could not make this album. I told you the versatility on this album. It's very Biggie Smalls like. Mm. Man, Max of the Super Chat says, um, Thought the Freddie album was a four and a half. One, yeah, he said four and a quarter. I guess. Sorry. Uh, thought it was good. Had everything I wanted, but Freddie has the same flow every song. But I did like the production. Uh, Jay Short says I feel like this is more uh, Freddie than Alfredo or Pinata. Freddie the album that is. Uh, Peter Parks of the Super Chat says, "Don't know if it's Freddie's album. Uh, if, don't know if Freddie's album is album of the year, but Zipper Bag and Rabbit Vision is fire." Right. Uh, Andrea Green, shout out to Andrea Green in the uh, chat says, uh, "Any gripes about Black Illuminati not making the album? Could have bumped this from a four point five to a five mic album, in my opinion." You want to if take you, on all if these If you wanted topics? to say that Black Illuminati should be here instead of the Offset joint or the Money Bag Yo joint, I'm okay with that. Okay, but Mike, every other track on here is cold. Yeah, I mean, I every understand. Every track see, on here is cold. Let's, let's back it up. Let's back it up. This is 15 songs. If you just want to keep it to the 
album because I guess the Scarface joint is a bonus track. Mike, when 12 of your 14 joints are like doubles, triples, or home runs, like, no, like, that's album of the year. That's what I'm saying. Like, this album's not missing anything. Like, two, think about it. The, the Money Bag Yo and the Offset Records are the weak records on here. What is that saying about the album? Those are probably going to be the singles. Probably. And those are probably going to be the ones that are banging in the club or whatever. Correct. I, was ask are, you, like, I, I guarantee you too much is already banging in the strip clubs right now, Mike. I just don't know because I don't, you know, I yeah, haven't been partaking and participating in that type of culture anymore. I'm going to have to call somebody and see if... Uh, hard to go to the strip club and go to <laughs> church. It's really hard. <laughs> I was going to ask you, though, what do you say to the criticism, I think, from Mad Max? that um, his flow is the same on all these records. That is absurd. One of the beautiful things about this album is how he adjusts to the beat. And I think he did it on purpose to show who he is as an artist. I think, I think how about this? After doing Pinata and Bandana and Alfredo, I think it's like, oh, well, you know I can do that. Right. Let me show you what I can really do. And that's what I mean about the versatility. And that's what I mean when I hear like the biggie in it, when it's like, oh. He challenged gonna- himself. Yeah, he challenged himself. Like, isn't that what you want out of your greats? Are you not entertained? Because I was entertained. Because here's what I tell you. Couldn't be done and Blackest in the Room is a better start off to any other album of the year that you think is going on. Give, yes. him, give me the first two songs on, on No Fear of Time and, and, um, and Cheat Codes and Lupe, Benny, like, and all that. No, 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 no. Not better than that. And definitely not more entertaining or exciting. It's Definitely interesting you say that. that, like with the Biggie thing, because I think you're referring to Life After Death, right? And yeah. I think that with Life After Death, that's one of the things about that album that we hold high because there were some missteps on that album, but we forgive them because of the versatility and the fact that Biggie was challenging himself. He openly, I mean, well, people who worked on the album were openly talking about how he was challenging himself with the bone flow okay i'm gonna do a more money more problems there's a records i haven't done before uh even you've been robbed and all that yeah that's a southern joint that's not a joint like freddie does freddie didn't like like the the pys with dj paul freddie don't do joints like that you got another freddie joint like that 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 shit was hard hard. (laughs) like you got him like the Feel No Pain with Anderson Pack and Raekwon. You got other joints of him doing stuff like that? He got Anderson Pack rack, rapping and, and doing hooks and shit and not singing. Yeah. Anderson Pack's rapping. He's like, I'm with Gibbs. I got to rap. It's Gibbs and Raekwon. I'm rapping today. I'm sure, you know, Gibbs probably told him, like, I want you to rap. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because everybody's taking chances on this album. Right. Because even from the production selection, I knew that, okay, He's taking chances here. And you brought up a great uh, uh, a point of view when you were talking about him rhyming over the A. Marie, Why Don't We Fall in Love on he Flex. He was setting people up to hear something different from him. Sonic. Yes. You know, yes. he could have easily got on some hardcore beats or whatever. Like, no, give me that one. It's like when Jadakus jumped on Heard It All Before on Rap City and killed mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, 36 but, Chambers with the Super Chat says uh, might be more cohesive but do you like do you feel like it uh, pushes boundaries like No Fear of Time or is it well put together as Drill Music and Zion could uh, could this one have uh, could this one have cuts like I said if you want to replace Black Illuminati 
I mean, if you want to replace the offset or the money bag yo joint and put Black Illuminati in, I'm okay with that. If that happens, it's clearly album of the year. I think he was going with Fresh Sessions, though. He knows that that song is a little older, and I want to go with records that people ain't heard. Because, again, I'm a big fan of the ice cream joint that didn't make it. I think that could have easily been... Like, really, technically, Black Illuminati and the ice cream song could have replaced the song with Offset and uh, the money bag yo song. Game over. <laughs> right. But he didn't want Game to do over. that. You know what I'm saying? Oh, hold on. Hold on. So I want to write it down. Where Where's the weak moment, though? Couldn't be done. Black is in the room. Like, we've gone through pain and strife and too much with money bag, yo. And I still like too much with money bag, yo. And I still think that it's... I, I like the pain and strife. I like pain and strife, too. Yeah. Me, too. That's what I'm saying. Zipper bags is hard. Lobster omelet is stupid. Space Space rabbit. rabbit. Feel No Pain, Rabbit Vision, PYS, Dark Hearted, Gold Rings, Grandma Stove, the CIA shit, and the shit that they play at the end, where he's like, oh, where he's like playing, playing, where that's where you, that's what, that's what, that's what the homie Wap, Black Rob's old manager, was telling Mm -hmm. me about how you need dudes in the studio, in the yo with you, that help you come up with stuff. You see at the end of CIA, how they're talking about how it came up, they just happen to be recorded. And he's Mm -hmm. like, crack. You know, he's like, crack Instagram and AIDS. He's like, yeah, yeah, we're going to make a song out of that shit. But that's him talking to the crew. That's yeah. why the crew is there to kind of help you vibe and kind of put you in that creative process and mode. Like, that's album of the year shit. You get what You're I'm right. saying? I mean, it's it's clearly the best put together album of this Right, year. so it's the best put together album. Yeah. He's charismatic. He's versatile. Yeah. The production is out of this world. The bar work is high. The guest appearances are stellar. How is this not album of the year is my question, because this has <laughs> been the only album that I've been able to listen to from beginning to end two times. And it's like, well, I'm going to have to knit, knit, pick to knit, pick. Yeah. Thumbs up in the chat, man. Uh, I see the numbers are slightly going up. Maybe people are getting their notifications. I don't know. We ain't getting no damn notification. They found, not- it was my birth- they found that it was my birthday weekend. And if you're not getting notifications, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you uh, click the bell icon. They don't want us rating these albums. Right. They don't want us to rate these these albums properly. Hey, Mike, like real talk. Like, I don't even want to sidestep Freddie because this is album of the year. Like, and and here's what I want to do to prove that it's album of the year. I want to pull up on Patreon and play No Fear of Time and Cheat Codes right next to it. They're not going to win. Okay. They're not going to win. I'm telling you just off production, they're not going to win. Production and style, they're not going to win. Same reason you couldn't beat Big. That's where it was giving me Big vibes. It's like, mm. oh, even if you don't think this is lyrically the best, well, he was never technically lyrically the best, Mike. Yeah. He never had to be. You yeah. don't have to be to own it. You don't have to be to run it. That's the Patreon not is actually uh, at the top of the chat, too, so y'all can click that so we can, so you can hear us match it up. Jay but Short, the Super Chat says... Jay Short says, I feel like Alfredo was great, but Freddie doing the Alchemist thing, I feel like this uh, is Freddie doing Freddie. And he yes. sounds more comfortable. He does. He's, yeah. That's what I mean about his versatility. He can do he anything. Much sounds, <clears throat> you know, how about this? Most MCs have pockets. Most groups have pockets. We went through this with the tribe thing. That sound, that style that you can mm-hmm. gravitate to. Like he's on <clears throat> and I wanted to talk about this, you know, he kind of he kind of um, he's kind of jumped in a couple of different pockets. But this is like very stank on you, like done better than stank on you in terms of four album runs. 
Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't have an Equimini, like Alfredo's not as good as Equimini. But as far as like a follow-up to something like a classic like Alfredo, oh, this shit better than Stankonia, Mike. Like, like in terms of like, I don't know if the songs are going to end up being as classic, but you feel what I'm saying? As far as like following up a classic rap album and as far as like a four album run, he's on a four album run. Yeah. When Kendrick was on a four album run, the hip hop world was on fire calling him the greatest MC of all time. See, but gangsta ass niggas from Gary, Indiana that talk the way that he talked don't get to get that type of uh, respect and love and flowers when they go on four album runs like this. But fuck all that. Like, this is album of the year. You can play it against No Fear of Time right now. Like, No Fear of Time is losing the first two songs. Because, like, the, the first two songs on No Fear of Time are not as good as couldn't be done in Black in the Room. And neither is Cheat Codes. So they both about to be down two songs walking into the weak stuff. And all this album does is pick up steam and keep going. Production-wise, I told you, when, remember I was telling you it looks like some late registration type shit? Yeah. Well, that's what it sounds like. That's what late registration sounded like when it came out. It's like, I know this is rap, but like, listen to those sounds and listen to how it sounds. Well, let's get to that real quick, because um, I think we kind of spoke to that when we were looking at the production credits. Zipper bags being produced by Ken Trinata was one of the things that I looked at. Where I was like, OK, well, where are they going with this? Crazy. That turned out great. Shit is hard. Yeah, that turned out great. Hard. Um, and other production on here. What are some of the productions jobs that stood out to you? Because if we look at I mean, Lobster, DJ Omelette, Paul stood right? out. The PYS with DJ Paul stood out. You know, this is the thing, man, with Paul. Because it's like if you're gonna do that, like that's that's what I mean when it's like he's on his biggie shit. It's like you're you're talking about the guy that's rapping on the Alchemist track on track two, that's rapping with Offset on track three. That's rapping with Anderson Ray and Anderson Pack and Raekwon on track eight. And then he goes to the joint with DJ Paul. And, and somebody's out here saying the flow is the same. Like the flow is different on all of those records that I just bought up. The thing is, man, like at this point, and I've always expected this, but now it's, it's just extreme. DJ Paul is going to be the standout production wise on your album. Like, remember, he got that placement on Drake's album. Um, the Havoc of the South. Yeah, the Havoc of the South. If he, right. if he puts if he puts if he puts something on your album, much like if Havoc puts something on your album, chances are it's going to be, be the standout. burner. I mean, because even when he got on the Drake album, Scorpion, the song with Jay, forgot the name of it, but that was the standout track from a production standpoint. And it wasn't because Jay Z was on that. Respectfully, it was the beat. The beat was crazy. I remember when he jumped on that. Um, when he did a beat for uh, Two Chains, uh, flexing on my baby mama, stand out like DJ Paul's on your shit. Yeah, he's gonna have a standout record. He did it on the game album too, and I didn't even know he produced that song. La La Land is my favorite song on the game album, and I didn't even know that was Paul. Okay, people are understand in the chat are mistaking what I'm saying because they're too busy being thirsty and talking and not listening. I said... Speaking of thirsty, let me get me something for your birthday. Go ahead. Salute. It has late registration vibes production-wise, sonically. And first of all, and some of y'all that are talking like Dumb It Down and Mad Max, y'all wasn't even outside 
when late registration was coming out to even know how it was changing the sonic. So the fact that y'all are the ones talking that, and I know how old y'all are and that you wasn't outside when late registration came out production-wise and sonically, what it sounded like and how different it was is absurd. You were like seven and 10 years old. You you dudes were like seven and 10 years old. What's being said? Like seven and 10. Y'all were like seven and 10 when late registration came out. You didn't even understand sonically how different it was then. That's like me trying to comment on how sonically like different, like Ice Cube working with them on America's Most was. I was like nine. I mean, what was said, though, that it wasn't no, sonically? No, because they're trying to say that I was saying that it was like late registration. Nobody's saying it's late registration level. No. I said it's album of the year. I'm saying sonically, in terms of the risk being taken, and the sound sounding futuristic and fresh and new but still hip-hop oriented, it's very late registration-like. Just like me saying the versatility is Biggie life. I didn't say it was life after death. I said the versatility is Biggie life because the chances are being taken. What other rapper that talks this gangster shit is taking these type of chances? Because it's not Benny. It's not Pusha. As much as I love Pusha, it's not Push. It's not Conway. Like, like who is it? It's this guy. This is the guy that's taking the chances. And it's like when he does well, we should applaud it when it doesn't sound like a classic gangster rap album like Alfredo does. This sounds like a great rap album, Mike. Jordan House says he wasn't hip to the fact that we were live, man. So I guess people aren't getting their notifications. Told you. We got to holler at YouTube about this. Put the thumbs up in the chat. Maybe they're trying to sabotage our lives. Who knows? Very, it's very, it's very so problematic. What's that's going the Black on? Illuminati, Mike. They was like, hey, these niggas is not going to rate these albums on Coach's birthday weekend. <laughs> right. And then they do it on the Friday where everything came out. Come on, guys. Yeah, put thumbs up in the chat so we can get some more people on here. And if you know people to watch this show or even don't even watch this show, Oh, that's what show, I wanted to talk know. about, Mike, because you want to know what my people is jumping up in the chat. I see the numbers going up. I've been watching how, like, these people are talking and moving in certain industries. Like, people are, like, biting our style. Huh? I don't doubt that. No, I mean, like, like I don't mean, like, I don't mean, like, our competition or people... Thank you for the happy birthdays, by the way, for or for people that think that they are competition. First of all, if you think like you're competing with me and Mike, like like you're not. Like I think I think me and Mike are better than like all of you. If you if you're listening and if you're watching, it's my birthday weekend, so I'm gonna tell you how I feel. I think we're better than all of you. Go talk your shit, and that you don't stand a chance because you're not hungry like I am. But and and you will never be. You'll never be as hungry as me or work hard as me. I work you like all the way down to the bone. So you have nothing left. But major corporations like companies who decide like playlists, like for music channels and stuff, like I see them biting our shit. That's how I know our shit is real. Like, like not like people that think they're competing with us. It's like the fact that it's like, oh, I see Apple. I see Spotify. I see I see these other motherfuckers. It's like up in our shit. You feel what I'm saying? Well, you see, know? the thing is, man, like a lot of the corporations they want to get the engagement from the people without having to engage with the people. And I right, think that right, the right, fact right. that I'm we actually... When the time comes too, when we get big enough too. You know what I'm saying? I think the fact that we actually engage with the people, you know, a lot of corporations who don't have their feet to the ground want to tap into that kind of energy and kind of, you know... Uh, no, 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 Mad Max, Mad Max. I love you, dude. I love you. You are the best... <laughs> um, you are the best young correspondent that we and contributor that we have on this show. And we love 
your insightfulness. Uh, we got to get Mad Max on the offer, In the way that you offer a younger man's perspective. I'm just talking shit and it's my birthday, but you really, but you wasn't outside when late registration was going on. <laughs> like, even though I'm talking shit, I'm telling the truth, man. Max, like you was not outside when late registration was going on. Fam, I was going from Cali to Vegas on a regular basis when late registration was coming out. That was my early twenties. Like my daughter wasn't even here. My daughter's almost 16. That's when I would like get up at the drop of a dime and bust a move. Jay Short with the super chat says, um, are we still in the uh, J. Cole era if Freddie has dropped three classics during his reign? I think Freddie has to be the top solo MC of this era. Here's what I would have to submit to you. And I would like to say thank you, everybody, for the happy birthday love. And Mad Max, I fuck with you. I love you, fam. Well, we got to get um, Mad Max on the next Patreon show because you had, you had dropped in, drop in on camera. You know, um, you know, talking to Jordan has been so refreshing. I just want to say, like, the Jordan, Jordan House, Jordan, like, you're so um, well-spoken and articulate and thoughtful um, and just, like, to the point. Like, I fucks with you, fam. Like, a lot of love for you. Like, I love the way Jordan just, like, speaks and, like, holds himself. Jordan breaks it down, too, man. No, like, but you want to know if he's a really thing well. that it's, like, he holds you with a certain level of respect and speaks with a certain level of respect and intelligence and articulation that it makes you pause and approach him a certain way. So he holds <laughs> yeah. court like fairly that way. And I recognize that from that brother. Like, so shout out to him. Like Gibbs is special is what I'm saying. He's kind of like a one of one because gangster rappers don't make rap albums like this, Mike. They don't make rap albums like the rap album, Freddie. And so if you wanted to compare this to the Freddie album, this is the Freddie album times 10. This is the maturation process of saying, oh, I can go back to that old formula that I was using that you just thought was good. And I can make it great and I can make it futuristic. And I'm a better rapper and I got more flows and more variety. So you're saying the gangster rappers typically in our culture haven't really had this level of versatility. I guess when they do, they're considered to be Biggie, right? Like I told you, yeah. Biggie vibes. Because nobody, because think about it, Jay. Think about it. Jay's never even been. Here's where Jay's the ultimate hustler. Jay's never even been dubbed a gangster rapper, Mike. He's always been dubbed a hustler, an entrepreneur, a businessman. He's never been aligned as like a hardcore gangster rapper. Well, Biggie yeah. was, because Biggie had records like Who Shot You, and you know, quite frankly, Dreams is very raunchy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Party and bullshit, kind of raunchy. You know what I'm saying? He says some hardcore things like "Give me the baby rings and a number one mom pendant." That's gangster. Crazy. That's yeah, that's gangster. You know Wait. what I'm saying? Jay never necessarily talked like that. When Jay talked, when Jay talked greasy, Jay was like this. You draw, better be Picasso. You know the you best. Because if this is not so, uh, that's different than give me the baby rings and a number one mom pendant. It is. It's different. Ray that's, a the businessman, super chat. that's a businessman letting you know that you're infringing on his property and his money-making situation. You're right. And you other know, guy's sticking you up. Jay has vision too, and he knew even then, like, I'm not gonna say anything that I'm gonna have to apologize too much for later on. Cause I know where I'm going. Ray Rims with the super chat says, uh, you brothers know Leo's um been getting phone calls about A2HH. How the hell do these men make more money off super chats uh than views on some videos? <laughs> Shout out to Leo Cohen, man. Shout out to Leo Cohen. And we might need to get Leroy Green to get Leroy on the phone to see what's going on with these uh, YouTube 
hiccups. You know, I'll be giving Leo a hall pass a lot of the time just because, like, he's the one that's responsible for making sure DMX, like, got in the door. Like, I know it's Irv, but, like, Leo is the one that signed off on that. And we don't get it's dark and hell is hot if Irv doesn't bring Leo into a hospital bed where DMX has his jaw wired shut because some niggas that he robbed saw him on the street and proceeded to jump in, like... Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing about about, Leor, too. Outside. (laughs) That's outside. The thing about Leor, too, is he tells you what it is. He's not going to sit here and act like he's your friend. He lets you know his business. And if anything, you got to respect the fact that somebody lets you know what it is up front. And I think that even, I don't know, you haven't seen the Murder Inc. documentary yet, have you? The relationship. Start watching. Yeah, you got to watch. The relationship between Irv and Leor is so funny because they talk shit about each other, but they both respect each other's gangster because they're upfront with each other about it. Like, Leor, you on some bullshit. Irv, you on some bullshit. Yada, yada, whatever, whatever. But they still cool because they know where each other stands. Those are the best relationships. Yeah. Yeah, like the people that tell you like who you are, like my homie who I'm gonna pull up on, like she tells me who the fuck I am. Like she'd be like, <laughs> like, nah, nigga, that sounds like you, you talk too much. Yeah, because I mean <laughs> Leo tried to underpay Irv. Irv said, Fuck you, I'm I'm leaving. Then Leo comes back, all right, man, I'll give you the money. So, you know, that's their relationship. Um, let's see, how do we say this name? Judd Rodden? Um, Jaradin, I've been drinking. I'm sorry. Uh, these Jadorian, projects, maybe Jadorian. Jadorian, that's it. I'm sorry. maybe Jadorian. I think that's it. Maybe. Um, sorry. he said, um, there's projects that sound futuristic, and then there's projects that actually push the sound. No fear of time does that. Not, uh, not yet sure about Gibbs. That's the stigmatism that's going on that I'm talking about, Mike. It's do you like think you don't that's want... because of the subject matter, though? Or do you think yes, that's because, because it's of like the You don't want sign. somebody who talks gangster to push the boundaries of the sound. It always has to be a most deaf or a black thought or a common or okay. even a Nas. It can't be somebody like Gibbs. That's bullshit. That's our biases. That's the same type of biases that we talk about, about the misogyny and uh, the double standards that the women are held to in hip hop. It's the same thing I told you. It's like these gangster rappers, like, like it's really like, how about this? Mike, who you think you can approach between uh, Gibbs and Blackstar? Like, if you were to see them on the street in Atlanta, if you went and said what up to them, like, let's say we was at Perimeter, let's say you and me was at Perimeter Mall, Mike, we was with Ron, we just get done doing some top five shoots, we decide we around the way from Perimeter, we're around the way from A2H, HK quarters, we gonna slide the Perimeter right quick, grab a quick bite to eat right quick, we run into the mall, we in the food court, Gibbs is in the food court, and Black Star is in the food court, who you think saying what up to us? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> listen. Who you I'm a, saying what up to us? I'm a huge Black Star fan, and uh, you said Black Star, right? Or you said Black? Correct. Star? Okay, I'm a and huge Black one. Star fan. Pick one of them. You can pick one of them, Mike. You can pick one. I'm gonna say this though. I, I, Black Star gives off a, a unapproachable vibe, and yes, I think that Gibbs comes across as a lot more approachable. I will give you that. So yes, I would probably say what up to Gibbs. That's right. what I mean. So stop so stop taking that like out of context. That's why I always tell people about it. it's like, no, no, no. I remember Biggie and Big L sat at a table together 
at Summerfest one day. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I saw that nigga Nas and David Busters one time. Like Yaya was talking to him. I went by and like had a word with him. I went to the Nas show. His, his fucking jungle was hitting on my ex-wife. Mm. And the nigga was still cool. Like, like you know who you can approach and who you can't approach. And it's like, y'all be wanting the people to push the sound forward that you can't even approach. Just because you can't approach them don't mean that they like pushing it forward. I see what you're saying, but just like, because like, like they're kinda, unapproachable. Like people kind of get held in this light where it's because they're unapproachable. You think they're pushing it forward. It's like, no, 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 no. It's like this Lamont is pushing it forward because he talking this gangster shit over this futuristic shit. And they so, can never do that. So what you're saying is this whole, uh, I guess this whole image of being an art artist, artsy person that's the person that people automatically say, okay, you're doing, they're doing some next level shit. When the everyday person doesn't get that notoriety for pushing things forward. You got to dress a certain way. You got to act a certain way. You got to say a certain thing to get First that. of all, let's, let's, let's straighten some of these things off. Like, first of all, I know because I have been around a whole lot and I've been to a whole lot of these shows, been in the clubs a whole lot with these motherfuckers. Like, I'm telling you what time it is. Based on my experiences, I done had tons of run-ins. Yes, it was my wife's birthday, my ex-wife's birthday one time, and Nas was at Rain. Remember Rain? Is Rain still there? He was performing at Rain. I had to let her in through the back door because I knew the promoter. She ended up on the stage. I was in Tim's. They wouldn't let me in in my Tim's. I had to walk all the way back to my car and put on some dress shoes. And yes, while I was gone, Jungle hit on my ex-wife. Because when I get back, she's sitting on the stage and this motherfucker is literally still like like reaching at her. I'm like, hey, what the fuck going on? Like, <laughs> <laughs> 36, chambers with, 36 chambers with a super chat. That's what says. I mean. I was really outside. I'd be knowing how these cats be moving because I was really outside like that. <laughs> 36 chambers says, would you guys say that this is shaping up to be one of the best years of the past 10 to 20 years in hip hop? Feel like great albums almost weekly so far. I'm still a fan of 2020. To be honest, but we would have to lay it all out. What do you say, Coop? Ten years? Well, I do think that I think what we've been getting over the past three or four years does collectively trump what we've been getting over the past ten years. First of all, I should know better than to show up in the Tim's. That's how arrogant I was. I knew that I knew the promoter and that I was walking into the Nas show through the back door. And I tried to promote her some more by wearing some Tim's. You're probably like, what you mean I can't get in with these Tim's? And I did do that. I did it just like that. Too. <laughs> they told me, they was like, Coop, we're not letting you in because ain't nobody else in here with Tim's. It'll take your ass to the car, nigga. Like, nah, and, like that. and when a 6'6 six, six motherfucker is like telling you to take your ass to the car and you right. feel... And, and like, this promoter's people would stomp your ass out. So, but Mike, I agree with you on the last three years. The last three years have been pretty stellar, in my opinion. And I think this is the most impressive three-year run of hip-hop music that I have heard of the last 10 years. Definitely. Honestly, no, no. I wouldn't even go there. I would say since the 90s, man, to be real. I was going to see. I feel like maybe 2001 to 2005 is a comparable time. No, because 2002. Music's better? No, no, but think about the classics, though, because we got B, Supreme Clientele, Get Rich or Die Trying, Late Registration. No, 05 is crazy. 05 is crazy. But That's what I mean. Oh, like, but 2020 was crazy. 02 and 03 are kind of light. 
Oh four is kind of light too. Oh five is crazy. I felt last year. Okay. 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 Last year could technically be kind of light. You think last year was kind of light? I mean, I don't know if it was light or if I don't know if Nas owned shit like that. That's what I'm saying. Because even in a situation right. like that. Hold on. How about You this? got King's Disease 2 and Magic. And you got Doa Die 2, which I was just talking about. Like, And then you got, um, 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 damn, what's his name? You know what I'm talking about uh, from TDE. Boy? No, come on, what, from uh, Nashville. Oh, 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 Isaiah Rashad. Isaiah, Isaiah Rashad. Rashad. You know Isaiah. the house is burning. Yeah, you got Isaiah Rashad. The house is burning. It was a lot of stuff that came no, out. This last shit's a, year. No, and for this some shit's people, no, no, you, you can say like, Tyler no. came out last year too. No, yeah. Mike, you might be right. This shit been like NBA Jam the last three years. This shit mm. been on fire. That Isaiah Rashad was fire. That AZ fire. That's Kazoo. Fire. You know what I was thinking about doing, Coop? I was thinking with a publisher, not to get too far off subject or whatever. I was thinking just because hip hop's had such such a great run in two not 2000, 2020, 2021, and twenty twenty two, put those three years in one collective book, like on some like super compact thing. Just a thought. Ray Realm says, um, did I not tell y'all last year uh, that the chat room has burner accounts in it? Nevertheless, it's uh, it's so difficult to replicate what comes from the soul. Nah, it's for real, man. Like, you can try to copy all you want, but it doesn't matter. Jay Short with the Super Chat says, love y'all, but you keep going back and forth. There's no fear of time quali- qualify for album of the year. Are you disqualifying it? Mad Max says, uh, we'll get to that in a second. Mad Max says, how can No Fear of Time push the sound when nobody heard it? I still have to find time to listen to it. But for y'all in the chat, I like Gibbs Project. You're right. You can't really push sound forward if nobody heard it to be pushed forward. Um, That's what I'm saying. What is it pushing? Nobody has access to it. First of all, things (laughs) to push culture forward, you have full access to culture involves access as and in people. the people have to see it like how about this <clears throat> i'm gonna bring this up when you go to rome even if you don't go inside of the vatican and saint peter's basilica well guess what you can see it in the thousands of people that's around real. it that's real you feel me even if you can't go in you can see it in the thousands of people around it there's not even a single that's what I mean. Like the view of stuff in music is the single. Where's the single? Where's the video? Where's the visual aid? You're right. I'm telling you, just walking up on St. Peter's Basilica will make you check your bank account if you don't have the money to go in and want to go in. Just off the view, because it's like you're like, oh, like you feel it. You're like, oh, and oh, it's like, oh, the Pope lives right there. I want to get to uh, Jay Short's question. And you brought up a really good point, and I never really thought about it in that way because singles aren't as prevalent as they used to be. The fact that this album has no single and nobody has any window into what this album even entails, I think it is disqualified. We could, I, I really do. Because uh, like this, you said, I don't even, I don't even, even care, with a single, I don't even care about that. Like, like I'm so serious about the, the Gibbs being the album of the year that I want to play it right next against No Fear of Time, like on the Patreon, because I'm telling you, like, 
Like, it's not just going to win, Mike. It's going to be bad. But for the people who haven't heard the album, it's, it's not like they even have a... Because traditionally, right, when people used to, quote unquote, buy albums, right? When people used to buy albums, they at least had singles to go to. Because you feel like they they have an issue with the streaming services. That's one thing. And so you would think that they're not opposed to the traditional way that the music industry worked when it came to people putting out a single. And if you wanted this whole album, you had to go purchase it. But the single is still out there, even if people didn't have the album. They don't even have a single for people to delve into and say, I heard that song, and it makes me want to go get on um, you know, a Luminary and be a member of this album. And I say member because it's a, it's a subscription base. So yeah, I think without a single even out there to bring people into this, they almost have to be disqualified. I, I didn't think about the single part of it. No, not a video, like nothing. 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 Like what? What's stopping you from putting out one video? Hold on, let me hold on to let sell people something. on the album at least. Hold on, hold on. Is the um <clears throat> is Prince's uh, black album considered to be genre or groundbreaking? No. You want to know why? Nothing. You had no access to it. Yeah. Did you? No. Did you have access to it? You're right. You're right. So how can it be? So, so people will tell you it's like, oh, it's groundbreaking. I've heard it. It's like, well, is it Sign of the Times or Purple Rain? Because that's groundbreaking. What and is we, groundbreaking to it. you? We've and, heard it. We've heard it. Again, it's groundbreaking to you. And I will say this. I've said it on this show before. It's the best hip-hop album, maybe until today, that I've heard all year. But I can't match that up with anything. Ain't no singles out there. And you can't match the impact with anything else. <laughs> Because everybody else put the work in to actually put those singles out there. Um, Mad Max of the Super Chat says, and I shouldn't say uh, his flow sounds the same, more so his voice. But I did like the album. Um, the Feel No Pain record, Rabbit Vision, Space Rabbit, those are fire. His voice does sound very... Um, he doesn't change up his voice too much. He has a very distinctive voice. He and I think that could be mistaken for the flow. Uh, let me get to some of these super chats and um, the raising head with the super chat says Illmatic versus Purple Rain debate. Prince had to pay Journey uh, for the similarities of music in Purple Rain to their song Faithfully. Everyone bites. Salute. Mm. Interesting. Uh, 36 Chambers says Blackstar addressed it, that on their podcast. They didn't get paid anything on the first album with Universal and went the route to get paid fairly. I'm going to listen to this podcast before I go off the handle again. But again, no single. Even if you want to go this route, there is no... You didn't put out a single song for public consumption. And even in the era where people just bought albums solely, people did that. So, okay, so let's go to the Illmatic versus Purple Rain thing. First of all, Illmatic samples human nature and yearning for your love. That's the Gap Band in Michael Jackson. So stop with the whole like clearance thing, okay? Like, <laughs> like I'm gonna say that again. Illmatic samples the Gap Band's yearning for your love in Michael Jackson's human nature. Don't talk about Purple Rain in no goddamn samples. That is <laughs> one of the most foolish super chat that I have heard in a minute. <laughs> But even more foolish well, no, no, than no, that no, no, is no, no, the fact no. that Blackstar thinks that they get to say shit like this, Mike. 
They didn't get paid anything on their first album. So the people have to suffer. The culture has to suffer. And you want to know who's also suffering? YouTube. And Mad Lib, because nobody's hearing it. So you're not getting any of the respect or the flower. Like everything that they could have been seeking out from releasing this project and bringing it full circle and bringing it to fruition, well, they're missing out on it too. And so at the point that you're missing out on it, the culture's missing out on it, the fans are missing out on it. That's not foolish. I hate to say this like this because fans normally take this the wrong way. But at the end of the day, whose fault is it that they didn't get paid for this first album? Then they signed I mean, the on whatever. Was an actor before he was already immersed into the music business. Let's keep it a buck. Let's keep it a buck. Let's just say they didn't get paid anything, which, you know, whatever. And I heard Meek Mill say some things like this, too. Like, he never got paid, yada, yada. That album was a vehicle to you getting paid. And I'm sure whatever contract they signed that was so janky that they didn't get paid, they viewed it in that way. Correct? Correct. Did the Black Star not out? Yeah, exactly. They want If they did sign something that janky, which, whatever, it's... Listen, let's be real, man. They don't come... I know Talib specifically. They don't come from impoverished poverty to the point where they were at the bottom and they had no fucking options. And that's not the real story right there. Let's just be 100% real. So... was an actor already. Exactly. So you guys come from humble beginnings in a a hip-hop sense, but you're not sitting here starving out here on the streets where you got to sign whatever comes your way. So whatever you signed in that, whatever you signed in that scenario, you were knowledgeable of what you signed, and you wanted to use that as leverage to move forward to the next level, and you did that. Don't come back to the fans twenty five years later like we didn't get paid for the first album, so that's why we're doing it like this. Come on, man! But again, I'm gonna listen to the podcast just to you know be fair and balanced about it, but. I just don't think that that's fair to, like you said, Madlib. I never thought about that either. Madlib put that's in I mean. incredible so, work. So, if this, so his work's so not even getting acknowledged because it's not heard. So if this album is everything that, you know, we think that it is and that we've been saying that it is, mm-hmm. if it is that, a lot of people feel like um, uh, Doom and... Uh, and Mad Lib's, you know, Mad Villainy was album of the year, right? Right. That would give Mad Lib two album of the year notches under his belt in a lot of people's eyes. Not a lot of hip hop producers can say that. No, you're right. Like the Neptunes can't say that. Timbaland can't say that. We just had our Patreon battle. Like Timbaland and the Neptunes can't say that for as great as they are. Just yeah. Blaze, Havoc can't say that. We're not, about to do their shit soon. They can't say that. Not top to bottom. Yeah. So, so when you're taking this away, like you're taking away the opportunity for greatness, it's like, well, well, if that's a 50 home run season, since it's like baseball season, if that's a 50 home run season, you know what I mean? What, don't you want people to see you hit the 50 home runs? Exactly. Isn't that how it goes? Because I tell people this, because I tell people this, I don't care what you saw uh, Maglio or Donez do, uh, Albert Pujols do in his prime. Um, Aaron Judge do right now. It's like, no, I watch Barry Bonds early. I watch Barry Bonds late, like live. He's well, better. Well, let like, me shut all clearly. this down. Let me shut but, all but, this but, down. But you want to know why I know that, Mike? Because I seen them I all. 
As in, like, in music, you have to hear it all. As in, you have to give people full access to hear it all. We are not arguing about Illmatic paid in full, Doggy Style, and the Purple Tape because they didn't get heard. We arguing about them because everybody heard these motherfuckers. I mean, let's look at you Will heard Chamberlain. Illmatic. I've heard Illmatic, Purple Tape, Equimini, Doggy Style, paid in full. It takes a nation of millions. We've heard these albums, Mike. Everybody has. Let's be real, though, Coop. If there was adequate footage of Wilt Chamberlain scoring 100 points, getting 55 rebounds in the game, and the whole season where he went out there and averaged a crazy amount of points, and all the blocks that he got. Yeah, like, if there was adequate um, footage of that and people saw it, he would be in everybody's top three. But nobody saw it. Hold on. You want to know what, Mike? I agree with you because that's what I mean about the single. I'm not even talking about the song being released. Yeah. I'm not talking about the video and the visual aid because here's what I'm saying. When <clears throat> Listen, part of why I'm telling you that the Gibbs is futuristic is because of how he sets up the interludes with the concierge scenes. Yeah. It sounds futuristic. Go look at the artwork, how the artwork look. He's setting it up to look futuristic. So we keep talking about how futuristic No Fear of Time sounds. Go fucking show me and do a video. It's a good point. Jay Short says, uh, you can't be album of the year if your project can't stand up to scrutiny. Most definitely, uh, Talib made sure only their fans who would praise their album would hear it. Right. That's a good point, too. No, no, no. But here's That's where they failed themselves. Too? Is that their hardcore fans have been some of their harshest critics about Moses' voice Mad Lib's production and the lack of accessibility. And they've responded See, they to those from what they I'm forgot. understanding. No, I'm going to tell you what they did. They forgot their fucking core followings 40 years old. Yeah. Uh, Ray Realms with the Super Chat says, I've got Easy no... access. Uh, Ray Realms says, anymore. I got no fear of time uh, coming in at number two this year. Even though all of the splaining and outright whining that the group has done Brilliant. is doing lately about no fear. Yeah, I mean, I feel you. I mean, it's like... I love the album. I thought it was brilliant, but it's getting tougher to stand up against everything else with no access and so many people haven't heard it. And I think Coop brought up the most pivotal point that we haven't even discussed. No single? What? No video. No nothing. No nothing. nothing. Hold on. Here's what I'm saying. Even if you don't like um, the Money Bag Yo single, well, there's a video to Black Illuminati. Go pull that up. Yeah. Well, I mean, Gibb's still the man. Let's you feel be real. Gibb's still the man. Let's be real. There's going to be videos to this album. Gibb's, the, Gibb's still the man is what I'm saying. Uh, 36 if Chambers says... This, we talk... Uh, Go ahead. My bad. 36 Chambers says, also said the internet makes it so that everything is bootleg, and if they released videos or singles, they would not get paid with people downloading it. Uh, l- listen, listen. Listen, listen. Who else is getting paid? These uh, other kids ain't getting paid uh, off of it either. Oh hold, they just uh, understand how to go ahead. On. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go uh, ahead. No, I'm sorry. Cool. You don't want to run as media for a quarter. Listen, listen ahead, bro. Explain to them how this goes. They, now you talk about getting beside yourself. Do you think if Blackstar puts out a video, there's gonna be some massive raid on YouTube and everywhere for motherfuckers right. clamming Please, to right. download their video? Are you hold serious? On. Do you think that do they think that Beyonce or something? Hey, come no, 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 on, man. On. Let's hold on. This is what I mean. Okay, Mike. Mm, mm. Stop deifying these conscious rappers. That's that shit that had Lupe coming at me. 
You feel what I'm saying? Because y'all hold them to this standard and this stature and think that they're this and they're that. And it's like, no, motherfucker, you a rapper. We're going to have Talib coming at us soon, man. But look, that, if those Don't are the explanations, fuck, that's like, ridiculous, like, man. Like, but that's what I'm saying. It's no, it's the way that they get like glorified and deified. It's like, it's like, what did you do? It's like Freddie Gibbs just made four great the classic albums while you motherfuckers were on a quarter century hiatus. He literally doubled your catalog in the last five to six years. I know I'm sipping right And he does videos right and he does features <laughs> and he gives yeah. full access to the public and he makes great songs and he makes great singles and he makes great street shit and he's got a great voice and he's got a great flow. You won me over, man. No Why the fuck are we championing these guys? You get what I'm saying? Why do we always champion these guys? Like, what the fuck have they done for us? Like, for real. Like, these niggas is around my age. It's like, I'll pull up on them and tell them to their face. Peter Parker with the Super Chat says, uh, Black Star should at least put out a vinyl or something. Album is making about... Uh, I'm sorry. Album making is about cultural conversation. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cultural piece. When you make an album, you're submitting a piece to the culture to be submitted in the diaspora. But and I, where it falls in di the diaspora is a reflection on how people feel about it when they hear it, but they have to fucking hear it. And you know what? I think Jay Shaw brought up something that I think is potent Shit, too, is, is the yeah, fact that conversation still. they went real safe <laughs> in the fact that they're going to make an album that only their fans are going to access. So their fans who've been waiting for that album for 24 years, they're not going to scrutinize it. That's my a very guy, safe play. My guy Holland, Mike, I mean, DJ Holland, DJ Big H. Mm -hmm. and, and H is one of the most underground, like, hardcore, like, you know what I mean? He loved him some bars and some lyricism and some gritty beat. You know what I mean? Like, he's that guy. Like, right. when he told me that he was disappointed in the Black Star album, he broke my heart. You understand? Because they made that album specifically for guys like him. And right. as soon as I realized like guys like him were disappointed and he was telling me other guys like him were disappointed and he's a DJ on top of it, I was like, nah. That's when I was out, Mike. When H told me that he was out and I'm like, yo, I'm like, that's literally like what you live for. Right. Artistry-wise, creative-wise, DJ-wise, like that's your shit. That's his pocket as a DJ and as a listener and a fan. And the fact that you disappointed him in his set it's like, no, that's the funny thing about giving access to just a core group of people, because here's the reality of the matter. Maybe, just maybe, somebody like Dumb It Down or Jummit or Jordan or Mad Max might appreciate it more than you, me, and H appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. But you're, you're blocking them out from that. That's accent. why you played yourself. You're blocking them out. They don't know who you are, so they're probably not going to play for it or pull up on it like that. And that's really the audience that you really need to be trying to galvanize. You don't need to galvanize us. We already love you. We already fuck with you. If you're saying some crazy shit, we fuck with you. You know and, what I'm and saying? You know what? On top of that, though, That's cool. who you need. You need Dumb It Down. You need Jordan. You need Mad Max. That's who needs to hear your album, nigga. Not me. Not Mike D. Mike D and Coop don't need to hear your album. We know who you are as MCs. Like, when I'm saying Freddie is the most versatile MC right now, it's because guys like Yasin and Andre and Lauren don't rap regularly. Well, you know what? The other thing on top of that, and I agree with you, like they blocked themselves out from a whole generation that would appreciate where they were going with this 
But as you see from today, we had so much music to listen to. The younger generation got so much music to listen to. They're not going to go out their way to get Luminary and listen to your album. They're not. They're not. They're not. They have so much ratchet shit at their access. They got so much shit, period. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's so much music out there. No, like, like, like their generation, like their people, like who they're listening to. Like, how about this? You know, my biggest hope for the next generation, like on my birthday weekend, I want these guys and I, I want the men and the women alike to make better albums from the younger generation so we can cover them more and talk about Black Star less and talk about Nas less and talk about Jay less and talk about Black Thought less. I... My, I was telling Kendron, like, I responded to his post that he put up about the state of hip-hop. Like, I'm not comfortable with the fact that I'm still playing Biggie and Tupac as often than I am. Somebody should have replaced them by now. That's why hearing this Freddie album and this this Biggie-like versatility is so refreshing to me. It's like, yes, finally somebody gets it. It's like he's going to kick this gangster shit and be futuristic and be versatile. Try something different. Take some fucking chances. Stop being so fucking safe. Facts. Mad Max with the Super Chat says... L, a lot of Biggie artists took chances. He did. Uh, a lot of artists say that they don't get paid, but uh, flaunt jewelry, which kills me. Uh, just say your daddy. Uh, the I'm sorry. Just say your daddy. The label heads are not giving you a higher allowance because <laughs> because that's what artists to me get is allowance, not the real money. Um, Thirty Six Chambers said, "Good point, y'all. Appreciate uh, a different view. Of course, all the time." CJ Kid says, "At this point, Black Star is gonna give you bars, and you guys might need to come out of retirement. We're not gonna hear them. No one's gonna hear them if they give us bars, because they're not gonna put it out to the public." Jay Short with the super okay. chat says, "Most definitely, Talib uh, wanted YouTube money on their first album." <laughs> The petty level's high. This is the thing, too, man. And I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just being realistic. Every We hear about rookie contracts all the time, man. And shout out to Tua. What Miami did with him the other day was disgusting, right? Rookie contracts are rookie Ryan contracts. Ryan tried to tell us how that organization was running, and we didn't pay him any attention. Mm-hmm. That's what happened. Yes. But yeah. rookie contracts are rookie contracts even in sports. And those are... Much better than what artists get on their quote-unquote rookie deals. This was both of these guys' first deal. You put out one album, and we were just talking about the date that you put your album out. Volume 2 comes out. Akumana comes out. We were in You're high not school, even, I feel you. But I'm just saying, Black Star was not a focal point on any level of the industry in that way. So it's like... You couldn't look at that album or whatever contract that was with Rockers <laughs> as anything but a vehicle. So don't sit there and you never followed it up. So most artists in their first album, they don't get money. We've heard Tribe talk about this. Q-Tip talked about after the first album, he was still living with his mom. But you know what? On the low end theory, he wasn't. Y'all never followed the shit up. It is what it is. <laughs> like, what are we talking about? Y'all tell me an artist that came out the gate. And didn't sell crazy amounts of records that sat there and got rich off of one album and one record deal or contract or whatever. Come on, Hold man. On. Let's Hold be on. practical here. No, I see Soulmatic said something very stark. He said, should we have the same smoke for Snoop for taking off the Death Row catalog off stream? Okay, Soulmatic, I don't know if you were here 
when that happened. But as soon as I, that happened, I said, just because he's your favorite rapper doesn't mean that he's not a businessman first. He'll take that shit from you, too. I said that shit live here. You can go check well, it and I see saw, when he did it. I, so listen, we're I consistent. Saw, I, no, we're consistent. I don't want nobody pulling up on my birthday weekend <laughs> like we inconsistent. There'll but no, it's funny you say that, Coop. None of those atrocities. It's funny you pull that out because I just saw a clip on that as well. And that's probably where this is coming from. And somebody was interviewing Snoop about taking the death row catalog He's off. Wrong. And he said uh, a lot of times uh, we it's a show business. And a lot of times fans want us to do the show without us doing the business. Doing the business. Yeah. Right. I told you. Yeah. He said, um, give me that $350, $400, 500000000 million check for that death row catalog and then we'll talk. He said he that um, catalog for seventy five mil, Mike. He said what he's going to put catalog is worth. <laughs> he said if the fans give him time, he's going to put it in a place where it makes sense for the uh, for the actual no, artist so everybody I'm can tell get you paid. Like the, no, Mike, I'm going to tell you like the DJ quit uh, this to MC eight dollars and cents goes. If it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. If Future just got seventy five million dollars for his catalog, Mike. Yeah. Go ahead and multiply that times about five to ten for a death row catalog. And so, doggy style. Somebody need to be somebody need to be ready to pay Snoop uh, at least half a billion dollars or somewhere closer to the range of a billion dollars. Well, this is the difference, right? That's what he's saying. He's saying the death row catalog is damn near a billion dollar catalog. You're gonna pay for this catalog, and that's the businessman superseding the culture. But the culture has had full access to it for decades, exactly. and so I can't totally knock it. This ain't the same thing, because you know what? This is what it's I will not, say: we've had access it, for decades. We've had access for, uh, to it, and you can actually still order the album if you want to buy it. And, and yeah, and, yeah. And, Mike, and if you bought it in the past, you still got it. Here's the caveat or the red herring of it too. Any of that stuff that landed soundtrack wise somewhere is still kind of available on those catalogs, like those those hits yeah. of the year and the soundtracks and all that stuff. So it's like, oh no, no, no. You can still hear what's my name. Yeah. It's just not gonna be on Doggy Again, Style for right now. But they're it's singles though, cool. They're singles. You got you can see Doggy Dog World, you can see Jen and Juice, you can see Murder Was the Case, you can see What's My Name. Well, those like, videos are right there on with YouTube. Any of right those now. things because I purchased copies of the Chronic and of Doggy course. Style. Me too. All eyes on me. I'm, I'm gonna tell you what, and this is what I mean. I'm mad. I've been trying to get my hands on Murder Was the Case soundtrack for so long. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Raising Head with the Super Chat says. You're misunderstanding my point. Rap gets criticized for sampling even when the credit is given. Prince copied from an original without giving credit. All right, let me play devil's advocate here. Oh, no, that's that's fair, and I understand where you're coming from. That is a little misunderstanding by me, so all apologies. I, but let's, let's do this, though. I do think that there can be songs that sound similar without someone intentionally, you know, ripping from someone else. And that yeah. original person could go back and be like, that kind of sounds like mine. And to cool. avoid all kind of litigation and bullshit, sometimes musicians say, you know what? Take this money, whatever. Because well, well, let's be real, much. Prince is not an artist that was known for ripping off other people's shit. Right. 
Well, so, I mean, there's only so many think notes. Alike, oh, okay. And Prince is probably in the frame of mind. It's like, well, think about what's happening to him with Purple Rain. He's been making top five and top ten singles and albums and going platinum and multi-platinum and selling out stadiums already when Purple Rain is happening. So this is his moment happening for him, like his moment moment happening. And usually when your moment is happening as a businessman, you're like, eh, I'm just going to do that instead of even worrying about that. It's like right. I'm major right now. I'm selling like I'm I'm literally going double diamond damn near. I literally don't I'm have damn time. Near 20 million albums. Why the fuck would I care about this? Like, here, I don't have like time this. to go to court. I, need, I got concerts to do. Well, also, too, well, <laughs> people have to understand. Well, he was doing concerts, but people don't understand. Purple Rain is what played for Paisley Park. Yeah. So while, while the Purple Rain tour is going on, he's building out the compound that is now the museum that is now infamously known for the stored vault and his living space. He wasn't living in that space before Purple Rain. The Purple Rain money is what provided the ability to buy that space in that compound. Right. And so he's probably not even thinking about that when that's going on. He's like, I'm getting a whole compound built. He's listening. I'm competing with Michael Jackson right now. Let's be real. He's listening to lawyers at that point. Because at this point, he's making music and, and performing. This compound. Correct. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Correct. Ray He's on the tour and building a compound, Mike. You think this motherfucker is sitting up here? Yeah, so this this guy wants eight hundred thousand dollars. He's looking at him like I just sold seventeen million albums. <laughs> Ray Rams with the super chat says, Oh, hold on, let me see. This thing went away. He says, Can you brothers make time to review Soul Messiah, God's Complex on Wednesday? I think it's a, a compilation rap album of the year. Uh, will you both have time? Yeah, check it out. What is it called? It's called uh, Soul Messiah. Okay, pulling uh, up right now. Yeah, the album's Who's called God Complex, actually, but the artist is Soul Messiah. Um, let me see. Somebody, oh, Leroy says the other platforms can't copy y'all because they ain't got no Leroy Green, and that is the damn truth. They don't have a Leroy Green. And for the people who aren't on the uh, page, if they want to pick Leroy up on a waiver wire, we'll take him for a second <laughs> round draft pick. And two bottles of cognac. <laughs> and for the people that aren't on the Patreon, Leroy Green comes in with the full Dynasty intro. Uh, what was it? Volume 3 intro. He changes it up, man. No, I, I, I get down with Leroy. I love... um, You know, this is the thing. This is what I mean about Freddie. Like, you do understand Freddie loves to rap more than these guys that you guys love to deify. Like, he loves to rap more than Yassine does. Yassine's on Bandana. He loves to rap more than Talib. He loves to, like, he loves to rap, Mike. He's intense. Well, Talib He's loves to rap a lot, too. Talib huh? got a lot of projects. Talib got a lot of projects. He's putting a lot of this quality level. <laughs> uh, the Raising Head with the Super Chat says, wouldn't the game be the same, wouldn't the game be the same without Blackstar? Are, <laughs> are they great, but guilty of overpricing their value to the culture? Yeah, what changes without Black Star's involvement, I guess? That's a good question. Nothing. Because uh, we had Common in the roots. I've been trying to say that. That's why I was like, go put it next to... Remember when we were having this conversation about the Black Star? I said, go put it next to all the stuff that came around it and tell me why it stands out. I was like, because it's not better than like Water for Chocolate. It's not well, better than Illadelph. I'm going to say this like... It's not better uh, than Things Fall Apart. I'm going to say this like I respond to some of the memes. not better than Black on both sides, Mike. <laughs> I'm going to say this like I say uh, in response to some of the memes that I see, right? There's some memes out there, you know, you've seen them where it's like, which artist could you do without? Or if this person went away, blah, blah, blah. They'll have like a Beyonce, Lauryn Hill, 
uh, Erica Badu, Sade, and I'm like, well, we've been living without Lauryn Hill's music for a long time now. And that's how I feel about Black Star. Like, yeah. I mean, the fact that they're able to make a 24-year hiatus tells you everything you need to know. That's what... Okay, so it's like... Imagine if Jay-Z was missing for 24 years. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, man. That's what I'm saying. Like, how do you get away with that? Like, you get away with that because, unfortunately, the game doesn't quote-unquote need you. People pull up on me about, you know, the reverence that I have for Biggie and how high I hold him for the brevity of his albums. You understand that he's still done more material than Black Star has as a group. Wow. You understand that Biggie Smalls has still done more material? Biggie Smalls as a solo artist has more solo songs than Black Star does as a group. And he died in 1997, Mike. He passed away in 1997. It's 2022. And these guys do not have his catalog in terms of numeration, in terms of numeral numbers. You can go run down Black Star's song catalog and Biggie's song catalog is still longer. So Listen, how vital are they? And you know what? And I made this point on the show before. Biggie has been gone for well, how long has it been now? 25 years? He still has more rap verses than Andre 3000. He still has better rap verses than most in Talib. <laughs> Deontay Smith with the Super Chat says, it's hard for the younger artists to take chances when the label and algorithms are dictating their certain sounds and style. Well, you know what? I think that the older they, generation... They give this, the older generation had to deal with that when it came to radio. They're going to give this album to the people, Mike. I'm not going to let them stand on this like this... They're you want to go? It's like it's like it's like William Cooper. It's like behold a pale horse. It's like you're on a pale horse. It's like you're not about to ride on that thing to the end of time. It's like no, you're going to release this to the people so it can be audited, like everything else. Jay everything Short. else, like everything else in hip hop history, has been audited. Jay Short says uh, Black Black Star thought that they were Wu Tang with Once Upon a Time in Shaolin. I- <laughs> I propose that we treat both unheard, self-proclaimed, quote-unquote, works of art the same. You're right. Well, here's Nobody's the thing. heard This that is the only one that okayed that piece of work of art, so I don't know how that sounds. Yeah. And so I'm not okay with even putting that in Wu-Tang's catalog because he's the only one that apparently has How can you? How can you? CJ Kid with the Super Chat says, I asked Dead End Hip Hop about collaborating with you guys, and they said... They would always welcome it. And uh, we're going to look you guys up. That's what's up. Appreciate oh, really? that, CJ the Kid. We'll holler at them. Dead End does good work. They out here in Atlanta, too. So Yeah, yeah. I fuck with Dead End Hip Hop. They be sending us stuff. Oh, okay. I yeah, yeah. Know. Like, like uh, so, some of the stuff that they do, like, reaches our feed. And, like, some some of our followers cross feed into their followers. So I, I know who they are. I've That's seen what's them. up. Like, I don't know them personally, but you know what I'm saying? We can get to know him. CJ Kid with the Super Chat right, says, the after Brooklyn versus Queens, will you guys do an East Coast versus West Coast? I don't <laughs> like that idea. You don't like that idea? Yeah, I don't want to do East Coast, West Coast thing. I, it has a bad connotation to it, but it I does. get it. I don't want to do it. That's it. I don't want what to do about, it. Well, I think the East Coast versus West Coast thing would be more of Dr. Dre. Well, we're doing the Dr. Dre and Yay. So. Well, I mean, pick, pick, if you want to pick a West Coast artist and an East Coast artist, it's like if you want to put Snoop, up against somebody like they did in the original verses. With the DMX. It was actually halfway decent with Snoop versus DMX. I'm okay with that. But the whole East Coast, West Coast connotation by the media is part of why Big and Pac are 
not here, and they haven't been replaced yet either by anybody viable and so super fucked up and won't be contributing to any part of it since now I'm part of the media side. So yeah, no. that sounds like we're capitalizing off of that whole narrative. No. no. Unknown Fuck name says uh, Black Heroes. Unknown name says Black Star is off with hiding their album uh, behind an obscure app, but the album still is better than Gibbs, and I like the Gibbs joint. Afraid it's it not, won't uh, have crazy not, replay value, though. It's not. The beats aren't better. The production's not better. The execution's not better. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, dude's got to get off of this, but the rhymes were better. CJ Kidd says, have you guys heard, uh, checked out Coast Contra yet? Yes, we did. They had dope as hell. We, we both did, actually, about. independently of each other, and it yeah. was dope. Yeah, I mean, I, I think after we stopped our show on Wednesday, I went right to it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I get it. 36 Chambers said, I disagree with the take on No Fear of Time and removing it from album of the year consideration. On the music alone, it still stands even without singles. At least um, mention it in the A2HH yearbook since it documents hip-hop culture. Yeah, we definitely got to mention it in the yearbook. And it probably has some quotables in the yearbook and all that stuff, too. I think what I'm saying, and maybe me and you are saying two different things, I just think that it's an unfair... Uh, it's unfair to put it up against other albums that put themselves out there for, like you said, scrutiny and level of impact with the public, and it didn't do those things. <laughs> now, we heard it individually, and we can document it individually and what we think about it, but it's hard to really place it with what everybody else thinks about it because people didn't hear it. I think it's the best hip-hop album I heard all year. I'm, I mean, I've said that. Can I can I ask you something? Yeah. Let me ask you something legitimately. How many times have you heard the album? It's a good question. I want to say um, that whole month that I had Luminary. I haven't gotten Luminary well, so, again. So what I would submit to you is that part of the reason why everybody is holding it in the album of the year conversation is that you haven't had a chance to run it in the ground like you would a real classic hip-hop album. Like, here's the thing, and this is what I mean when I say it. Well, you had access to Magic. Yeah. Tell me you haven't heard Magic 20 times more than you heard that Black Star Project. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And so you can't so you can't put them in the same stratosphere. See, Magic has had time to wear and tear on you for you to decide if it's a classic or not. That is part of the process is the wear and the tear. The wear and the tear comes through the access. What if there's the not other... access, there's not going to be wear and tear. You're going to be so happy and so thrilled every time you hear it. It's only their second project in 25 years, and they didn't <laughs> give you full access to it. It's hyped up. It's like when it's like <laughs> when I went to Disneyland in California, and it's like I saw all the castles and everything, and then I got to the booth, and it's me and my ex-wife and my daughter, and they're like, and that'll be $1,250, Mr. Cooper. And I'm like, what? I'm like what it'll be what it'll be what because they got me with all that and i was already in the building it's too late to walk out no, you can't like, walk away from disneyland <laughs> right ain't no walking away kids could be like, crying and everything like if you want to be specific with taxes it was 1326 dollars and 78 cents man i need an amusement park man yo Andrew Green I needed a chat. fucking blunt after that. I was like, I told Meek, I was like, I'm about to go to the car. This is Coop Unhinged. I told Meek, I was like, yo, I was <laughs> like, if we had weed in the car, I would go right now and roll up and smoke right in the car while you take <laughs> our kid on these rides. And that's not even what shit cost up in there. But that's neither here nor there. We are wild in the day. I'm sipping. I'm going to give me another drink. And it's, uh, you know, Coop's birthday weekend. So we just, you know, 
We're just Shit. going at it. Uh, Andrew, great with the wow, super we chat. We don't have no access to this album. Like, I heard the album like eight times, and it's like, you want me to tell me, you want me to say like an album I heard eight times is like album of the year. It's like, no, I heard Gibbs twice today. Twice today and once last night at midnight. I've heard this album three times already. <laughs> Andrea Green says, have y'all heard the Nas feature on YG's new album? I have not. And I haven't it heard the Cole them. feature either. That uh, It's not on YG's album. I forgot the artist. Um, so much music that came out today. We I hear the YG's, the YG's album. Because, and here's the thing. We pulled up. Our guy, our guy 007 was like the YG's riding. Mm-hmm. And me and Mike is sitting over here like, I'm done with the Gibbs. I'm on the Prodigy uh, while you're on the uh, the Rome Streets. Yep. And so we're pretty much flipping like after the Freddy's done. And it's like, well, you're on the Prodigy while I'm on the Rome and we're getting ready for the show. We're already running 15 minutes behind. It's like, well, how the fuck are we getting to the YG? We're going to have to get the YG Wednesday or something. We actually, we're really probably going to have to get to fucking like, like truthfully, because we ain't got the room yet. We're still on Freddy. Yeah. We need to get the room. So we might have to do Prodigy and YG on Wednesday. And it's like, I don't even want to not, not Prodigy because Prodigy, uh, it's a posthumous album, but it's a really dope posthumous album, but it's not as good as the Rome Streets. And it's definitely not the Freddy. Unknown's name with the super chat says Raekwon has been on, has been a guest on every good album this year. That's interesting. Um, snapping. God, hearing him on Gibbs. Top ten. Yeah. Top ten. Let me finish the super chat. He said Raekwon has been a guest on every good album this year. God, hearing him on Gibbs, that Scarface sounded like he was uh, rapping on a different beat. That Scarface sounded like he was rapping to a different beat. Did you get that from the Scarface? They did switch up the beat a little bit, I believe. I believe they switched up the beat pattern. So I think the drum pattern is different when Face comes in. There is a switch up, I believe. It still sounds phenomenal. Uh, the Razor Head says, Black Star doesn't even have a 93 till infinity. I think that's factual. I think Respiration is their best song, in my huh? opinion. He said that um, Black Star doesn't have a 93 till infinity. And I think that's factual. I, I think the Respiration is their best song. I agree. You think 93 to Infinity is better than the Black Star? No, I thought he was talking about the song. Okay, the song. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't well, think I the album is. As much as I love the Souls of Mischief album, I do think that. Uh, yeah. Black yeah, Star. yeah. No, no, definitely. I'm talk- I thought he was talking about the song. Uh, CJ Kid said after last week's Illmatic slash Purple Rain combo, I would love to hear more of. Um, of where your other top hip hop albums rank and all the music like Purple Rain, etc. Uh, I'm trying to think, man. Like as far as like the top hip hop albums ever, you got like It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back. You got Only Built for Cuba Links. You got Doggy Style, The Chronic, um, Aquamani. Those are the ones I think would match up against all of the rest of the genres. Honestly, I think Aquamani probably does a the best job of that with all the original compositions and all the musicality that's involved in Akumana. I don't agree because <clears throat> Akumana lacks start... the hit records though. I will say that. <clears throat> okay. So here's how, this is what we have to start deciding. So how do you want to start qualifying things? Cause, cause here's what you have to understand. Prince and Michael Jackson and Stevie wonder can give you an all time great hit record and a beautiful album song, and an all-time great album in one fell swoop. Yeah, they right. can do all of that in one album. Yeah. 
Okay. And so when you are Marvin Gaye too. Oh yeah. When you are compared a comparative analysis against something like that, and then you start bringing in uh, popular culture, i.e. white people into the musical side of things. That's where the impact side of music really comes from, Mike. The, 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 like, like we're all about quality, actually. Impact actually comes from the Beatles and what the Beatles did musically with the impact that they had because of the frenzy that they sent this nation into, but because of the full-fledged album-making style that also followed it. It was the superstardom and the album-making that I made think notoriety that and the album-making the and album. become included with the song. Before that, it was just the music in the song. Before the Beatles, it's about the song. Yeah, you're right. But you I think the that the, record, they took the, super, the best record. That's it. I think the superstar frenzy that Elvis kind of you know spearheaded. I would say they picked up on that and, like you said, created the album because everything. Okay, else so as much as similar. as much as these white people in America love Elvis, it's like he's like. The Beatles are his force multiplier literally times four. No, for real. I mean, but he is the first pop star in the form that we... I, I would say Frank Sinatra is probably like the first pop star. But as far as in the form that we see it in a modern sense, that's Elvis. First of all, Kaya, the Beatles are the greatest band of all time. And, and nobody so? has any evidence to even fuck with them like that. I like Parliament Funkadelic. That's my pick. But they're not better. Mike. They're not sorry, better than the Beatles. They don't have enough. They don't have enough. Whoa. Because when you're saying Parliament Funkadelic, are you including Bootsy Collins and the rubber band and his part of it? Because he broke off. No, I'm just talking about the Parliament albums. I'm talking about just the Parliament. We're talking about like an eight straight album run by the Beatles. And that's not including the singles that are bigger than most of the stuff that's on the eight albums. No, I disagree. So Maya needs to go check her music history. I disagree with you on that. I think that the Osley Brothers are better. I think Earth, Wind, and Fire is better. Earth, Wind, and Fire's album runs only four. It's about as half as long as the Beatles. The Osley Brothers might be as impactful and maybe more important and probably better singers uh, and, 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 and just as Jack. So I'll give you the Osley's Earth, Wind, and Fire's a no because it's not long enough. The quality's not there on the highest what? end of their singles. I disagree with that. Okay, name the, name the Earth, Wind, and Fire's five biggest songs, and you're going to make my point for me. Earth, Wind, and Fire's five biggest songs? Yep. Go ahead. I would say, man, they got so many. It's hard to you know, even I say. Like you think, Mike. Go name them. That's what I'm saying. Reasons is the first one that comes to mind, right? That's not going to do it, Mike. If what? Reasons is your number one. If Reasons is your number one I wouldn't one say song, that's Mike, even my number it. one. It's just, you know, the first one that comes to mind. I mean, obviously, you got September. You got Let's Groove. You got the way of the world. The way of the world is actually. I think the way of the world is probably incredible record. I mean, I'm just naming songs. I mean, they got so many. Shining Star. You got Fantasy. They got range with this shit. What? I mean, I'm going to tell you like (laughs) after the love is gone. I'm going to tell you you like my guy Ovi told me. Can't hide my. Come on, man. No, 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 no. I hear what you're saying. Can't hide love. I'm going. No, no. I'm going to tell you like my guy Ovi told me when I lived in Cali and we were working on my first album. Ovi's the guy that introduced me to the Beatles. He's one of my dear friends and he's a co-executive producer of my first album. He said, "This is a black man. When I mean it's a black man, it's African. Ovi's Nigerian. He's from the Bayish area." Mm -hmm. Um, He said. When black people talk about the Beatles not being the greatest, 
band of all time, it's because they haven't heard the Beatles catalog from beginning to end. I've heard and the Beatles catalog from beginning to end. Okay. Great catalog. Well, I don't know. I, well, then I don't know how you can like consciously as somebody that loves the musicality of Stevie Wonder and the songwriting of Stevie Wonder's catalog the way that you do not have similar feelings about the Beatles just because it's not belonging to our culture. No, it's no, very no. It ain't even that. I give the Beatles their props, man. I think that... Very uh, much comparable to Stevie in terms of the consistency and the length of the albums. That's what I mean. It's like Earth, Wind & Fire and the Isley Brothers. Like, like first of all, the Isley Brothers released like maybe two classic albums. Earth, Wind & Fire, maybe three. Beatles went on like an eight-album run. But I think so you're we want to talk it. about Stevie Wonder in relationship to the Beatles, but we're talking about bands. You're, but this is what you're doing. You're judging albums and i think that well, we can go to the singles too mike that's what i'm saying cj kid with the super chat says is love movement better than uh black star uh came no. out the same day hmm no i don't think so doesn't uh, have restoration mad max says uh rome streets joint was fire my only gripe is it sounds like a mixtape not an album but the rome streets is fire he really He's really a great lyricist. I love his uh, sharpness and his flow and his voice. I think so, too, man. Like, you know, when I was listening to that, and we're about to get to that album in a second, I felt like, yo, this is like West Side Gun quality production on an album with some bars and flows. And no disrespect to West Side, but he's not the rapper rapper in the group. And he says that himself. But you could tell that Rome Streets made everybody who came on there Come correct. So, let's talk about the room. Let's come somewhere with this Freddy right quick. Yeah, we got to finish up the Freddy. I want to get to Mad Max Super Chat again because I know he's talking about the room still. He said, and when I listened to the room streets, it came to my head. Did Rakim paint in full and the blueprint um, to how guys become the blueprint to how guys make mixtape classic beats and great lyrics just losing their mind just asking is is paid in full the blueprint and the template of the mixtape rapper the mixtape rapper well as far as like just spitting on records like i I I say all the time follow the leader I say all the time, when you listen to Peyton Fuller, it sounds like he's daring you to battle him the whole album. But Peyton Fuller is very organized. It's very it is. Structured. But I'm just talking about his approach. The musically approach, different. But that's what I mean. Like, yeah. So, like, how about this? On on Peyton Fuller, I feel like he's coloring inside the lines. Like, yeah. on, on Follow the Leader, he's like, oh, we're coloring outside the lines this time around. It's like, when I heard Microphone Fiend, it's like, well, I never any, heard anybody do a one verse song like that and release it as a single. You know what I mean? It's like, he was like, I'm going to rhyme the whole track through like, fuck the hook and like all that. And that's what I mean is, is like, that's where I think the mixtape come from. I specifically think the mixtape comes from microphone theme because it's just a straight verse of hardcore of the highest level rapping over a great beat. So the mixtape for me comes from Microphone Fiend, specifically like the song Microphone Fiend mm. is where the mixtape originates from. Because there's no song like Microphone Fiend before that's released as a single that I'm aware of that doesn't have any sort of format or the DJ cutting or some sort of hook like you're jingling, baby. Go ahead, baby. You're yeah. jingling, baby. Go ahead, baby. Or... <laughs> You know, or there's something going on 
Microphone fiend is, is like, like, think about it. Even follow the leader is follow the leader, rock, chemistry. Follow the leader, rock, chemistry. Microphone fiend is, I was a fiend before I became a teen. I melted microphones instead of cones of ice cream, music orientated. So when hip hop was originated, fitted like pieces of puzzle, complicated. Don't that sound like some mixtape rap shit to you, Mike? Yeah. Because I grab the mic and try to say, yes, y'all. They try to take it and say that I'm too small. Cool. Because I don't get upset. Right, like that's mixtape shit. That's street shit. So microphone fiends the original, the the the, the origin of the mixtape in terms of like a style and a pattern. It's like a nigga jumping on a dope ass beat, rhyming his ass off, the culture gravitating towards it. Mm-hmm. Thirty six James with the super chat says Beatles impact is what makes people hold them high in high that's regard. What, culture shift. That's why in I music. said when you deal with white culture and white music, the impact part of it comes in because they, they bring the Beatles impact in. Do you want to talk quality of music or do you want to leave impact out? Because we've had this conversation about some of the hip hop battles we've been at, having about the impact. I told you impact exists because the Beatles exist because in white culture, that's America because they're the dominant populace here made it matter in music. So are we stripping all of that down and just making it about the songs? Because if so, the world is yours is better than Juicy. And Juicy falls out of like top 10 all-time greatest hip-hop song, and the world is yours gets moved up. Now, what the fuck are we doing? Well, that's a good question to ask. So let me finish this super chat. People, said- people be talking that shit, but then it's like when it's time walking out, it's like, well, you understand what you're talking. It's like, well, Juicy falls back and the world is yours goes up. Culture shifting in music has several notable people, but the Beatles created multiple genres. Yes. Uh, the Raising Head says, if we unpack the band combo deeper, it's Jodeci. I love that answer because that's the reason why I say Jodeci is the best group of the 90s, in my opinion. I think, hold on. I'll take Jodeci and Jodeci's two albums, their first two albums. Over any R and B group. Whoa! For two albums, for two albums, yeah. Like CJ they got Kid. stayed forever, my lady. Can I talk to you? What about us? I had like them shit on tape, man. Um, yeah, no, 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 no. Like for two albums, for two albums, give me them. But I'm still waiting. Albums. Was my joint, man. Incredible. Huh? Well, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting. That's what I I'm saying. Lately, the lately remix. For you to come back to love. Excuse me, y'all. I've been redoing uh, If You Think You're Lonely Now. Like, all that shit that they did in between them. You can throw some freaking you and, like, uh, Love You for Life in there. Well, I mean, I got to give in Vogue Vogue their props for their first two albums. They did a stellar job with their first two albums. Funky Diva was a banger, too. In Vogue is the best vocal group of all time. That that I agree with. Member for member. Member for member, it's in Vogue. Yeah. Ain't nothing close. Just remember, that's the best vocal group that ever existed. I think you we would have to make it go back to like people in a group that they can sing like that. That's yeah. not the Temptations, right? You have to go to the Temptations, the emotions, the temptations. and see. The thing is with In Vogue, the fact that every individual member they have all sung lead to a, an important well, song for the group, and not to mention with that. Outside of that, whenever they have to step back and be background singers, they have perfect harmony. So it's well, not that's like, what I was about yeah. to say. It's not the fact that they're lead singers. It's the fact that all these motherfuckers background singers. Yeah. As when in, it, when as it's in, time for... As in, what are you, yeah. as in how, how would you like me to do... Would you like me to scat? Would you like me to sing soprano? Yeah. Maybe alto or tenor. Do you just need me to harmonize in the background today? 
They could push Maxine to the front. You sing lead on an important song. The other three will sing incredible backgrounds. Then boom, rotate. Like that shit's like some man. I like the Detroit yeah, Pistons or something. One of the most. I think Terry, Terry from mm-hmm. the group, because she probably sang lead the sec, the third most after Dawn and uh, what's her name? Uh, it was Terry, Dawn, Maxine, and Maxine. Okay. No, I'm leaving Maxine out Maxine and Dawn sung, sung lead the most, I feel yeah. like. But Terry is probably one of the most uh, versatile vocalists that never gets highlighted in musical history. Because, like, she did some of everything in that group for that group. I agree. Yeah. That group is, uh, man, I really hated when they broke up. That was one of those groups that I was I like, damn. Them. Giving, giving you some, uh, giving him something he can feel, the Supremes remake, that changed, that changed my life personally as a man watching Dawn sing that song. Cindy that, is who know? I'm leaving out. Cindy was great, too. Cindy was the first person we heard. They're all great. Yeah, they're Cindy was great. the first person we heard on Hold On To Your Love. Like, you're not missing. Tell me a group out there, especially in R&B, if you could get any of the four singers or however many members in the group to sing lead, you're not missing anything. Like any of them sing lead, you're not missing anything. And, you know, I don't want to call out groups and call out group members, but you can use your imagination. If you pull a certain artist in the front and they're singing lead on the record, they're a whole different group. As great as Jermaine was for the Jacksons and the Jackson 5, all those songs that he sang lead on that didn't really make it on Jackson 5 albums, those are dope songs. But when he's singing lead, they don't sound like the Jackson 5 anymore. You know what I'm saying? They sound like a Young Temptations or something. How about this? Their best song, arguably vocally, is Don't Let Go, which they did after Dawn left. As in, like, vocally, when you took a member out no, of the group. No, that was their last song. Dawn was there for that. That was the last song with all of them together. Organized oh, Dawn's on that. Don't Let Go? Yeah, she's on that. That was the last song they did. That's that, why I don't I'm, even like that song. Because it's I the last you, song. Can I tell you something? <laughs> yeah. That might be my favorite record of theirs. I love that Great song. song. I love that song. Yeah. It's sad, though, man, because it's the last Invoke song, as we know. Is that the last Invoke song? That's sad it if is. that's the last Invoke song, because that's what they left us with bars, son. Yeah. That's why I'm like, yo, this group had, man, the ceiling was crazy. Yeah. Give it up, turn it loose, free yeah. your mind. Yeah. yeah. CJ Kid with the Super Chat says, I want to make sure I say happy birthday, Coop. Appreciate you. Oh, we turn it up early, man. Uh, we're we're not as organized as we normally are because we've been sipping. Um, yeah. I'm over here on the yak, and CJ Kid says, "Coop, what is the best album ever in your opinion? What's the best album you ever heard? Purple Rain? Anybody? First of all, Kai is still talking shit to me. Kai, I'm not out of my lane. You don't want none of this smoke. I'll break you all the way down. Like, I know about genres of music that you don't even listen to, and I can tell that you're not even familiar with the Beatles catalog. I want Kai and David to step into this chat right now and name me the five Beatles albums in orders that she loves the most in order and do it in the next 30 seconds because she don't listen to the Beatles and know the Beatles shit like that. She's just talking shit, and that's okay, and that's cool with me. What's your what favorite I, album? <laughs> what, my, my favorite album personally from the Beatles? Is the White Album? No, I'm talking about what's your tradition. favorite album? Period. That's what. Oh, uh, oh, okay. That's what was asked by CJ Kid. My favorite album or the best album? Uh, he did say best album. I'm changing the goalposts. Yeah, best album you ever heard. 
personally, I still think Sign of the Times is the best album that I've heard from beginning to end. Like, I really, really do. It is very, very hard to find one album, although it is a double album, that covers all of the ground musically, stylistically, and yeah. songwriting-wise. It covers sex. It covers love. It covers breakup. It covers religion. It covers funk. It covers Stevie. It covers James. It covers Prince. Like, one of the most beautiful things about the album to me is Housequake. Because... That's not a Prince song. That's a Prince praying homage to James exactly. Brown song. As in, and, like, and I've gotten to mixture, the point. With a little bit of a mixture of what we were about to know as... Um, 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 hip-hop? No, nah, not hip-hop, but... Um, I'm, no, nah, not funk. Teddy Riley. New Jack Yes, Swing. that's what I mean. Hip-hop yeah. funk. Like that hip-hop funk R&B Housequake is the, yeah, that's the template yeah. record. But really what that is, that's an old James Brown dance record. Yeah. I always thought that um, Strange Love was a New Jack Swing record as well. Yeah, there's all types of stuff on there. I mean, first of all, I think, um, well, let's move backwards. Adore, which ends the album, is arguably the mm. greatest song to ever end the album. It is one of the best songs of all time. It is, it is arguably one of the five to ten best love songs of all time. It ends Sign of the Time. It is the best album ender ever, in my opinion. Adore is the best ending to an album that I've ever heard, including Purple Rain, because I think Adore is a better song than Purple Rain. Ooh, you know what, bro? I'm going to have to disagree with you on that. I think Purple you're, you're Rain... You're talking nostalgia. You're not talking about quality of the song. I'm, you know? I'm not mad at it's, you. I'm just... He's saying, like, like what he's Purple saying, Rain's still, power still imported in Egyptian lace, but nothing, baby, nothing can compare. Nothing can compare to your lovely face. Like, I got the best of the best, but nothing compares to how I feel when I look at your face. There ain't nothing on Purple Rain that you can play for a woman that's about to take the draws off like that. Fuck some Purple Rain, okay? <laughs> That guitar solo is mean at the end of Purple Rain. Though, it man. is. No, Prince is mean on a door. His yeah. talk game, that that is some fucking like some fucking love. Like it's somewhere it's like, between it's, it's somewhere between Stevie and the erotic, and it's a beautiful balance. Like because he's arrogant and he's Prince and he's sexual, but he's soft and he's loving and he's touching. It's gonna be a beautiful night. The live band performance. Love that where, too. Oh we oh. Uh, no, yeah. Starfish and Coffee, Starfish and Coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Hold Incredible on. Record. Hot Thing, It, You Got the Look, Housequake. If I was Sign your girlfriend. I tell people, how about this? If I was this your girlfriend. this is the best album of all time to me, it's the best start to an album I ever heard. It's the best ending to an album I ever heard. Sign of the Times and Adore are two of the best songs I've ever heard. Think about this. This is 1987. This is how Sign of the Times starts off. In France... Hold on. In France, a man dies of a big, a skinny man dies of a big disease with a little name. That's how the album starts. In yeah. France, a skinny man dies of a three. No, that shit, like, you can't fucking make that <laughs> shit up. He literally, the album's called Sign of the Times. I love playing the sunshine. Ends, the verse ends in and their idea of fun is being in the gang called the Disciples high off crack and toting a machine gun. 
Think about, he's talking about the gangster disciples in AIDS on the first verse of Sign of the Times in 1987. He's talking about gang culture in the AIDS epidemic. This is a, this is a cultural icon at this point, talking about the AIDS epidemic in gang culture in America to start off his album. Yeah. No, like, give me that sign of the times. Give me sign of the times over everything. It's everything. Everything's on there. What do you want? You want some funk? You want some R&B? You want a love song? You want a sex song? You want a slay a chick? You want to dance? Yeah. You want a Stevie impersonation? You want a James Brown impersonation? You want to hear Prince without the revolution, without the band? Yeah. It's, it's an incredible album. It's always going to hold a special place in my heart. That's a, a piece of vinyl that my fiance's mother, rest in peace, got for me on Christmas. I wasn't even expecting that. Really? Because I saw it in like a, a vinyl shop here in Atlanta, and I was like, they got Sign of the Times on vinyl for like $90. It was a crazy price. So, and so like, I paid, she knew how I much I loved the album and got it. And so, yeah, that's I ordered. I ordered an original copy from Denmark that came with the original stickers and posters on the album. I had to order it from Denmark. But I literally bought it the day after he passed because I knew it was about to happen. So yeah. I went ahead and bought me a Purple Rain and Sign of the Times copy before the prices skyrocketed. I went back and checked the price on what I paid for versus what they're charging now. And it's like, that was the first thing I thought. I was like, well, I got to go buy a Sign of the Times, a Purple Rain on vinyl before this gets out of hand. Well, and I, I was had, waiting on them to do a remastered dope. version. You know what I mean? Like, because they weren't doing a remastered version of Sound of the Times for a minute. And so when I saw that they finally did a remastered version, and I I hate that I'm like this, but most artists hate the remastered version because it's not the original and it's not, it's not giving you the same thing. But the it's volume not. difference is so different. When I'm listening to the Purple Rain remaster and then I'm listening to Sound of the Times, it just dwarfs it. And it makes it where I almost have to have the remastered version of Sign of the Times. Oh, oh! Can, and can I say this part of why mm -hmm. Sign of the Times is um, the greatest album of all time to me? Is that the best song? There are two songs that never got released as a single that I feel should have been released as a single. And that's Cold Blooded by Rick James <laughs> and Never Take the Place of Your Man by Prince on Sign of the Times. That is fucking stadium flow. Yeah. Never Mike, take the place that of your is man. One of his, that is one of his best, best, best songs. Like, it is. He can step out. It like, is. like, that's one of those records that if you were going live and it's like, who's the best performer? Who's best live? If he goes live with that song, he can beat anybody who ever lived. He can beat the Beatles, Springsteen, Tom Petty, Stevie, Mike. He can beat them all with that record because he's all over that record with his wordplay, with his charisma, with his guitar playing, with his band, with his synchronization. It is a fucking beautiful record. And the way that he brings it back at the end, yep. the way that the beat comes back at the end and he riffs live. No, you can't beat that. Yeah, it is the definition record. of stadium yeah. flow. It is one of the most beautiful moments in music history that people don't talk about because he never made it a single. Yeah. He released shit like you got the look instead. Yeah, that that song should have been put out. And the end of that album where you got that record, The Cross, you got It's Gonna Be a Beautiful Night, beautiful and, night you got and a Door. And before like, that, that you got Strange That's Relationship. Uh, 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 if I Was Your Girlfriend. If I Was Your like, Girlfriend, crazy. Mike. crazy. Yeah. How about this? You Got the Look is the first single off the album. It's the weakest song on the second part of the album. I think like, so. And I like that record. 
And I love no, I love that record. That record is dope as fuck, but it's not strange relationship. It's not the cross. It's like it's not it's a beautiful night. It's definitely not a door. I can never take the place of your man. Baby, don't waste. Yeah, I was talking to OG. I'm gonna say this and we can kind of go on, but um we were talking and he was locked up when the album came out, right? And he said that somebody because back then, back in the 80s, you know, obviously they ain't had no way to hear no music while they locked right. up. Right, he right. said that the person in that was locked up with him was just quoting the lyrics from Strange Relationship. And he was like, yo, that shit is cold. I got to hear that. What's just the lyrics alone. He said he was shit, a fan shit, of the song shit. with just somebody quoting the lyrics for him. Hold on. So think about this. Think about this. So you know how you talk about these rappers using these multiple syllabic, line, uh, multiple syllabic lines repeatedly mm-hmm. and repeating themselves? And, and always going over and over, strange relationship. What's this strange relationship? Ship, ship, ship. I'm going to listen to this album tonight. It's funny how when you're a genius, you get to do simple shit, and it sounds totally different than when a rapper does it. Strange relationship is very simple, but it's very melodic. It's very catchy. The words are intricate and personal. It is. It's what they would call toxic. Let me get yes. to these super chats real yes, quick. Yes, it's Janae Aiko. Yes, it is. It's Janae Aiko before the baby. Um, Reggie with the super chat says, the Barge family impact greater than Switch. Switch, excuse me. Man Man with the super chat says, SWV and Escape had a classic out al- had classic albums in the 90s also. That first no, SWV they, they album? They both made a classic album a piece. Both of them have a classic album. No, that first SWV album, that shit's special. Yes. Yes, that that's what I'm talking about. And, even and even when you look at songs like You're Always On My Mind, this is like a fourth, fifth single for them. You're Always On My Mind was my shit, Mike. I still Great think record. You're Always On My Mind. Downtown. Downtown. Anything. Anything. I'm so into Human you. nature. Yeah. Weak. Mike, Weak. Weak. Weak is one of the most beautiful songs written ever. Like Those are five records right there on that one Those album. Those are five bangers, Mike. <laughs> Those are five, Mike. Those aren't... Those aren't doubles or triples. Those are home runs. Yeah. We're just saying that those are five home runs. I'm going to tell you this, man. I don't know if TLC got a streak like that on their albums. With, with no, TLC five? does not have five like instant classics on one album like SWV has nah. on their first album. They don't. I think I think TLC. I love best Crazy song. Sexy Cool. There's not like five instant classics on there. Now, Crazy Sexy Cool's better from beginning to end. Yeah. I think Creep's their best song, in my opinion. I do not agree. I think Red Light's special. Oh, okay. You went okay. for the baby face. I went for the Dallas Austin. Right, right, uh, right, 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 right. right. <laughs> the Raisin right. Head says, respectfully, uh, Zeppelin, Jackson 5, Beatles, etc. didn't have to compete with hip-hop in its golden era. Who in the Beatles sings better than KC? Joe, Jodeci. Well, that's a good point. If we're talking about straight-up vocals, the Beatles don't even register like that. I was about to say, if we're talking vocally, like Paul and John or good to borderline great singers, but not what you would call all-time great vocalists, they're not Freddie Mercury, no. they're not KC, no. uh, they're not Otis Redding or Bobby Womack, no, they're not Aretha say. Franklin or, or Whitney Houston, no, they're not that, they're not no. that vocally, Minnie Ripperton, Denise Williams, no, 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 they're not that vocally, but but bars, son, how about this, you know, people have to understand, Song like John writing, John Lennon and Paul McCartney, they, they're bar guys. Like, if they were rappers, they would be closer to, like, you know, a, 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 a Nas or Rakim style of rapper than they would be, 
like, you know, your traditional, like, like, I don't know, like NBA young boy. You know what I'm saying? Like they wouldn't be that. Like they're popular. They're popular, but they were popular because they were intricate in redefining how songwriting really went. Like the people have to understand this, and I just figured this out. Like the Beach Boys, America's version of the Beatles, so to speak. The Beach Boys had to change everything that they did. And I love the Beach Boys. And you know, Brian really went in the lab when it came to the Beatles and he went into psychosis and went into a mental state and had to be committed behind the Beatles. He was like, he stopped going on tour. He's like, look, y'all can go on tour. I gotta go to the lab. Right. No, they sent him to into a state of psychosis with the quality of their music and album making. Well, I he think was people... the best songwriter and album. He was the best single maker in terms of American contemporary pop culture music. And they literally put him mentally in a bad place that he did not recover from. I think what people need to understand and what I even needed to understand. You... Like I heard all the hype about the Beatles because mm-hmm. obviously they're before my time and my parents. That's like when, that's up... like when Sugar Ray made, 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 <laughs> made Camacho. That's like No Moss. Yeah. You understand that? That's no moss. When you make when you make your songwriting counterpart from another portion of the world literally check himself into a mental facility. When I was growing up, my parents didn't play the Beatles like that. So I had to kind of look at it from a sense where you have to really understand what wasn't around before these guys came around to understand their impact. Like if you listen to their music now in a vacuum, you're like, okay, well, that's nothing quote unquote special, but you have to really understand. You know, as far especially from an artist standpoint, <laughs> artists weren't writing and and composing their own stuff before them. No, there not even Stevie, there, not there even the great Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder was ha- had writers at that point. Verse, how about this? Verse, hook, verse, bridge, chorus, back into third verse. Beatles didn't exist before. Hmm. Deal with it. Reggie didn't Super. exist before. <laughs> Reggie says, uh, Coop, if you had to give up one, which artist would uh, you be willing to give up? Prince or Shade? I won't be giving up either. I'll be giving up all these rappers. You're giving, these rappers you're giving up go. Sade. I know I'm you are. getting rid of all of these rappers. I know you. You're giving up Sade. You don't want to say it. 36 Chambers with the Super Chat says... Uh, is songs okay. in the key of she's life? Gotta go. I don't want to kick her out the house, but she's got to go. Yeah, thirty six chambers says is songs in the key of life a top ten album on the yes. top ten list? Okay. Yes, yes. How about this? I think um, I think Stevie and Prince and the Beatles are the only uh, authors of at least arguably two of the top ten albums ever because I would put um, songs and inner visions up there. And I would put Purple Rain and songs and uh, I would put Purple Rain and Signs and Times up there. Uh, me personally, um, I know a lot of people. Sergeant Pepper's and Abbey Road is up there. I personally like the White Album, uh, but that's more of like me knowing some of the history of it. But Abbey Road and Sergeant Pepper's and Revolver are generally in that conversation. Uh, Marvin Gaye, uh, What's Going On. You know my other favorite Marvin Gaye lexicon, album? Off the Wall and Thriller obviously in this lexicon. Um, my favorite Marvin Gaye album personally is I Want You. I love that album. I love you like, you like You like drums and you like funky shit. I love Because you like a Quimini. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You like the funky I like Parliament Funkadelic. <laughs> right. Right. 
Right. No, I, I love, I want you, um, the content on what's going on is just smashing. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's going on, um, I will admit, is the better how about this? I want you has some of the melodic components. I mean, uh, I mean, um, what's going on has some of the melodic components of I want you, mm-hmm. a much better songwriting, Mike. And the transition structurally and music, musically oh, from song to song, like the way he transitioned. Like whoever pro- we need to we need to be highlighting the person who executive produced what's going on more because I'm those are Dr. Dre type transitions that we talk about because that's not Barry. Barry didn't executive. No, produce. no, no, he didn't. Actually, right. he wasn't really even a part of the process. Right. No, no, no. He was he's against the, the process. They had a committee. Mike, they had a committee. It was a yay or nay committee. He's definitely well, not, a person not on the during committee. that time. After period. they all said yay or nay, they looked at Barry like, is that okay? So he's definitely part of the committee. Well, no, no, no. That was a different time period. You're talking about more so the 60s. This was after, you know, this, Barry kind of uh, went to Hollywood. Like 73, Mike. This is Yeah, Barry was more so in Hollywood. The whole process of how Motown put out records was a little different. Well, who executive because they were giving, what's going on? They were giving Marvin and Stevie the keys more in this time period. So the musical transitions on what's going on... I want to say Marvin was a big part of that. Uh, I think... I don't want to misquote anything. I'm sure some people in the chat can help us out, but they had a lot of arrangers over there. But this is after um, um, Holland, Dozier, and Holland were gone. Okay. Yeah, Reggie. You know, we've been doing this says, whole episode gorilla style, Mike. We still ain't got no notifications. This gorilla. It's crazy, man. Reggie with the super chat says a prince uh, versus. No, I know what's going on? It said uh, a prince versus Shade versus who you got, Coop? That's Prince easy for me. Man, Sade is best to some of the best in my opinion. Like, think about this. Like, I'm I, I don't I don't know this for certain, but was I've had people tell me this. It was called The Quiet Fire before Sade released Sweetest Taboo and said, It's a quiet storm. It's never felt like this before. So the quiet storm as we know it, like late night radio literally took her whole bar and made it into a motif and an archetype that exists in radio today. Because That's it was interesting. I never thought fire. about that. It, I, like, I want somebody older than me to come chime in and it's like, what was it? What was the late night radio called before Sade said it's a quiet storm on the sweetest taboo? Because Mike, that's like 85, 86, 87? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like literally when we say the quiet storm, like think about this, Mob Deep's Quiet storm, you know where the range, you know where those raindrops come from, right? It comes from there, right? Comes from Sade's sweetest taboo, yeah, correct? Yeah. Quiet storm, because the it's a quiet storm and it never felt like this before. It's a quiet storm and that is you, ha ha. Right. Yeah. So it's like she literally changed the way we do fucking black radio, Mike. So it's like it's Incredible. not like it's a small feat. No, Prince is. I mean, Prince is Prince. I mean, Prince is Prince. You can't fuck with Prince. I think Prince is the greatest artist who ever lived, top to bottom. Like, songwriting, singing, composition, arranging, dancing. Like, he's the greatest artist of all time, so nobody's going to beat him in my world, but, like, just, like, song for song, it's like, well, Stevie and Mike and Sade can give him some run. Janet can give him a little run. Beatles can give him some run. Rolling Stones can give him some run. Mike's the greatest to me. and That's uh, about the, where the run ends, though. That's where the run ends. Ain't nobody else giving him no run, though. Mike's the greatest to me, and I think Thriller's the best album I've ever heard, top to bottom. I think that for nine songs, when you got that powerful of 
a nine song range where the greatest, I'm going to say this, and I get you with the whole, you know, composer, musician and all that and songwriter with Prince. Prince is incredible. But when we talk about somebody who gets in the studio and records, it's like this man was recording when he was a boy. Okay. And before when when if you if the band over there fucked up, you had to start all the way over. And okay, so he so was I'm growing gonna... with technology. And when technology got to the point where it was at in nineteen eighty two with Thriller, this man is effortlessly recording on a level where you can hear that shit where it's like he sounds way different than everybody else. So he don't so okay, so understand this. We're talking about genius operating on two different levels, and this is why I was separated, and I'm going to be respectful when I say this. Mike vocally and has a dancer is better than Prince. Yeah. At both, technically speaking. Now, the gap in the dancing is wider than the gap in the singing. Is that fair? That's fair. Mike is 10 times more classically trained at these things than Prince is. And so I'm going to put the degree of difficulty higher because here's what I would tell you is, is like, how about this? When you hear Marsha Ambrosius and Florici's version of Butterflies, and then you hear Michael Jackson's version of Butterflies, it's like, well, that's why he's Michael Jackson. And that's why you are who you are, even if you're great, because Mike hears shit differently. And you I don't even, and that's older, Mike. We could even go back to like stuff like. No, um, I'm, I'm, no, even, I'm about to move backwards, yeah. Mike. If you would actually let, like, go that's ahead. what I'm saying. Go ahead. That's old, Mike. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, is that when you're hearing Michael Jackson able to literally take the original version of Butterflies and turn it into his version, because it's Michael's song once Mike takes it. That's the years of training that you see from when things are fucked. Mike hears shit different. He let, been let me in go in real quick. Life. Let me go in real quick. Who's no, loving please. you? By you know somebody like Smokey Robinson, who's a grown man. This man, this dude steps in as what was he like twelve then? Twelve, ten to and twelve. Takes 10 a 12. grown man who, who's a legend, takes his song and makes it his own. No, not just a legend, Mike. He's one of the greatest songwriters who ever. Period. Period. Point blank. Motown exists partly because of Smokey Robinson. Straight up. Straight up. Various say that. Yeah. Uh, the raisin head with the super no, chat. Hold on, let's go further. There is uh-huh. no Motown without Smokey Robinson because there's Smokey Robinson, The Miracles, The Temptations, and Marvin's early stuff. And Smokey has a hand in all of that shit. No, definitely. No, 100%. One of the greatest songwriters ever. Um, raisin head with the super chat says uh, We see more black people wearing Nirvana and Metallica shirts than we do Jodeci New Edition SWV. It's sad. Black music is bigger than hip hop. That's real. And I do think that sometimes. We do concentrate black music into just hip hop alone. And um, R&B has, it shouldn't have to be like this, but I'm going to say it. R&B has suffered from the rise of hip hop. It has, but but you want to know why? Shouldn't have to be that way, but I know why. This is what I mean about about the songwriting. So, (laughs) So let's go back to this. Well, Prince is not the singer vocally. Like the way the way Mike is scatting on butterflies, it's like Prince can do that on his best day, but not on any day. Mike can do that when the fuck he feels like it. Okay. Dance wise, I don't think we need to have this conversation. There's for me, there's like James Brown, there's Michael Jackson, there's the rest of these guys. 
Yeah. And that's exactly how I look at it. That's including Chris Brown, because I have yet to see Chris Brown sing at the level that those men sang and performed at while dancing. I think Chris is at that level, but that's just my opinion. As a dancer, yes, but can you dance and perform at the level that they can for hours upon hours on end, decade after decade? I think James Brown at 50 was better equipped to do a show live than Chris Brown is at 30. And so, no, you're not in that stratosphere. That's that's special, special shit. No, that James Brown at fifty was killing it. No, you're right. That's what I'm saying. Like, talk to me when Chris Brown is fifty and can kill the way Mike and and Mike. Because I saw because because we saw Michael Jackson and James Brown kill at that age. Show me when you kill at fifty, at will. Kill at will at fifty, and then holla. Until then, it's James and it's Mike on stage, overall dancing performance. Mike, the songwriting, the producing, the composing, and the arranging. Well, Prince is comparable. To Michael Jackson and James Brown. He's not as good as him. He's comparable. But songwriting, composing, arranging, Big producing. Guy. Oh, well, he's blowing them out the water, Mike. No, and that's why he's the greatest to me is because, well, if he's comparable to James Brown and Prince, I mean, if he's comparable to James Brown and Mike on stage and vocally, and you're telling me he's the one that's writing this stuff, yeah. he's the one arranging the show, he's no, the one right. arranging the music. He's the composer of the music. You're telling me this motherfucker playing the guitar and the keyboard and the piano and the banjo and the xylophone? Yeah. This is what I'm going to say, though, as far as uh, my argument for Thriller, right? I think that Thriller was probably the first time and maybe the last time that an album was an event in that way. It was damn near a movie without it being a movie. And and it has its own personality for each individual record. Like, if somebody asks you, like, I want the um, Billie Jean jacket. Or I want the Beat It jacket. I want the Thriller jacket. He has his own, not only choreography for each individual record, he has his own scene for the record. He has his own wardrobe for the record. And now the Moonwalk is synonymous with the song Billie Jean in itself. It's like he was able to put together... I feel like Thriller was in like three phases, right? You got the creation of the music. We're in the studio. Knock that out. Cool. Now I got to go out here and do my choreographed thing, right? And then I have to go out here and do my visual thing. This was a visual piece, uh, a dance piece, and a musical piece. Right. And then you got records like PYT to get play everywhere that don't have any visuals to them. So listen to what I'm saying. (laughs) Mike had time to focus on those things because he had other people writing the songs and doing the arranging and the composure. So think about what that's saying, that Prince is the vocalist and the dancer that he is, when he's the one, Mike, you know this as a rapper, Mike, the hardest part of all this music shit is writing the fucking song. That's why the publishing and the songwriters make the most money. That's why, that's why every time I have Mike, I haven't seen Missy Elliott much the last 15 years, but every time she's in a whip that costs usually about two to three hundred thousand dollars. And that's because she didn't just perform on all those hits. She fucking wrote them too. Oh yeah. Writing is the most difficult thing. And so Prince as a songwriter is on Stevie Wonder's level. But as a performer, he's on James Brown and Michael Jackson's level. Goat shit. Look, the writing is the intellectual property. We got so many people who have copied Michael Jackson's dance moves. You can't get paid off of that. Nope. You know what I'm saying? And that's but why Michael gonna, was smart enough to know. When Doug's crying, turn it into prey. Now, is he? Yeah. So th- that's why Michael was smart enough to know, like, look, I'm about to buy all this publishing and own half of the publishing that Sony has. 
and bought the Beatles shit. <laughs> well, he he used the Beatles shit to get leverage to get everything else because right. he knew that no. everybody wanted the Beatles shit so bad that they would right. cut a deal. Yeah, hold on, in including hold, think about this. Mike had more money than Paul McCartney and now bid Paul McCartney on his own catalog. He said he gave Paul a year to. Um, I don't believe that at all, and nor do I give a fuck, but here's the reality <laughs> of the matter. The reason Paul mad is because that catalog, well, that's like, you know, Paul the man, Paul number one. Well, all right? you know like what? It goes Paul and then John in terms of the songwriting. In terms of the songwriting, this is what I mean. See, star power, John, then Paul. But songwriting, Paul, then John. So when the catalog's coming at, Paul's looking like, I don't care if John's here, dead, or alive. I was a better songwriter when the motherfucker was here. I want my shit. I don't think he wanted it bad enough, but I don't think he had the money to fuck with Mike. You don't think so? Oh. No, I know so, Mike. No way. <laughs> yeah, Mike was heavy. Think Mike about this. Heavy. Think about In this. Eighty? What was that? Eighty-three. Think about this. If if it, Paul McCartney could have asked the Queen for money and really got it like that. That's what I mean. He couldn't fuck with Mike. He could have got money. Mike said he didn't think that Paul was serious about getting this catalog. And you know what's interesting though. He, it's he 1980, was. Mike, and Paul McCartney not serious about getting this catalog. No, it was like 84, I think. I think it was what like is it, 84? 84? Something like that. He oh, no. He, he's de- also, Thriller and Off the Wall have already done their numbers. Yeah. Paul don't have enough money to play with Mike. No, he don't. Well, he no. was still Sean Lennon's uh, godfather, so no, he I don't guess have Yoko money didn't feel too bad. In 1984, he doesn't have enough money to play with Michael Jackson. Reggie with a super chat. Reggie with a super chat says, "Imagine if Minnie Ripperton and Barry White had a baby." (laughs) So interesting. interesting But Reggie also says the Beatles versus the Bee Gees. Bee Gees getting blown out. Uh, I like the Bee Gees hits. Um, You don't want to do that. Jay Beatles here says Curtis Mayfield's Superfly. What you say? I love that record. My dad had that shit on vinyl. As far as an isolated album, one of the best albums that you'll hear. As far as like isolated piece of work, yeah, it covered everything. It covered everything. Yes, the social aspects of it. Social commentary, production, songwriting, ethos, pathos. Yeah, no, no, no. It covers everything, but a one of one. Like was never able to duplicate, replicate. Uh, Curtis got a catalog, though. And not to mention the miracles and all that. There's a separation between that album and everything else he did. 36 Chambers says, um, MJ's best singer and showman of all time. Prince is the greatest musician and uh, audio-based artist in history, in my opinion. I agree with that. No, no, no. I, I, I'm ca- If we can find comfortable spaces for them all to get their, like, their, their statuses and their crowns, I'm comfortable with that. Mad Max says, um, don't cut my head off. I like the bad album more than I like Thriller. And I agree with Mike. Some of uh, MJ's hit, uh, MJ's hits different has some special, uh, I'm sorry, has some special, but ABC, Human Nature, Leave Me Alone. I don't know. It's different for me. Well, it's interesting that that, this is what I'll say about bad. And I think I've said this on the show before, before we had like the population we have now. I think that the visuals from bad kind of, kind of trick people's mind into thinking bad is better than it really is. I think that the nostalgia... I feel like like the legend of Thriller is responsible for bad more than anything else that you're saying. You think so? Yeah, Yeah, it's the the legend of Thriller. It's the legend of Thriller. But see, he gave us visuals for everything on bad, and when it comes to the bad era, he was at his performance peak. So 
In my personal opinion, I think that Smooth Criminal is the greatest music video ever made. I put it above it's Thriller. Not. Thriller's number two to me. That nigga on Smooth Criminal is you talking, about, you talking about the lean? Shit. Where, you talking about the lean, Mike? Jeez. That, right. I mean, that whole video, like, even if you look at shit that's happening in the background, everything is just, it's amazing. Right. No, and he I took get that, that thriller concept to the next level. So, so, no, no. So, this is what I mean about the energy and the feeling and about the moment. Like, Smooth Criminal to me, even dance concept wise, it's not even beat it because it doesn't have the feeling or the energy. Like, you know, beat it, Mike. You know the. Well, this is the thing. <laughs> like, you know that, Mike. Like, you Those know songs that. Like, you don't just... know the Smooth Criminal shit. Like, you know, beat it. Like, I... you know, Mike, you know the. You know to swing your shit to the side and pop your hands and come up and neck. Like you know that it's beaded, Mike. It's different. It's I think not the songs the same. are just so it's much not. better. And I'm not even Ooh, a fan. Thriller's not the same. It's not even beaded. Fuck thriller. It's not even beaded. I'm not like, even a fan of the smooth criminal song. I think that beat it and it's thriller. Not like that. It's yeah. Beat it and thriller are just so much better. So, such better songs. Like, but but the dance routines are better, Mike. They are because that. it's more. Now, the Thriller dance routine might be better. I don't know about the Beat It one. I'm not totally No, Beat It's better, Mike. It's in the streets, Mike. <laughs> because when he uh, turns around and he's Michael Jackson and not the monster anymore, and that whole dance routine, it's like, dude. Inspector with the Super Chat says, R&B music today is savage. They say F love. It's true. That's the problem. The problem with R&B Ain't today no is love. they're not love songs. They don't make love songs. Like, if you want to hear a love song in R&B, it has to come from a female artist. These guys are like, I want to put my dick in your mouth tonight. Does that feel right? <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. Or it's they like, take it somebody's like, chick or something. It's, yeah. like, it's like, I was saying that when I was fucking 16 on the west side of Charlotte. You ain't came up with no new shit since then? Because even with an epic album like Thriller, no pun intended to the record label, but you got you a are- record like <laughs> Lady in My Life to close the album. Like, Lady in My Life doesn't... I mean, it fits on Thriller, but he didn't even have to make that record. And that Lady record, in My Life? Yeah. And that's one I of those mean, records I mean, that people walk down Mike, the aisle to. I can't to. help it, Mike. Yeah. Looking out my window. Caught me by surprise. It's just simple. It's innocent, Mike. I can't it's help innocent. you. Yeah. We drinking tonight, man. I we, hear, we turn look, listen to what he's saying. I hear you often crossing through my mind. Like that's an innocent, TV, loving, comforting thought. I can hear you often crossing through my mind. That shit is not complicated. Those are bars, son. Give me that over <laughs> all this shit. Mad Max of the Super Chat says a lot, of, a lot of genres have uh suffered from hip hop wise though, Mike. I think that I'm sorry, I think I said this before. I view Lil Uzi as a rock and roll artist, but he doesn't get acknowledged as that. Um, and Drake take care is R and B. Uh, Flipper Purify says, "For the Queens versus Brooklyn versus, you guys should cap the artists to four songs max, make it more strategic. Bonds can't, Bonds can't get ten at bat in a game. Biggie shouldn't get ten songs in a borough battle. What do you think first, about that, Coop? First of all, do you think we should shut put a cap?" Up. Shut no, up, no, shut no, up. no, 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 because I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to be honest. He's right. Barry Bonds can't get 10 bats. It is. What no, it no. Is. Yes, he can. And I'm going to be honest with you. I literally took Brooklyn because I'm very clear on this in my mind. 
and I want you to listen to me when I say this. Mm -hmm. I have two of the five greatest MCs of all time coming out of Brooklyn, and I know it. And you only have one of the top five. I've got two of the top Mm -hmm. five. You've got one of the top five. And I'm about to abuse that shit, Mike. So fuck your team. Fuck your couch. It's my birthday. Turn all the way the fuck up. No. Let me give I you some friendly advice. Jay. No, 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 no. I love Nas. Nas is the greatest MC who ever lived. I felt that way since I heard Illmatic. Felt that way after it was written. I felt that way after the bootleg version of I Am. I felt that way after Stillmatic and Godson. And even after Life is Good, I felt that way. But if you're telling me that you're giving me two of the top five MCs of all time, and I know for a fact that you only got one, abuse, child abuse. And so, no, there's no limits, no limitations. And, Mike, I'm going to tell you something. I've already got the playlist and the possible songs already completely done, and I'm not changing a motherfucking thing. <laughs> he and got 10 J records and, and 10 Biggie records, and you no, got top villain. It's not, as it's your not that bad, Mike. It's not that bad, Mike. But I'm going to tell it to you just like this. You're not going to hear Jay five times, but there's no way that I can beat you legitimately without playing Biggie five times because you do have the greatest MC of all time. And you do have Mob Deep and you do have LL Cool J. And I got Run DMC. Ain't nobody, think, ain't nobody worried about that. I got you Biggie, ain't worried Smalls, about Run DMC. You bugging. No, You're underestimating. I, I promise to God, like I love Run DMC, Mike. If you play one of those records, I'm gonna hurt your feelings. Really? Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna hurt your feelings. Okay. I got some surprises <laughs> for you. I got some surprises for you. I got some surprises too. AKs and Curtain says uh, Mike versus Prince Super Bowl halftime show. Who y'all got? I'm gonna, I'm gonna give that one to Prince, man. Mike, my life goal is to figure out. Right now, even though Michael set it off, though, what's that? Mike wanted to set it off. Prince's performance is better because Prince yeah. is a better stage performer from beginning to end. Because yeah. the nigga came out on stage with a fucking do rag and a guitar while it was raining. Yeah. You know moment. what? And, I, and I'm gonna be perfectly a honest. Black History moment. He came out with a do rag and a guitar while it was raining. It's Black History. I was never a fan. With a perm. I was never a fan of the era when Michael had to lip sync, and even doing some research on that Super Bowl performance. He didn't even want to do that performance. He did it because they basically gave him an offer he couldn't refuse because they needed to compete with In Living Colors halftime. They definitely hit him with a veto, Corleone. They definitely hit him with a veto. He gave gave them some... Michael gave them some mid. He was like, okay, you going to pay me this for this performance? All right, this is what I'm going to give you. And you're going to get Heal the World at the end. First of all, Mike Mike is used to buying Picassos by now, so he don't care about literally what you're paying him. He's like, I can buy a Picasso when I feel like it. You don't JB, know what this uh, money looks like. You don't know what this money looks like. A Michael Jackson. I sold thirty six million albums. And you know what? And what a lot of people don't really take into account when he did his uh, record deal for Thriller, he was getting more points than any artist ever in got history. in the history of music. So you and he add, sold thirty six million <laughs> albums. And then, well, some people say worldwide it was one hundred and fifteen million. I'm so this album states, sells talking about the states. This album sells by far the most albums ever, and it's the record for the most points ever on an album. You do the math. And I, I ain't even counting believe, the other publishing believe, and shit. I believe Nas spoke to this deal on success. Yeah. Uh JB was here, says Miles Davis 
kind of blue. I love that album, man. I love that record. Yeah. Uh, CJ Kidd says, so Illmatic is Thriller of Hip Hop um, yes. with the amazing non-track similarity. Yes. Yeah. Very much so. Without the hit records, though. But hip hop's not really about the hit records. So that's it why it's more purple rainish. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah. like actually, it's like so paid and full is more thriller. I was gonna say that. Paid and full is more of a thriller that you're looking for. And Illmatic you got, is more of a purple yeah, rain. You got I ain't no joke. You got Eric B as president. You got my uh, melody. My I melody. know you got soul. You got I know you got soul. And you got what's the other one I'm Move forgetting? the crowd. Move Eric the crowd. B is president. Yeah. I say Eric B is president. That shit is crazy. That well, shit is um, I know epic. which one you're talking about. Um the, the um Shoot, paid in full. The actual yeah. paid in paid full. And right? full. Paid and we full. left out paid, paid in full. full. That's sick. The actual paid in full song. That's what you're talking about. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm missing. Well, paid in full is thriller. Illmatic is purple rain. I agree with that. Yes. Paid in full is heavy, man. You like, got paid think about in the full. The world is yours is very like when doves cry like. It's like, oh, that shit is epic. Yeah. But it's when like, doves it's cry. different epic. Yeah. I know you're a Super Prince fan. I'm a Prince fan as well. But in my personal opinion... Dove's Cry is Prince's best song. If you had to narrow down the best Prince song that encompasses all those things, which is very difficult to do, I'm my pick with a gun to my head would be Dove's Cry. And for Michael, my pick would be Billie Jean, actually. It's so hard to fade it. It's so hard to fade when doves cry. Yeah, it's crazy. Because think about it. Nothing sounds like when doves cry. It doesn't have a bass line. There's no Nothing other song on that album that sounds level like. that doesn't have a bass line. And so he's going to win things just off the strength of the bass line. <laughs> Somebody must have just walked in. They must got a birthday cake for Coop. Mad no, Max that's says, my dog. That's Woody. Oh, okay. Shout out to Woody. I'm going to get to these Super Chats real quick. Mad Max said, R&B is just different today. It's uh, it's Brent Flies, and Brent gives guys who aren't vocally elite. I'm sorry. Brent guys who aren't vocally elite, but can make a vibe basically on today's R&B. And other genres have to blend in to like R&B artists now. Uh, Have to uh, blend in to one. Like now, R and B artists have to bars. All right, uh, let me get some of these other super chats. Uh, Jay Short says, "Make Prince Slow Jams playlist uh, for a lady friend." Case closed. Pun intended. <laughs> Reggie says, "What was the best video and live performance that you recall done by MJ and Prince?" Uh, off top of Michael, I think that it would have to be something from the Bad Tour. But if I had to single one performance, I would say his Billie Jean performance from the Victory Tour. Now, as far as Prince, huh? I'm going to say the actual performance that Purple Rain was taken from because the actual uh, audio from the album comes from that performance that he did in Minneapolis. So that would be my pick for that one. Uh, Mad Max with the Super Chat says, it's not true, Coop. Bryson Tiller makes love songs. Uh, he's not just talking about sex. He's talking about mistakes, trying to get his girl back, etc. I like Bryson Tiller. I think we need to consider that, too. The Raisin Head says, uh, as, as great as they are, Nas and MJ would have, been a better, would, have, would have better catalogs if they stuck with the Illmatic off-the-wall formula. And that's saying a lot. I think that things went into the CD era, at least for Michael, 
and a lot of the stuff that wouldn't have made his album in the album era started to make it. Dangerous was his first CD era album, and you saw him pretty much double the output. I think the CD era really made the quality suffer in music, period. I think that the album era, sticking to nine to ten songs, because that's all that was fitting on a vinyl, it forced artists to put out quality material because all the stuff that made it in the CD era would have got cut off. Uh, 007 says, Queens get the money, Coop. Happy birthday and take that L. He's going to take an L. I'm not taking no L's. He's taking an L. Uh, uh, CJ Kidd said, since you love both artists, Coop, how do you think the track uh, would have been if uh, Prince and Nas were to collab <clears throat> You want to know what? Stylistically, they are both so different. It would have been one of those things where I think it would have been either really, really great or really, really bad, just truthfully speaking, because they're so creatively like in their own spaces with how they like to operate. Like both of those guys have to feel comfortable to operate. And so they would have to find a synergy with each other for the music, I think, to come off uh, the way that it should. And, you know, Prince just isn't, Prince just don't give people a lot of work, Mike. Like he'll let you come do some work live. Like he'll let you do shit live. Like he invited Common on stage live one time and Common, People forget this. One of Common's best performances ever. He Prince called him up on stage and he literally did a freestyle using Prince songs. Yeah. This is what I'm going to use as an example of that, right? I'm a big Janelle Bonet fan as far as like, you know, some of the stuff she did early it's on. Work. It's not going to work. But no, this is what I was going to say. She was coming off of Arc Android, which I think is a brilliant album. I think it's one of the best albums ever created in this city. And her next album was Electric Lady, which was actually dope, too. And when she collaborated with Prince on that album, it was underwhelming. I mean, I I had high expectations for it because I know who both of those artists are. And maybe my expectations were unrealistic, but it wasn't a bad song, but it wasn't like a super memorable one. And I think that if Prince and Nas would have collaborated... It probably would have been one of those things, too. It would have been like a cool song that I can't knock it or whatever. But it wouldn't have been something like, yo, that was that was both powers coming together, making a, a 20. You know what I'm saying? 20 meaning 10 and 10. No, I get what you're saying. It's like, <clears throat> how about this? I think the expectations would have I mean, been so crazy. More, it's it's, just it's okay. almost more epic. This is what I mean. When you deal with Prince, when you deal with Michael Jackson, when you deal with Stevie Wonder... <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> it's almost bigger for you to play off of their great record. Right. <clears throat> like when um, Beyonce did the beautiful ones at the Grammys with Prince. Right. That's better. The Beyonce Prince record wasn't about the snap like her doing the beautiful ones with him. No, at the right. I agree. Yeah. And uh, so that, that would have been one of those things where it's like, how about this? It would have been really cool to hear like... <clears throat> Like a good A and R would hear something like the baseline, the computer blue, and transition it into one love for Nas. Right. So it's like have Prince come do the computer lift, uh, do computer blue, and do the riff, but have the riff go into some hip hop shift, and then have that baseline that's so heavy and so hard pick up into one love and get lighter. You feel what I'm saying? 
it would play better like that than it would for them to do an actual song together. I would like to see, would have liked to have seen, excuse me, Prince and uh, Q-Tip come together and do something. But once again, I think with both of them coming together, it would have just been a vibing song. I guess that's the word I'm looking for. Because that's what this. happened with Janelle Monae. It was like, they were, they were just vibing. It's not going to be like hold this on, outer Prince space a, shit. Hold on, hold on. I respect Q-Tip enough. That it's like, I wouldn't want Q-Tip to do that because Prince might try to sun him on his knowledge. <laughs> you feel me? Like, Prince is that guy, too. Like, like people have to understand this. I love Prince. Prince is super arrogant, and he knows his shit inside and out. And so Q-Tip, as far as a hip-hop head, knowing the outside of hip-hop music is as notable as it gets. Wouldn't you say that? Yeah. Like, he can go to his jazz and his pop and his funk shit very, very easily. Correct, Mike? Right. No, no. Prince would recognize that and son him. You feel me? And be like, but do you remember? We'd be like, well, listen to when Miles Davis actually played on my record. Yeah. Right. Be, be like, this is when Miles came in live when we were on Sunset Boulevard. But and he played, live, like, and he okay. played If I Was Your Girlfriend live, played the trumpet live If I Was Your Girlfriend. So I, I dig that you sampled it on the low-end theory, but it's like, I had Miles playing. That's what that shit would look like, because that's who <laughs> Prince is, too. That's what I mean, is it's like, he's funny. There's a reason that not a lot of people made great music with him. It's like Shaka Khan's biggest hit is I Feel For You. That's a song that she took from his first album that came out seven years before she took it. He wrote that song seven years before she took it. He's funny. Is that her biggest song? As far as a hit as a solo artist, yes. The other bigger hits are Rufus and Shaka Khan. Tell me something good, sweet thing. That's Rufus and Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan's biggest hit is I Feel For You. That's Prince. Through the Fire. But yeah, I, uh, I feel for you is a bigger record. I love I, both of those records. I love the fire is a better Khan. record. Look, through the fire is a better record to me because that the, the vocal riff through the fire, through the limit, well, like all that. that. Just the end of through the fire is like it's like well, Shaka can now sing everybody out here, not named Aretha. Yeah, thirty six shames with a super chat says Prince embarrassed Tom Petty on the uh, guitar solo for my, my guitar, guitar gently, gently weeps. weeps. Uh, yes, a true legend, embarrassing <laughs> other legends uh, with how incredible he was. Yeah, he threw so, the guitar in the air and it never came down. He played, he played it as good as the originator of the record, if not better. I think better, to be honest. I didn't want to say that to be disrespectful. You know, Prince is the that. greatest guitar player I've ever seen. I'm just being. You know, honest. I used to always lean on Jimi Hendrix, Mike, until you literally was like, this is it. no, but you told me, you, you're the one that put me onto the Prince thing from the guitar playing aspect. You're like, is he as versatile as Prince Coop? Coop? Yeah. And I was like, well, he's not. And he's like, well, how is he better? And it's like, well, that's my guy. Why are you telling me this about my guy? Jimmy could have like, been better, maybe, but again, it's like the Biggie thing. Biggie's not better no, than Jay. No, I don't think he He's would not get this versatile, though. That's yeah. what I'm saying. When you talked about the versatility of the guitar playing, it's like he's playing, like you have to understand, he's playing some sort of guitar on almost all of his major hits. Like almost all of them have his, like a guitar riff of his or some sort of, like, so. No, you're right. And then you hear him, you, and then you hear him play my guitar gently weeps, and it's like, it feels like he heard the. It feels like he heard the tune and the chord and is able to seamlessly transition through the riffs better than the originator. He's like you know, and I know LeBron's getting older, but even now, and let's just dial it back a couple of years ago. LeBron gets on the court with these pro players, the best basketball players on the planet. He makes them look like average guys, man. 
And I think we understate that. Shit is crazy. Right. And, that's, and that's what, what and like, that's okay. what Prince does. It's like Prince sits here with some of these greats. And it's like, no, this guy is something else. He makes them look like guys that are trying to make it or something. First of it's all, it's insane. Madman, Madman, Madman. When Doves Cry is the first song in record history to go number one without a baseline, and it's only one of two songs to do it. Know your history. There's no baseline <laughs> to When Doves Cry. That's the keyboard hitting like that. That's what we mean about him being a genius. You think the keyboard's the baseline, don't you? That's so cute. You just <laughs> lost some respect, though. You just <laughs> lost some respect because you don't even know what music sound like if you can't hear that there's not a baseline. Because I'm going to tell you what, Mike, as a kid, it's like when doves cry, what stuck up to me was boom, 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 boom. That's not bass. No, that's not bass. That's not bass. No, I mean, there's drums in there. The drums is heavy, but... Drums. You know what? Prince is very underrated as a beat programmer, too, because this is in the era where, you know, people were transitioning from live drums to actually program drums. Bottles, and he mastered programming range. drums before hip-hop really did. So you want to know where he suffered? His, his music suffers from the engineering quality because he didn't know sound-wise what to do, engineering-wise, but as a musician... The music, Mike. The music. That's what I'm saying. It's like, how about this? If he would have had Dr. Dre engineering his shit, like if Dr. Dre would have engineered Prince shit, you feel me? Yeah. Yeah, because he didn't know about engineering. He knows about producing. Michael had Bruce Sweeten. Arranging. <laughs> like, when you're talking about the clarity, the crispness, if somebody would have yeah. been... How about this? If he would have had a Quincy Jones, Mike, well, this I mean, shit would not be a conversation. If he engineer, has a Quincy Jones, it's not a conversation because Mike shit, Mike shit hit clear. Well, be Quincy was the producer. You hear that hi hat? You hear that there? It's Mike. It's slapping. Mike's beats be slapping like. Well, you Quincy, hear the slap. Oh, you Quincy literally hear the, the hi hat slap. <laughs> Quincy was the producer. I want to give credit where credit's due. Uh, Bruce Sweeten was the engineer, and Bruce Sweeten's a genius. And Michael actually kept Bruce Sweeten his whole career. You want to uh, know why, Mike? Yeah, you need an engineer. Boom, boom. He hear that shit when that shit slap on Mike's records. That shit be sounding like yeah. It be clear. It be crisp. I mean, you listen to rock with you. It's just such a. That's crisp what I'm talking record. about, Mike. Rock with you. Yeah. You want to be starting something. Shout out to Rod Temperton too. One of my favorites. Rod Rest in peace I, I to love all Rod of Temperton. them, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jay Short right, Super Chat. Let's get on the rap Let's get on the yeah, rap yeah, 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 yeah. This is going to be a very difficult episode to edit because we're just all over the place. But I love it. You know what I'm saying? We we engaging. We sipping. We're full of people. We and, and I want you to understand, I, for real, Mike, you need to reach out to YouTube. The notification for recording the hip-hop on a Friday has still not gone out yet. We've been doing this show for over two years now. They didn't send out our notification. This is arguably the biggest rap release date this year. I don't like that shit at all. Yeah, we're going to check. We're going to re- not release. No, don't we're tell gonna, me. Like, we're going to reach out to I'm, them. Like, like I done been, I done, <clears throat> the circles that I sit in, Mike, they're not big, they're small. And because they're small, I know what the fuck really goes on and how it goes on. Don't feed me this bullshit about this notification on this day. I don't mean you. Yeah, I mean you too. It's like, I know what our following looks like, but I know who we really are. I ran into 
Mike, I ran into a cat in East Cobb the other day. It's a white kid. His name's Colin. He has the same, his first name is my middle name. I haven't seen Colin in about five years. I was talking to him the other day about how the podcast was blowing up when I was in East Cobb. He was like, I know. He was like, I watch your Facebook Live when I can catch it. Y'all are everywhere. That's what's up. Yeah, I ain't man. seen YouTube Colin. Like, how about this? Way. Last time I seen Colin, Colin wasn't legal to drink. Like, Colin, Colin damn near about to buy a house. You feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, oh, no, no. I know we everywhere, and I know we outside. And so I'm not with, like, any of the shit. The bullshit. You know, I'm I not with, with any of like- the bullshit. It's like, if I can pull up rent. Mike, I live in Northeast Cobb. I can't even front. I ain't been over to East Cobb in about seven years. Like, it's literally 10, 20 minutes away from me, and I don't go over there and fuck with it. It's one of the richest areas in the United States. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't fuck with it. But the fact that as soon as I pull up and I pull up on somebody and they're like, yeah, I'm like, every time you post on Facebook Live, I'm watching. I'm like, we got a million followers on Facebook. So it's like, don't tell me that this YouTube notification shouldn't be going down. We have over a million followers. We get literally thousands of downloads every month on all digital streaming platforms. As in, like, not like 5,000, like 50, 60, 70,000. People are hearing it, and we appreciate people y'all. People are hearing it, and so, so when yeah, we're not gotta... getting the live note, when we're not getting the live notification where we broadcast live from, and it's arguably the biggest rap release date this year in terms of coverage, in terms of album, in terms of quality of albums, and arguably the most notable rapper has dropped this year. Because for whatever you feel about Black Thought and Black Star, do not think that they are more notable than Freddie Gibbs right now. I do not like this shit at all. I do not like the smell well, of hold it. On, hold on, hold on. I do not like the smoke of it because I'm already on the verge of approaching niggas out here from how they treating us. Like this whole Apple mm-hmm. Music shit, the whole, like, I don't like what academics are saying to Ebro, but Ebro owe me a conversation for, for fucking taking our shit too. And I'm not a friendly nigga when you take my shit. I'm a catch a charge, pay a lawyer type of nigga when you take my shit. And so it's like when we're not getting our live notification, but there are still hundreds of people in the room. It's like, no, the shit feel funky. Like they don't want us to win because I know they don't want us to win because I've been calling these fuck ass niggas out for jacking our shit. They're going to stop jacking our shit. Mike. Well, this is what I'll say. Our power's in the people. You better now. not be in Atlanta this weekend. Cool, 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 cool. Our power's in the people, right? So we're going to reach out to them, but we want the people to actually reach out to YouTube too and let them know that you ain't getting these notifications and it's unacce- uh, unacceptable. We've been doing the show for almost three hours. The notification still ain't went through, Mike. That's that fuck shit. We on this channel live. We have yeah. thousands of followers on here. Yeah. Jay Short with the Super Chat says, MJ was a Hall of Famer before Off The Wall with the Jackson 5. He was. He was That's a true. legend That's as true. a child. That's true. How about this? Marvin Gaye, in Marvin, in Marvin Gaye's autobiography, he talks about being scared of Mike. Mike's a kid. A <laughs> child. Shit he's a child. He's talking about. He's literally he in in, in uh, Marvin Gaye's biography, not autobiography, but in his biography, the notes specifically reference David Ruffin and Michael Jackson. Yeah. Okay. So David Ruffin's like twenty seven. Michael Jackson's like twelve. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane, man. That's all you need to know about who Michael Jackson is. Right. It's like Marvin Gaye's worried about Michael Jackson when Michael Jackson is twelve, and David Ruffin is literally outside fucking the chick that he's doing making all the hit records with and is a better singer than him and he's like but this michael jackson kid right he shouldn't even (laughs) register he's like he's like david's fucking the hit maker that i'm making songs with david's a far superior singer to me 
But if you're hurting this Michael Jackson kid. <laughs> right. CJ Kid with the Super Chat says, uh, right. Prince and Nas That's was supposed to, uh, he said Prince and Nas was supposed to collab, but when he asked Nas if he had his masters, Nas said no. Oh. Then Prince backed out. Uh, this took place yes. at the I Am album release party. I Am album release party. I think the thing is, too, and what people need to actually take from that is the fact that Prince Ownership. really wanted to own not only his music, but anything that he was involved with. And if he stepped outside of that, then the, the very people that he was trying to keep his music from would have a piece of him. You know what I'm saying? Like, so by proxy, if he made an album, if he made a song with Nas, then the very people that he was trying to keep his music from well, will have access well, to him. So, 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 so let's so let's go ahead and go uh, ring around uh, the rosy pocket full of posies. It's like, well, if Prince does a joint with Nas, he's gonna have to get clearance from Columbia. Right. Columbia is run by Sony. Yep. Sony is one of the titans, like Warner Brothers. Prince don't fuck with Titans because of Warner Brothers did. And and how, how about this? Let's go back to Prince building out the Purple Rain complex. I call it the Purple Rain complex because Purple Rain built the complex, okay? Yeah. Talk about Paisley now, Park. Now, if Purple Rain yeah, is generating yeah. enough money for this black artist to build out literally his own personal man cave. What do you think Warner Brothers made off of Purple Rain, Mike? Well, he, he was Prince very vocal. That? If, if, if Purple Rain put Prince in an estate that can live forever, what do you think it did for Warner Brothers? He's very vocal about the fact that he doesn't believe that Warner Brothers gave him the accurate album sales. They said Correct. it so. I don't believe They it said either. it so 15 million, and he said he doesn't believe. Even. Towards the end of his life, he was saying that they were still in the auditing process of, you know, basically saying it sold more than fifteen million. This is the thing. First of all, first when you of get all, to those kind of numbers, numbers though, seventeen million. The official numbers are seventeen million. Right. Seventeen million records sold for Purple Rain, Mike. That's some bullshit. Again, go ahead and add another eight. You can go ahead and add another eight. You can make, go ahead and go ahead and another eight. And make that twenty-five. Like, this is the, the thing, cultural though, impact too. of it alone is like. How about this? People have to understand this. Shaggy went diamond. Mariah Carey went diamond. Whitney Houston went diamond. Don't tell me Purple Rain sold only like five or six million records more than those albums. It doubled those albums. Of course. This is the thing, though. Of course. Easily. So when he's talking about that, that's the machine he's talking about. When you get to those numbers, though, how does an artist actually know what they're selling? They just know what they're selling. How can you keep track of it when you're a phenomenon? You can't. You There's can. no way that you could keep track of all you know is I don't what care they what tell you. Sold. Look, and the problematic part about it, bro. Really 50, Mike. I don't care what the numbers say. It says 17 and 36, but it's 25 and 50 in my mind. I don't trust white cool. people when it comes to shit like that. And neither did Prince, and neither did Mike. This is the thing, though, Coop. What's problematic I mean, about it? This shit. People need to understand that. That's why they're not here, Mike. They're dead because they didn't trust those white people with their money. That's the real. The fact problematic of part of it is you're actually getting paid on the people who are actually doing the reporting. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, okay, well, when it's payout time, I'm gonna tell you, nah, this did ten million. <laughs> when it might have been Mike and they killed Prince. Uncle and they killed Prince. Uncle Fran with the super chat says, "Happy birthday, Coop! What a diverse show today, Coop! Why did you take BK?" 
Right, they didn't take BK. I was feeling forced into BK. Oh, Mike, Mike was hot. No, no, no. You you got on a Queens hype train, and I'm thinking to myself, it's like, well, I love me some Nas, but it's like I'm pretty certain that three of the five greatest MCs of all time are Biggie, Jay, and Nas. But two of those guys are from Brooklyn, and one of those guys are from Queens. Now we both have two of the top ten MCs, in my opinion, because you mm. can put LL in there. But Mike, I'm 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 about to show you. Like I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna tell you exactly what's going on. Like you can't beat my Biggie records and my J records are gonna take a lot of your shit off the map. You're in a lot of trouble. You can't beat my Biggie records. Like your best Nas records can't beat my best Biggie records because when they were both here and they were both and and I love Nas and I've always said this. The reason that this guy's picture is hanging on my wall. And there's no other rapper's picture hanging on my walls because I am very, very clear that had this guy lived, who number one is? Because when he was outside, Mike, and when he was at his peak, he was number one. And I can just pull from that pool right there and hurt your feelings like every time that I feel like it. So I don't even have like any Biggie records playing. I just know I can hurt your feelings when I feel like it. <laughs> like I can, I can balance out the I'm gonna play a Nas record. Nas thing, but I can hurt your feelings with Biggie whenever I feel like it. And don't tell me that LL Cool J and Mob Beat and Run DMC are about to ease the pain. Nothing can ease the pain. <laughs> like Phyllis Hyman said, nothing can ease. How can I ease <laughs> No, no, you're not going to be able to ease the pain because Biggie Smalls is the illest. I tried to tell you, Mike, I told you, Mike, when you started talking that Queen shit, I said, Biggie Smalls is the illest. You did say that. style is played out like Arnold in that what you talking about, Willis. You don't have to play go. old shit to win this Queen's battle. You're going to play that old shit. I'm going to hurt your feelings and show you that Brooklyn's in the house. It's a very, very bad night. I hate doing this shit to Queens because I love Queens more. I hate this shit. But, Mike, <laughs> you're going down. Mike, the playlist that I have, I want you to know that you're going down, Mike. Uh, I want you to know that you are going down, I'm not Mike. done with my playlist Mike. yet. Jay Mike, Short with the Super Chat this? says... Mike, I got my... I literally... I want you to understand how strategic this shit is. I have next to the records that I picked the record that I want you to play so I can step on your record. You better not play any 50 Cent, Mike. I specifically have some shit lined up to take 50 Cent shit, go ahead, out the pocket. So don't think 50's about to sneak in. I already huh. took care of 50. Mm. I already took care of 50. Jay in Short the club's with the not going to win, Mike. How about this? In the club's not going to win. I bet that. Mm. In Jay the club's Short. not going to win. I bet that. Jay Short with the Super Chat says... Not, ain't going to be no sneak attack. You got your LL and your Nas and your Run DMC and your Mob Beat, Mike. You're going to take your little seven or eight wins. Let me get to these Super the Chats real quick. You're going to take your world as yours? You're going to take a couple <laughs> old school records? We're going to get you out of here, Mike. You got to go. Jay Short with the Super Chat says, Coop, y'all disrupting the narrative. People are paying big money to put out there. Uh, you're fighting an uphill battle. Notifications won't go out. Well, we need y'all to go out there and say something to YouTube about it. I'm going to say something to YouTube about it, too. I'm sure Coop it's, is it's as well. 36 Chamber says... They know uh, what they're doing. No, Mike, they know what they're doing. They, they, they're running a business. They are. 36 Chamber they're says the real ones... The real right now, ones they're are, in the business of shutting us the fuck up. And I'm about to turn the fuck up. 36 Chambers said the real ones are checking. Ain't check no out. notification at fucking cool, 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 cool. Let me get to these super chats. Let me get to the next thing. 36 Chambers says the real ones are checking <laughs> hourly for the show to start. Uh, there's a real loyal following in this group, and we're waiting each day for this. Making sure you know. We appreciate that love, man. Reggie says uh, Little Stevie versus Little Michael. Uh, I love Little Stevie, little but Little Michael is the little greatest Michael, child artist Stevie, ever. Right. 
Lil Ray might be a better uh no little 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 Stevie. Lil Michael's crazy. Don't nobody want nothing. Don't nobody want how about this? The the like eight to nineteen year old Michael got more hits than most like twenty to 30, 40 year old grown men. Shit is like, crazy. Uh, so don't do that. And, like, and you know the thing about it, and you know, Stevie, yeah, he was still kind of finding himself as little Stevie, and he was obviously a child prodigy from a talent level, but from a record making level, he took some breaks. Little Michael from 69 to 79 was active every year. Hold on, can he I ask you something? Aren't Stevie and Mike comparable changes. in age? Aren't Stevie and Mike comparable Mike, in age, Mike? Stevie's a little older. Like what, four years? Three, four uh, years? Maybe? maybe about six years or something. Something like that. Is it six? It's something that like feels, that. that. That feels heavy. That would put him closer to Ray Charles' age, I feel like. No. Let's see. Like, Let's are do you this. sure to pull that up? Because I feel like there's there's like a four year difference. Because I know Michael was born in fifty eight, uh, so Stevie. Oh, Stevie might be fifty three. You might be right. Yeah, Stevie Wonder was born in fifty, so yeah, it's eight years. Okay. Uh, Eric Terrell with the super chat. You says, know what it is? It's it's the fact that when the Jacksons hit, like the Jacksons hit before Stevie. That's yeah. what it is. And the it Jacksons hit before that, Stevie yeah. did, but when Stevie hit, Stevie just like you know. Right. Eric Terrell with the Super Chat says, uh, Prince wrote two songs on the uh, movie Crush Groove, Holly Rock and Love Bazaar, and sang on one of them, uh, so you hear Prince in the movie. Yeah. You know, when I first heard um, Uptown uh, Funk by Bruno Mars, your guy, I was like, is anybody going to say this sounds like Holly Rock? (laughs) I was like... (laughs) Prince was alive at the time. So I'm like, is there a clearance thing here? I, mean, I don't know. I mean, you want to know what? This is what I mean. Prince is such a genius and Mike is such a genius. Stevie is such a genius. It's hard for you to be in black music and come and after not, them and not jack their style. Exactly. You got to be influenced by them one way or another. It's just when you're Filipino and you're not part of black culture really at all and you appropriate the shit like Bruno Mars does it, it becomes a problem. But then but then people keep on giving it a hall pass and people like Anderson Pack do an album with you and keep giving you a hall pass and keep getting hall pass, hall pass, hall pass. And so we hear with the appropriation, but no different than Taylor Swift. No different than Taylor Swift. It's funny you mentioned Stevie because a lot of people leave him out of that conversation. But when you listen to the Neptunes, I'm a huge Neptune fan. Any okay, of those, so any of those bridges, that's Stevie. I'm about to say, do you play the piano? Do you play chords? Yeah. Do you do hooks and bridges? That's exactly what I was about to say, Mike. Yeah. Do you do hooks and bridges? Because as far as black music goes with hooks and bridges, there's like Earth, Wind, and Fire and Stevie Wonder. Because <laughs> like, like the, the bridge on fronting, right? I think that that's kind of like synonymous with the Neptune style of how they do bridges. That's like stuff. Stevie playing that's the harmonica. That's waiting for the beat Stevie. to come back. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, Deontay Smith with the Super Chat says, my bad if y'all already talked about this, but what you guys think about... Um, the baby sales numbers dips. Yes, crazy you, you mentioned want to talk that. about that? Because I wanted to talk about that. Talk I, about that. I wanted to talk about that because I got, I got in a thread earlier that disturbed me. Somebody was like, keep blackballing the baby. And I'm like, wow. Huh? No, so no, 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 no. And I got in there. On. I got in there and was like, I don't co-sign anybody being blackballed because regardless right. of if you like a person or like their music or not, that's for the people to decide. That's not right. for 
a couple of individuals. That's not for a couple of individuals and the higher ups to decide when to cut somebody's water off. You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, what constitutes somebody getting blackballed? You can't make those decisions. Everybody was beating me up in the thread. I'm like, man, people are crazy. Yeah, so to answer your question, I think that his number dip is is twofold here. I think, first of all, I think it makes everybody else's numbers look questionable. If this this is real, then everybody else's numbers look questionable off top. And then the other part of it is, it's like, listen, man, I respect the baby and everything that he's done and what he's doing. If he's willing to take this hit on principle and not kiss ass, for lack of a better term, I'm with it. Good for him. And I appreciate it because, honestly... You can't sit here and tell me Jack Harlow's music, or let me say music, Jack Harlow's album is better than this man's album because people try to make it a quality conversation. It's not a fucking quality conversation. Mainstream rap, pop music has never been a quality situation. Not at least for the past 25 years. So, can I tell you something personal? I'm glad that we're talking about this because it's my birthday. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'm from the west side of Charlotte, Mike. Yes, sir. I'm a Cooper. The Cooper's been on West Boulevard since the 50s. My grandmother's family helped build Davidson College via Huntersville. Huntersville, West Boulevard, Beatty's Ford. These are my corners. But more than they're my corners, they're my family's fucking corners. We've been here a long time. The baby's from our neighborhood. He's from Huntersville, North Carolina. That's the west side of Charlotte. Huntersville will lead you right into Beatty's Ford, where I went to high school at West Charlotte. Beatty's Ford will back in you through the city, through Uptown, and put you out on the other side of the west side, which is West Boulevard, which will back road you into Clanton Park, where Anthony Hamilton is from. He grew up with my cousin, Freedom Park, Tuskegee. I know the cat that put Sunshine Anderson's first tape together. This shit personal to me. But, and I haven't always been the biggest fan of his, but I know he's from my neighborhood, Mike, because he's behaving the way we behave in my neighborhood. We don't give a fuck, Mike. When you play with a nigga, when you play with a nigga from the west side of Charlotte, it's like, no, we're not about to stop doing what we do. We're not about to change anything. If anything, we're probably going to double down and we're going to come back up and keep talking that shit because that's how our neighborhood works. Our neighborhood don't work like people tell you to go away and you go away. The neighborhood works like, oh, they said this so you know what you got to do, right? That's yeah. how the neighborhood on the, west, on the west side work. And so that's why I was saying this is like the way that he came back from all of this and made this quality project and said the thing that he's saying and kind of aired it out. Oh no, that's West Side QC and that, shit. But see, the part that's fucked up, and I saw it in this thread, that's people, people are trying to make it seem like he's getting these numbers because his quality's dropped off. That's not the case. Nope. That's not the case at all. Don't try nope. to change the narrative because you don't like what... We don't sit it, down to piss, Mike. Yeah, like, come on, man. You know we what I'm saying? We do not sit down and, to piss, Mike. You cannot go back to my... You cannot... They like, don't want a man standing on his ground, standing his ground. I was telling you, Mike, the video where he's signing the pregnant lady's belly. Yeah. That's my cousin Alex, nigga. My cousin Alex still on the west side. Like he's still in the neighborhood. I know how the neighborhood works. 
You can't pull up in the neighborhood illegitimately and let these motherfuckers talk this shit about you because the neighborhood will be looking at you like, like, nigga, I know you're not about to let these motherfuckers flex on you like that. Like, you know who we are, right? What well, the thing like, is, too, like cool. it's 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 personal when you come from the area in the hood that he's coming from. And I know because I come from the area. I know because my cousin's in his last fucking big video. It's like, no, he done took the shit personally because we take the shit personally where he from. Well, you know what, Coop? They should. He should take it personally because You're they damn right. They he actually lie. And, and nobody, nobody wants to for. talk about the fact that they're actually lying about what he said. They're saying yes. that he said something yes. he didn't say. Yes, but but that's what I'm saying. And they like, want him to like, apologize like, for something he didn't say. Right, and so this is like he comes from a place where it's like, well, we're taught that it's like, well, you're not allowed to sit down and piss. We're not going to let you sit down and piss. And so he's standing up the way that we're taught to stand up. But it's like to the mass media, it looks like, oh, well, you're just doing what you got to do to save safe face. Me from somebody that's from the neighborhood, it's like, no, that's how we fucking roll when we get indicted. This is the thing, man. He's putting his trust in his talent and his fans and his music. You know what I'm saying? That's and what so I'm saying. They're that's telling him, like, that, look, like, no, fuck, fuck what you they're basically what telling you him, like, look, they're basically telling him, like, look, if you admit to doing something you didn't do, all this will go away. He said, no, we're not that. doing that. We're not doing that. Yeah, we're not doing that. And we're it's unfortunate that. that other outlets aren't framing this in the way that it needs to be framed. But here's everybody's about, on this the is table. what I mean. He doesn't have enough notoriety coming from where he's coming from. Like, he's isolated. That's why I'm bringing up my neighborhood, Mike. You know yeah. how many guys have made it outside of the west side of Charlotte become a big-time rapper? Because yeah. it's him right now. Yeah. Like as much as I love myself, it's him. And so he's kind of on a solo mission. It's like North Carolina hasn't had a lot of big rappers. The West Side of Charlotte ain't had nobody but him. Yeah. So it's kind of he's like, no man's it's, kind of, it's kind of like you kind of, I can't even front. Part of me is, is like, I kind of want to get the hood up and kind of get on like on some old school hood shit so they know they can't do this. Cause it's like, oh, you wouldn't do this shit to Brooklyn. You wouldn't do this shit to Queens. You wouldn't do this shit to Compton. You wouldn't do this shit to New Orleans. Like, you trying to do this shit to my hood. Like, I'm from the 704. I'm from the fucking west side of Charlotte. So the way that he's getting treated, oh, no, I don't fucking like the shit. I don't. Because it's almost like y'all trying to stun on my man like his hood ain't big enough to speak up and speak out. They stun. Like, the mass media is stunting on fam. Fam's from my neighborhood, and I'm not his biggest fan, but you're not about to stun on my neighborhood. You're not about to stun on my side. And, you know, this is the thing. And we all know what this is about. I don't have to really, you know, go into it because we obviously, to some level, aren't getting notifications out there. I don't want any of this to be worse. What I will say, we all know that Eminem has said way worse things on record with some of the highest-selling albums ever to this community that has clearly been the cause of the baby getting right. X'd out. But, and no one has anything to say. And he's got Dr. Dre and Aftermath and Interscope behind him. The and you know what? The west side of Charlotte. But this is the thing, Coop. He's never apologized for shit. You don't have to. He, he went out Detroit there, and raised his... Aftermath and Interscope. He raised and, his hand with Elton John and everything was all good, right? Uh, Reggie with the Super Chat says... Cool. The chat has spoken. You can only play two Biggie records and get your feet off my couch. Nah, man. Okay, first of all, play as many as you want. First of all, <laughs> got something for y'all. I got something for y'all. Like y'all, th- this playlist. Oh, I went in. I went in. CJ Kid with the super chat says, "You said classic qualifications are different from every era. If you wouldn't be, uh, if so, wouldn't it be smart for a kid to study Illmatic to try to make a classic today?" 
Probably not. I don't know if Illmatic's formula would be. Well, you well, know what? I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I think Illmatic would be because of the nine song thing. <laughs> no, no, no. Akuma I would be a good you. one to study. No, no, no. Here's what I would tell you. This is what I mean about why Gibbs albums is so great. All the great albums that we're hearing are really coming from producer. And like, 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 it's it's getting scaled down. So think about this. I want you to think about the best albums that you've heard the last three years. Who produced KD2 and Magic? Yep. Who produced Alfredo? How many producers are on Pray for Paris, Mike? Is it like That's what four? I'm talking about, what Freddie just did. Yeah, he just changed it up. He just changed it up. Soul Sold Separately is more of a modern-day Illmatic format than all of these albums. It's the great rapper going out and saying, I can rap over any great producer's beats right now. That's the Illmatic formula. It's like, who's the great producer right now? I can go rap over their beats. Soul Sold Separately is more like Illmatic than Pray for Paris, Alfredo, KD2, and Magic. Those are solo shots. Pray for Paris has three or four producers. Who we got? We got Preem, Beat Butcher, Alchemist, Derringer. Yeah. Isn't that like 95% of the production for producers? Yeah. There's 10 producers on this Soul Sold Separately album. Impressive. That's impressive. That's what I'm saying. Hold on. Peyton Full got how many producers, Mike? Is it one? Two. Correct. Two. Uh, two. Yeah. Two. It's one like, one maybe on three. paper, two technically. Yeah, yeah, you get yeah, what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. And so it's like, no, don't tell me that this is an album of the year. Rappers don't do what Freddie Gibbs just did. I mean, because even if we look at Cheat Codes, that's one producer. Danger Mouse. Yeah. Hold on. If we look no at, fear uh, time. you know, no fear, fear of time, time is one what? Badly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So not only is the album comparable, degree of difficulty higher. All of you niggas got the zone out, and this nigga literally took two and a half years off a la Kendrick before Mr. Morale, because that's Kendrick's timeline. That's why I keep bringing up the Kendrick 4 album thing. The time Gibbs took off is the same time Kendrick used to take off, and nobody had a problem with it. And every time Kendrick came back, it was like, oh, this is the illest nigga ever. It's like, why aren't you doing that when Gibbs came back? Because after Pinata, when it's like when he came back with Bandana, you should have been like, oh, damn. And then he came back with Alfredo. You should have been like, what the fuck? And now we are sitting up here with Soul Soul separately. And it's like, tell me what the difference between Kendrick catalog and Gibbs catalog is other than Gibbs be talking this gangster shit. And ain't got a whole bunch of fucking hoteps following him. <laughs> CJ Kid with the Super Chat says, Biggie is the illest, yet you feel Nas is better. I've always said this. Had Biggie Small stayed alive. CJ Kid also says, uh, makes me scared to make an impactful album if they kill uh, MJ and Prince for wanting what they want uh, for it. Yeah, yeah. Never they, be scared. Here's what they told him. Here's what they told him. We're going to let you get wealthy and we're not going to let you pass your legacy along with your wealth. You know how wealthy those two men were and what's happened to their wealth since then? And you telling me they didn't get killed? Look at what's happened to their wealth since they've been gone. People always look at the situational shit. Go trace the money. I had I had I had a police officer tell me. He's like, Coop, if you ever want to figure out what's really going on, he's like, go look at the fucking money. That's where, yeah. The money is where Follow everything the money. is at. Now show me a wealthier black man than Prince and Michael Jackson at their respective ages when they die. Follow the money. Follow the money. Eric Terrell says, uh, Coop, you have better be time. selling a lot of crack and shooting a basketball at the same damn time to have some Michael Jackson money. You need to sell crack and shoot a basketball, little <laughs> nigga. You understand? Eric Terrell that? says. Coop, halftime is 
It's got more, one more chance. You're done. Uh, I don't know if halftime got one more chance. Uh, 007 says, Music. Mike, halftime don't got machine gun funk. All due respect. Ooh. Um, music was better. This is 007. Shout out to 007. He said music was better when it was controlled. He said music was better when it was controlled and suppressed. True or false? Just thinking about the lack of quality there is in today versus yesteryear. I think there's a double-edged sword to that. I think we get a lot of raw stuff now, but yes, I think artists were able to be cultivated when things were a little bit more controlled as far as radio, record label wise, and you would hear artists when you were when they were ready for you to hear them, as opposed to now you're hearing artists before they're even ready. I remember listening to uh, early New Edition stuff, and I felt like, yo, they got these kids out here trying to be the Jackson Five, and they're not ready. Like they, the early New Edition stuff, they didn't sound right. ready, right. But, but they it, ended up being ready. You, you want to know, know what what's I mean? crazy about that? Is that they ended up being the closest thing to it. Exactly. Well, there's nobody even. How about this? It goes Jackson Five, New Edition, and then there's the rest of you little niggas. Yeah, the rest of you little niggas. CJ, tell Kidd. me I'm wrong. In black culture, does it not go Jackson Five, You're New right. Edition, and then it's like. It's like, okay, we had Boys to Men for like four singles. We had Jodeci for like three years. It's like, give me that new edition shit. Yeah. CJ yeah. Kidd with the Super Chat we says. Do too. We go ahead and loop <laughs> Bill Bib DeVoe, Johnny Gill, oh, yeah. Bobby Brown, and Ralph Solicrate. It's like, that's all new edition, though. Those are my, it's all them. And I, it's if, all we them. It all the way, if we keep and it if all you, the way, if we keep it all the way, if you do that, Mike, no, it's right. comparable. Mm-hmm. Listen, if you do that, it's comparable. I think at the end of the day, New Edition is probably one of the most influential groups of its era and after. Because even TLC comes from basically trying to make a Belle Bib DeVoe in a female form. No, no, they're Belle Bib DeVoe. Yeah, you TLC know what I'm saying? Like, So all that early 90s stuff comes from New Edition. Hold on. So can we say this right quick? And I've said this before. Michael Bivens is the first puff. Oh, yeah. Let's get that straight. Michael Bivens is the first puff. Because he had, hold on, what did he say? ABC, BBD. ABC, BBD, the East Coast family. Yeah. Right. So, oh, and Subway in 702. He has 702, yeah. Mm -hmm. Subway in 702 early. Subway and 702 early. So deep multi-platinum, gold, platinum, plaques, albums, singles, hanging on the wall in multiples. This is after the new edition shit. So Michael Bivens' place in hip-hop and in music history gets super understated. He's the first real hip-hop and R&B mogul. Yeah. Michael so you Bivens. got him. <laughs> then you it's got Belvin no, DeVoe. No, no, then you got Bobby. Not. Then you got Rob. Uh, we're going to get this shit Johnny. right today. It's not Puff. It's not Jermaine Dupree. It's Michael Bivens. Yeah. Michael Bivens is the first hip-hop and R&B mogul in hip-hop to forge and blend them together because... New edition, you remember any heartbreak? Yeah. That's Michael Bivens' idea to have them niggas rapping on any heartbreak. He's the first one to do that shit. Yeah. New edition introduced the hip hop verse to the R&B format. That's Michael Bivens. So all that shit Big and Puff did, that's Michael Bivens' shit. Yeah. Okay. That's real. So he's that dude. He is that dude. He is literally the blueprint, and the archetype for what the modern day hip hop and R&B mobile looks like. Not Andre Horrell, not Puff, not JD, not Suge. Not Jay Prince, Michael Bivens. Understand that shit, okay? CJ Kid with the super chat says, "I wish I uh, had your bravery to turn up and check people, Coop. <laughs> Do it, man. Like, look, look here. I'm not joking when I say this. I've been outside with a lot of these niggas. All right, like, like 
Y'all can keep on believing these niggas get down if you want to. Like, I done, t- I done talked to all pro cornerbacks in the club. It's like, yo, fam, you keep talking to me, you're not walking out of here. So it's like, like this shit worked different when these dudes be stepping outside. I don't know why they think this shit is regular. If I was in their position, I would never even see niggas like me. Like, I, like the stories that I have to share, Mike, like, I be understanding why, I, I don't be understanding sometimes why dudes be putting themselves in the position that they put themselves in. Like, <laughs> I sat next to a first-team all-pro cornerback in a bar in Midtown watch night in the VIP section, and he had a problem with me being there because I had struck up a conversation with his girlfriend. I did not know that was your girlfriend. But here's what I did know. I knew who I was in there with, Mike, and I had to tell fam, it's like, you don't want with shit to lose. And you're the one that's walking out of here, like, 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 like stitched up. And like, I was like, I'm not walking out here. And I literally had to point around the spot and show him people and be like, you see them right there, right? There? Like, they're my people. It's like, oh, no, no, no. They're my people too, fam. Like, who the fuck you talking to? And it wasn't until I did that that he shut the fuck up. And he had his bodyguards next to him. And the fact that I had to explain to this nigga that he was surrounded while he had his bodyguards on him about some broad that I'm not interested in when I'm just trying to have a drink after I get off work. Is that shit that I be talking about with these rappers and these ballers? They be on some fuck shit when they be outside, and they be thinking they can do it, nigga. It's like, no, I'm not the nigga that you can, that you can come do. You don't get your ass done. And it's like I done checked a lot of these niggas, and so it's like you think these niggas is live? These niggas is not live. These niggas don't bust no guns. They ain't busting no gun in a while. These niggas be out in the streets putting themselves in harm's way in a way that I've never put myself in harm's way as a multimillionaire and somebody that's in the light. It's like, no, nah. like these niggas stupid sometimes. And it's like, understand that these niggas stupid. They put themselves in harm's way. It should be happening to them. And I unchecked a lot of these niggas. I just sat down and broke bread with a lot of the niggas. It was cool, too. And it's like the situation goes the way you behave. You a cool nigga in the street. You don't get treated cool in the street. You an arrogant nigga in the street. You're going to get your ass fucked up out here. This shit ain't no different than when it was when you was fucking broke, nigga. Jay Short with the Super Chat says, with Hip Hop 50th anniversary coming with A2HH, but uh, uh, I guess put a yearbook together documenting the MC verse album slash single of the year for each year. That'd be dope. I think we should do something like that. We can kick some oh, ideas. Verse. No, no, no. I mean, see, that that's what I mean. When we go into that territory... We're stepping outside of our territory. Hip-hop is 50. I'm 41 on Sunday. You just turned 40 a few months ago. How do we audit those first 15 to 17 years? We got to get the OGs involved. Um, Jay right, Short says, but they got to get involved, Mike. Yeah. Jay Short says, if you don't um, do the 50th yearbook, jo- Fat Joe will. <laughs> <laughs> I lo- hold on, I don't like how y'all talk about Joe This is what I think Remember when I was talking about Joe and I told you he's a cultural piece Because he's been around so many big things So when you're saying that jokingly Joe is somebody that's appropriate To do a 50th hip hop year yearbook Because first of all He's over 50 If memory serves, if he's not over 50 What's problematic well, Joe's though, be about 50, No, Joe's gotta be at least 10 to 12 years older than me He's about 53 He's probably 50 or something Look, I think what's problematic is the well, fact... He's, he was outside for all of it, Mike. You got to understand, when hip-hop's young, he's a stick-up kid, a but dealer, I think a hustler the, I think in the, the Bronx. No, you can't replace a dude that's a stick-up kid and a hustler and a Latino in the Bronx coming up while this hip-hop shit is happening. Let me it's tell you where all this is different. coming from. Let me tell you where all this is coming from. When he made the statement that uh, blacks and Latinos did hip-hop 50-50... They're 50-50 responsible for creating it. 
that created a rift because it's not true, uh, according to many of the people that were there. Um, and we talk about the first break dancers, that's Trixie. First um, graffiti artist, that's Cornbread. You know what I'm saying? And we just did our whole thing on Disco King Mario. And we all know that um, as far as MCing, I mean, that can go way, way back. And there are no Puerto Ricans that we got this from. So I think hold that's on, where that on, comes hold from. Hold on, Mike. Stop for a second. This is what I'm talking about. See, here's what we're not going to have. Paul Prince. Kaya David, can you all do me a favor and start respecting what I'm saying and stop being so slanderous in the chat when I'm talking? Whatever. Like, this is what I mean. No, like, people be sitting up here talking reckless and think because that I drink sometimes, the, the sentiments that I that I, that I I uh, emanate may be different. Mike, you've known me since I was about 2021. 20, I've always been this way, haven't I? Yeah. I've always spoke my mind. If I felt some way about something, that I said something. And so... What sometimes some of the people in this chat try to do, and I'm calling out Kaya David and Paul Prince. Like, like Paul Prince is literally tagging Kaya David, talking about he's about to talk them off the platform. It's like, nah, fam, I don't know if you know who we are, but let me let you know who we are, Paul Prince, because I see you pulling up, and I know that you're probably one of them industry lurks that I've been talking about is biting our shit. What we are is the best shit smoking because we're real. And we're honest and we're insightful. And what you need to stop doing is pulling up in our chat and having disseminating conversations about how I'm hurting the platform. I'm actually honest and forthright and forthcoming in a way that your ass could never be. And so what you and uh, Kaya need to do is fall all the way the fuck back because I've been watching your rhetoric the whole time in the chat. When it what comes y'all to need to do, down. So what they need to do in chilling and respect the fact that we actually have articulate points and intelligent points coming from intelligent place. And they need to stop stepping in the chat and making it seem like the points aren't intelligent and aren't articulate because they are like I be seeing Paul Prince pull up randomly. Like and I'm telling you, like he's like like whoever Paul Prince is, that's one of the Asian people that I'm talking about yeah. that's working within the industry and talking this shit, but I'm about to start airing you weak-ass motherfuckers out, and I'm about to start approaching you in the streets when I'm in Atlanta, too. You understand? Because you guys be in Atlanta jacking me and Mike shit, and I don't appreciate it. So what y'all need to do is chill out and respect the platform and respect the dissemination of what we're emanating. Because after working 50 hours a week, I sat up for another hour after working 50 hours this week. Like, I want you to understand, Monday through Friday, I work 50 hours. That means that I work the average of 10 hours a day, but last night, Mike, I was sitting up all night to listen to all these albums and I listened to these albums all night and took notes. And then I got up this morning before I went to work and took notes. And then I got off of work and I took notes. And so Kaya David and Paul Prince need to stop talking this shit unless they're going to put the time and the work and the effort that I put in into this shit. Because I'm tired of being disrespected by people who I know are industry agents in this chat sitting up here talking this shit while they're stealing our shit at the same time. Like they're jacking our swag and then telling us that we're not on point. It's like you niggas need to pick a side and you niggas need to come see me in Atlanta this weekend because I'm about to be outside specifically in about 30 to 45 minutes when me and Mike is done here. So if motherfuckers really got a problem with the shit that I'm saying, I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm from the west side of Charlotte. I was raised in the east side of Atlanta. I'm from downtown Atlanta. All of you motherfuckers be talking this shit be at Atlanta support. Come pull up in the streets and say this shit to me live and watch what happened to you live. 
Well, if I mean, you're you know not what, willing comes... to pull up on Coop Live, stop talking about Coop Live. Well, you know what? When, when it comes to breaking down this music, I'm I, talking about I... Kaya. I'm talking about Kaya David and Paul Prince specifically. You're talking about cutting out Coop. No, Paul Prince. Well, huh, 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 I wanna, I, I, we got to no, get to the super I, I can see the too, agents but... in the chat now when the shit be popping now. You mm. feel what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, like, what I'm not about to have is that bullshit. You motherfuckers outside, come outside and approach a nigga then. Don't talk this shit on YouTube. I'm an in the streets nigga, not an industry nigga. Well, so come a... approach me with the same shit that you and Kaya talking about in this chat this whole time while y'all flexing. I'm a real street nigga. Like, I'm a real street nigga in the sense that it's like, I will pull up on your ass in the motherfucking street, no matter what street, what neighborhood, what city, and I'll address what the motherfucking problem is, because that's what a real street dude does. Can I so say Kaya and Paul Prince need to shut the fuck up, unless they pulling up in the A this weekend, because they've been saying some bullshit for a long ass time, and I'm tired of it. They look like agents. I'm going to start calling the agents out as they pull up. If you're not an agent, then pull up in the A and address me with the same energy that you address me in the chat if you're not an agent. Because too many niggas is biting our style, Mike. I'm sick of niggas biting our style. Can I say something, though? I mean, I think when it comes to breaking down this music and all that, you're the best in the game. And, I am know, the best in the game, that's and that's stuff. why these niggas are sitting up here. No, no, I'm the best, and I know I'm the best. So if you feel like, if you feel different, Pull up in Atlanta, Georgia. You can pick a hood. You can pick a side because people respect me and know me everywhere. I pull up on the south side. I pull up on the east side. I pull up on the west side. I pull up downtown, midtown, little five points. Pick a motherfucking zone. But you're not going to keep on pulling up in here, making it seem like what I'm talking is crazy. But nobody knows who you are and everybody knows who I am because I am the best motherfucker at breaking this shit down right now. Fuck what you heard. Let me get to the I super the best chat. nigga at breaking this <laughs> shit down. Because I dedicate myself to it like that. It ain't like I'm saying it arrogantly, Mike. I worked 50 hours, and I sat up last night for another four hours to listen to Freddie Gibbs. To listen to Prodigy. To listen to these albums. Yeah. These motherfuckers ain't doing that. Don't pull up on me when I'm dedicating my life to this shit like that. You're going to have to come see me in the street. And this weekend's the weekend, and I'm that nigga. So if Kaya... And all of them is feeling like it. And this goes to these other motherfucking podcasts that's been talking this shit, too. Oh, oh, bring your ass down to the A and pop this shit off, my nigga, to my face. Because I'm in my face type of nigga when I have a problem. It's like, oh, you have a problem? Would you like to sit there and talk about it like men? Because I, I work two ways. It's like, we're going to use our words, then we're going to use our hands. But either way, I'm good as a man because I'm good with my words. I'm even better with my hands. And I'm fucking brilliant with my words. Whatever the fuck niggas want to do. But you're not going to sit up here and keep on doing this shit on this check. You're not. Kaya, you're not. Paul Prince, you're not. Y'all niggas been pulling up. Y'all pull up every time on some hater shit. Are y'all agents or are y'all hip-hop fans? You agents well, or you hip-hop fans? Let me get to the... Everybody's stealing according to hip-hop shit, Mike. And I'm sick of niggas stealing our shit. You're not paying niggas for the shit. I'm motherfucking lay your ass out when I see you for not paying me for the shit because I know what your checks look like when you get paid for stealing our shit. That's the type of shit the niggas in the street get laid out for. I'm an in the streets nigga, not an industry nigga. Well, let me, get to, uh, let me get to some of the people who are paying, you know what I'm saying, for their comments. Let me get to some of these super chats. Mad Max says, uh, if you look at the most popular yeah, artists... Yeah, there go Kaya that, talking about that empty barrel shit. Kaya, pull up with your man. Cool, cool. I whoop your man's ass. Cool, cool. I whoop your man's cool, ass, Kaya, cool, if you're cool, not cool. doing good enough. Let me get that like, attention. No, I don't fight women, cool, but I whoop cool, your nigga cool. ass and check his punk ass. Cool. 
Let's get attention to the people that's actually paying real quick. Right. Yeah, right. Man. No, 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 nigga. I'm about to step outside and check all these motherfuckers that be talking this shit. It's like, I live this shit, not breathe this shit. Cool. Let me get to these super chats real quick. Uh, he no, said, Matt, no, Kaya, Kaya, bring your man outside. I'm going to the cool. south side tonight. Cool. Tell your man come down and talk to me. Cool. Let me get to these super chats, man. Ignore them real quick. No, no, <laughs> the no. People paying their money, slick. man. People no, paying their money. Slick all year. I feel I you. People paying. No, I want the slick top to stop. I want the slick top. I want the slick talk to stop, and I want them to respect us because we're the best. They need to start treating us like the best. That's what they need to do. Well, let's get to the people who do respect it and, you know what I'm saying, who putting in their money. Mad Max says, uh, if you look at the most popular artists today, um, you want to make a classic, you have to do rapid fire flow with the spacey minimal beats and the beat switch. Uh, that's all the guys are doing today. Uh, Kaya, I've been to Queens. Kaya, I've been to Queens. Tell them Queens niggas to come to Atlanta. Cool. Let me get through these super chats. No, no, no. She's talking got... about that come to Queens shit. No, that's what I'm talking about. I knew she was from New York. Don't play that New York shit with me. Tell them niggas to come to the A. Come to Zone 6. How about that? Jay Show with the Zone Super Chat. Pull says... up to Gresham at midnight. See what you niggas look like. Pull up to the Gresh. Pull up to the liquor store in Gresham on midnight. Let's see what you niggas look like. Cool. Come on. Because I can pull up wherever I want in the city with no pistol. No nothing. I can be coop and I can pull up. Niggas in Queens can't cool, do that. man. Come on, man. Let me get through these super chats, right. dude. Right. Uh, Jay right. Short no, said, no, 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 no. Niggas gonna shut the fuck up today. Is what I, gonna I feel do. you, man. They're gonna keep this shit going and we'll never be able to finish right. the show. Right, right, right. Jay right, Short right, with right. the super chat. Says, tell, tell your whole family from Queens to come down to the A. Let's see what happens. Jay come Short, on, Jay Short I'm says, Queens. I know Queens. Cool, niggas. Cool. Queens niggas all from North cool. Carolina. They fuck with Coop. Are we gonna have to cut this off, man? Come on, man. Jay Short says, uh, God had more impact than BBD. And uh, Michael Williams, cool. the super chat says, Kaya's a man. Your name's Kaya and you're a man. I'm going to say less. Stop, man. I'm Come out. on, man. I'm out. I'm out. I ain't even mean it. I didn't mean it. I'm sorry. I'm going to say less. Uh, Michael Williams with the Super Chat says, what made KD2 better than Doa Die 2? Lyrically, AZ was more dense and complex on Doa Die 2. Um, let's get the this. songs are better. Yeah, I think the songs are better, too. More Money, um, More Murder, More Homicide, Give Me Yours. No, you're talking about Doa Die 2. record, Doa Die. No, you're talking about KD2 and Doa Die 2. Sugar um, Hill. No, nah, he was talking Should about. Who went platinum? Cool. He was talking about Doa Die Two and KD Two. Those two. Uh, Set good production says uh, Coop Knight. Um, Reggie with the super chat says, "Can you guys share your thoughts on uh, Coast Contras bar work and um, and with the twin dads and moms being Rizkaz and Teacher Moses? I didn't know that. I had no. I had no idea." Uh, CJ Kid says top ten hip hop verses off the top. Man, y'all gonna have us here all night. We're almost like three and a half hours in. We gotta get up out of here. Um, let me get make sure we get the rest of these super chats, and we'll give uh, Freddie a a rating and just kind of dip out. Double O Seven says I met Coop in real life. He's a real one, Mike as well. Yeah, man. Double O Seven is cool people. Eric Terrell with the super chat says Coop and Mike. Could y'all do a, a 70s versus 80s soul music or 90s versus 2000s soul music? I just want to see uh, your deep cuts. Coop, um, you the man. Much love. Let's see. what. Uh, oh. I'm so behind on these super chats. Sorry. 36 Chambers says, <clears throat> love A2HH, but this format comes with trolls, y'all. 
the bigger you get and the more subs you get, the more subs you have, this is going to be the price. Ignorant, ignore the trolls. Address the super chats since no, they're paid. Hold on, hold on. So uh, I keep up this. the good work. I want to say this, and I say this respectively. Paul Prince and Kaya, no, no, no. They're intelligent. They're just not about to flex on me. So it's like if you're feeling like flexing, like, well, no, trolls, don't pull up online. No, don't pull up online. Don't tell me to come to Queens like Kaya just did. Don't call me an online thug like uh, Paul Prince just did. Y'all are on our platform and our podcast. Why don't you pull up to the A and see what I'm about if you feel that way? Because this ain't the first time, second time, third time, fourth time, fifth time, sixth time, seventh time, eighth time, ninth time, tenth time. Then I'm pull up in the chat and it's them two saying that sideways shit, and some of it be that New Yorker arrogant talk that they be doing, and quite frankly, I'm from Charlotte, and from the A, we don't do that arrogant New Yorker talk, and the people that raise me don't play that shit. I'm not about to play that shit with y'all in the chat. Like, they be talking like, kind of sideways, like we don't know what we talking about. No, we're authenticated, and we're certified, and treat us and talk to us about it like so. But don't tell me to pull up the Queens if you're not pulling up to the A, because I'll pull up the Queens. But cool. Trolls are trolls. Jay Short with the Super Chat. They're not says, trolls. They're better than that. That's what I'm saying. Even when you're saying that they're trolls, well, that's not really respectful to what they're providing, because why I'm responding. I haven't seen them drop no money. I don't recognize those names. Oh, no, no, no. They don't drop no money. They just well, drop I, I, their hate all I, the gotta, time. We got to oh, acknowledge the again. people that's say dropping again. money. Hold on. They never drop any money, but they always have their hate in the proper place. Well, all again. Right. I mean, people know what they got to do to get their uh, chats acknowledged. And I don't want it to be one of those things where people feel like they could just see, say some slick shit to get acknowledged. Jay Short with the Super Chat says, block the trolls. We're, uh, we are fighting our uh, for our culture and the history right now. A2HH is vital. If they can erase you culturally, then they can erase you physically. Your mission is critical. To be uh, too critical. Oh, like to you want to know? I don't even like the fact that the motherfuckers is not like flexing back with me. It's like sometimes motherfucking beef happens in life. It's just like like people be acting like, okay, Mike, I'm gonna tell you something. It's like life is like full of tension and like circumstances. It's like the shit is not kumbaya. It's like if I pull up in the chat and it's like I'm calling people out. It's like deal with the shit. Like that's life. Like deal with it and flex and like keep forward. Like, do you know how many people pull up on these YouTube comments and say crazy shit to us literally every well, day now? Well, the comment section is a little different because you can go back and forth. But I think when you got somebody that's out here interrupting the broadcast, that's a little different. No, they're not interrupting the, the broadcast. I just see a tone and it's like, yeah. well, I know you're intelligent Yeah. because I like I read what people say like. I'm a writer and I'm a reader, so I know when people are intelligent. And so when the facts that they have to disseminate are not rooted in facts, it's rooted in almost trying to be the antithesis or to create the tension. It's like, yo, why can't we have the healthy conversation about it? You don't like Soul Soul separately? Tell me why. How about this? Respect us enough to pull up in Patreon and tell us why. Like, you see how Jordan, yeah. Leroy... Even Dumb It Down. Like, me and Dumb It Down ain't even had the best relationship rest yet, uh, uh, lately. Dumb It Down been saying a lot of hater shit. But Dumb It Down will pull up and be like, but Coop, it's this, 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 this. I've even seen Dumb It Down in the chat saying things. Yeah. But he says things from the perspective as a fan. He ain't like, oh, Coop don't be in the streets. He don't know what he's talking about. Don't talk about me as a man. Talk about the music. I don't know Kaya. 
You get what I'm saying? But when you talk about me as a man and what I will or what I won't do or who I am in the streets, it's like, yeah, nigga, bring your ass to the A then. When you say, oh, I was telling you to come to Queens like it wasn't no problem, that ain't what you said. You said it in the middle of us having a tenuous conversation. You was like, pull up the Queens. You feel what I'm saying? Then after I call you out on it, you want to try to change it and be like, oh, I wasn't saying it like that. Oh, I know niggas from Queens. When niggas are saying pull up the Queens, they ain't saying that shit in a nice way, Mike. Now, are they? No. Uncle Fred. You ever heard somebody tell you to pull up the Queens as a Southern nigga and it'd be something friendly and inviting? But they tried to flip it like it was. It's like, I'm not stupid. I'll be 41 on Sunday. So stop trying to fucking play me. Respect the chat. Respect the thought. If you have some discourse about why the Freddie Gibbs isn't the album of the year, provide it. If not, let me flex because what we got our name for is coming up on here and giving reviews. Jay Electronica and Jay-Z is how this podcast got started. We give reviews. When I'm giving my review, I would like to think that it's authenticated and it's factual because we literally built our platform off of our reviews. So when people's like, oh, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about? It's like, yes, I do. It's how you got here. Uncle Fran with the super chat says, "Cook, even the people who not who not always agree like me, we all are here because A two H H is the best. We appreciate correct, you. correct. So act like it. That's what I'm saying. Like act like it. Like I know who we are and what we are because I see everybody taking our shit, and maybe that's why I'm so pissed off. But when the people in <laughs> here are pulling up like we not the shit, when everybody's taking our shit, and it's people that I see coming in here all the time." Notice how, like, 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 like Paul Prince said, respect your subscribers as well. Move forward. Well, that wasn't your energy until I checked your ass. I shouldn't have to check your ass online, live. But next, since I did, don't do the shit no more. How about that? All right, let's do this. Let's give Freddie a rating, and then we'll get to the rest of everything Wednesday. Because I mean, we're we're three hours and forty something minutes in. What do you well, rate this Freddie in. Gibbs out? Am I facts? Are not facts, Mike. No, no, I feel you. No, they're right. feelings. These are my feelings. They're not facts, but I believe that. I think. Listen, all of us need to be. You know, people need to respect the shit and don't be trolling in here, right? No, oh, no, 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 that, no. Hold on, hold on. And I think on top of that, hold on, real quick. I think that again, I don't think we need to be thrown off course by people who are in the chat who aren't really trying to add to the conversation either. You know what I'm saying? Because anybody could pull up YouTube and just try to throw off the whole conversation. Now, right. if you're so willing to I'm spend saying. $10, 20 so to do that, that's so, on you. So this is what I mean about the petty level. So this is Paul Prince and this is Kaya David back to back. We all have opinions and yours ain't the only one. You didn't check me at all. Cut it out with the online threats. First of all, I didn't offer you an online threat. I offered you to pull up to Atlanta, Georgia. That's a direct invitation to back up the shit that you're talking. And then Kaya Dave says, Coop, you bug him. And the Beatles suck. Well, this is what I'm talking about. You see you see the behavior? That's all I'm saying. And so that's where I want to leave it. Well, the bigger we I get, just, the more that's going to happen. You know what I mean? And, right, the, more, no, no, I and the more that, that we acknowledge that, 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 and feed into it, the more no, that... No, no, no. Yeah. I understand that's going to happen. But yeah. I just said Soul Sold Separately was the album of the year. Mm-hmm. Don't try to indict me personally because you don't agree or you don't like it because it's like, well, Pitchfork doesn't deal with that. Rolling Stone doesn't deal with that. The Source, Double XL, Elliot Wilson, Ebro, Academics, like you want to name it. None of them deal with that. We're different because we actually include the people because we value your opinion. So don't pull up and have your opinion be fuck you. Have it be intelligent because that's how we got here. 
Like yeah. we got here based on the people. And so when people who I know are intelligent or pulling, pulling up and saying, fuck you shit, that's what you're getting called out on. You're not getting called out on calling me out. My mama called me out earlier this week. My ex-wife called me out when she was dropping the dog out. My ex-girlfriend just spent the last two years calling me out. She's not here anymore. My daughter be calling me out. I'm not above reproach, Mike, but we do a critique. We do a show. Like, be respectful of the critique in the show. Don't tell yeah. me I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about just because you prefer to hear most deaf and black thought. Darren Harris with the Super Chat says, you guys are the realest. On your love for Prodigy, Pusha T, Nas, and the Neptunes alone. Love A2HH. We love, love everybody. You. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I truly love hip-hop. Like, Freddie Gibbs' album gave me goosebumps last night. What? It gave me goosebumps to hear a gangster rapper want to venture out and try new production and try new sounds and try new styles. And he's just not borrowing from Bone. He borrowed from Bone. He borrowed from Biggie. He borrowed from Lil Wayne. He borrowed from Lil Wayne on the song that he was with Pusha T on. Do you know how nice yeah. this nigga is? Did you not, did people not hear him borrowing a Lil Wayne bar on the song with Pusha T? And he knew that he was doing it, Mike. That's what I mean about the nuance of it. It's like, are you paying attention? It's like Jay said on Renegade. Do you fools listen to music or do you just skim through it? Because how can you hear Pusha T on a track with Freddie Gibbs, where Freddie Gibbs is literally borrowing a little Wayne bar and making it work, and Pusha T's at the end of the verse talking about, I don't believe anybody. And then he pauses and says, except Gibbs. That's album of the year shit. That's what I'm trying to say. And so respect my critique on that, that I've broken it down like that. Like, you don't have to agree with it. Respect it. They'd be like, fuck that. That nigga don't know what he's talking about. This nigga Coop tripping. This nigga Coop been drinking. Mm -hmm. I wasn't drinking when I listened to the fucking shit the first two times that I wrote all these notes down and spit them back out to you. My inebriated nature has nothing to do with the notes on the page. I wrote the notes server, so what are you going to say now? You feel what I'm saying about how people be acting on here? Double I've had, I've had too many. I've had too many people pull up about my lack of sobriety while I'm a recovering alcoholic who doesn't drink literally. I literally drink 80% less than I used to drink. And people are like, oh, Coop been sipping. Like, what do you think that that does to me when I'm sitting up here rating all these albums sober and struggling not to drink at one o'clock in the morning to rate the album soberly? And I don't pull up and have a drink until we sit down in this public forum the next day. Yeah. The album got rated soberly. I'm drinking right now. The notes got written down soberly. What does me drinking have to do with it? That's what Cayenne Paul Prince been saying for mm. months on here, talking about my inebriation. You get what I'm saying about the disrespect? Yeah. It's like, well, I'm rating the album. You're talking about the fact that I'm drinking. I've been a fucking alcoholic. I don't even drink like that no more. You think that the way that me being inebriated is affecting the rating? About my alcoholism, I don't even drink when I rate the albums because I don't want the fact that I've been an alcoholic to affect the rating. Right. I barely even smoke fucking weed. If you really want to know the truth, I try to do this shit literally as sober as fucking possible. So don't tell me that these motherfuckers are okay pulling up and indicting me and saying some of the personal things that they're saying about my drinking habits, about my behavior. You get what I'm saying? Don't tell me that I'm wrong. Rate the music. That's the album of the year. You motherfuckers don't even know the sequence to No Fear of Time. 007. Mike, Mike, I want you to name the first five songs off No Fear of Time off the top of your head. 
Uh, off the top of my head, I can't do it. Name the first three. Off the top of my head, I mean, it's been a minute since I've actually seen the album. Right. Name the first two. You feel what I'm saying? How was that? I know album what they the sound year? like. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, how was that album of the year? That's fair. That oh. ain't got nothing to do with my sobriety. That ain't got nothing to do with my intelligence. That's just fact of the matter. You motherfuckers ain't heard. Double O Seven with the super chat says two spins and the Gibbs might be album of the year. I need to let it sit for a little bit. Uh, Rome Streets on deck. KD three officially uh, has some huge uh, has something huge to overcome. Excuse me. If I'm wrong about the Beatles, give me evidence. Because I got 20 Beatles songs that'll crush any other group songs. That's including the Isley Brothers and Earth, Wind & Fire, respectfully. Just respectfully. <laughs> well, like, I'm uh, a writer, Mike. I'm a writer. I hear songwriting. I hear lyrics. It's like, mm-hmm. no, there's not... there. No, John Lennon and Paul McCartney. 20? You want to go 20 deep? John Lennon and Paul McCartney to. with Earth, Wind & Fire? Mike, how about this? If you were put Earth, Wind & Fire and the Isley Brothers together... Yes. I'm being realistic. Osley Brothers? No, I'm willing to do that. But no, I, you, the Osley Brothers to me is the closest actual comp. But understand, even when I'm talking about the Beatles, it's like, well, I don't consider them to be superior to Prince. I don't consider them to be superior to Michael. I don't consider them to be superior to Stevie. Like Prince, Michael, and Stevie's catalog to me is blowing the Beatles catalog out the water. But those happen to be the three greatest artists that I ever thought lived. Right. And then you can sprinkle Bob Marley in there and well, and I'll take Bob Marley over the Beatles as well. But we said band. Those are solo artists. We want to call Bob Marley and the Wailers as a band. We can include Bob Marley and the Wailers and put that against the Beatles and make that comparable. But I'm not crazy when I'm saying this. And and and, and these people that are telling me this, Mike, I know this. Y'all have not listened to Abbey Road and Sgt. Peppers from beginning to end, and I know you haven't. Don't lie to me. I've been an artist. I've been deep, deep in this game. Very few black people listen, have listened to the Beatles catalog from beginning to end that were born after 1975. Right. It's just a fact of the matter. So don't tell me that you know this shit like that to be making these statements. I've listened to all of Stevie's stuff, Prince's stuff, the Beatles stuff. Like, I've actually listened to everything. Have you listened to all the Beatles stuff? When you were sitting up here indicting me and telling me that it doesn't match up, have you listened to all their albums and all their material? I have. Have you listened to all the Rolling Stones material? I have. Cool. I hate to break this off, but I I gotta go. <laughs> we almost like four hours in, man. I gotta go. What what's the uh what's the rating? What are we looking like? It's the album of the year, Mike. And to be honest with you, the only uh, only missteps that I heard. We're on two records, so if you want to dock two points off of it, we can and give it a 4.8, but it's not lower than a 4.8. Everything about the album is flawless. The lyrics on time. Guest appearances on time. Production, next level. You want personal? You want honesty? You want gangster? You want lyrical? You even want some spiritual stuff? You got an interlude where he got Jesus calling in. I love that. Black Jesus. I, love I used that to love that show. So can I tell you something? Why I love the Jesus interlude? And a lot of people might think that it's blasphemous. If he was here, Mike, that's what I keep trying to tell people. He didn't deal with the hierarchy. He dealt with the lowarchy. He rolled with the pimps, the prostitutes, and the breggers, and the drug dealers, and the lowlifes. He didn't roll with the hierarchy. Well, it's actually Black Jesus, though. You, did you watch that show? Yes. Yeah. So yes. Yeah. But, but the contextualization of it. Of like, oh, I got some fish, I got some bread, I'm going to roll up. It's like, no, yeah. 
if he was alive today, he walked with the people, Mike. He lived with the people. He communed in fellowship with the people. He did not go sit in palaces and eat with kings and queens and have formal dinners. He chilled with the pimps and the prostitutes and the beggars. That sound like Freddie Gibbs coming out of Gary, Indiana. There's some contextualization even to the humility of who Jesus is, to how he's referencing it into the interludes of his albums. It's deep. But because he's a gangster rapper, if Black Thought and Most Deaf were to do a Jesus interlude, you would treat it totally differently than Freddie Gibbs. That's what I'm talking about. Hmm. Jay Short says, U2 is greater than the Beatles 40 years in. I love U2. Well, on that note, man, let's get up out of here. I got to go get some food, all that stuff. But Me great too. Show. I haven't eaten all day, and I'm about to turn up real, real big. Turn um, up. All you haters, come see me out in these streets. Um, I don't give a fuck about what you have to say. You're wrong. I'm right. And get off my lawn. Feels good to be 41 on Sunday. Uh, <laughs> fuck your couch. Fuck your team. According to hip hop is the best. Stop biting our I shit be before that. I have to catch another case and roll up on you in the streets. And uh, we're done here. Yeah, it is.